will probably enrage you, but we'll we'll cross. Well, maybe we won't cross that bridge. Maybe you'll throw me off of it. But you just well, start a podcast, and then Poot is like, "Yeah, I hate the Matrix. I didn't see it." I'm, I'm, yeah, I was thinking about doing a bit, like at the very beginning, being like, "Edwin, why did you invite? Me? I don't even like these movies." <laughs> well, and with that, I think I should probably put it in the intro. Hi, hello. It's another special episode. I I was going to give the Matrix a four track edit, but then mooses have to moose in. Well, I can't really control them. Uh, as you've already heard from what I'm probably not going to cut out, it's this podcast is literally just going to start, and you'll be like, "Whoa, what the hell?" I didn't I didn't expect this. Uh, it is going to be about the Matrix, not only just the first one. We're talking Animatrix, we're talking sequels, and we're talking about Resurrections. And I'm scared that that might be the bulk of the conversation. I have brought back two of the party whips i've called them party whips are the people who come back and have been in an episode they're now the party whips poot how are you i'm doing pretty well uh i have one cup of coffee in me and food you know i did the obligatory parents call you on the weekend to check in so that's taken care of so i am ready to roll you see i'm probably gonna have to do that i heard that my parents also have covid as much as i do well not my dad my mom does so i may be able to pass by and just say hello and if i cough on them it'll be okay John, I have you back. I haven't had you since what when I was hosting this solo. How are you? Hey, I'm I'm doing fine. And I remember that you probably don't have me. Did okay. Here we go again. I don't want this. You probably never had me back because I stuttered too much, and I don't want to kill you from editing. I, look, the special episodes are all about editing to an insane degree. It's funny because when I first set out with this show, I said the main episodes were going to be the ones that are edited better and the special episodes are going to be whatever. And my focus flipped because the special episodes, those are the ones that are more important. The main episodes, who cares anymore? It's just a shit show of just shit posting there anyway. So who cares? All right, let's go this ahead and just get into this. This matters for the three people that listen to you. Uh, uh, five five okay <laughs> i had one person who listens twice okay okay <laughs> so, i listen to it too so does it count i'm like- so sorry no that doesn't <laughs> you're going to hear your own voice for this one you'll be like i i can't do this i'm not gonna do this which <laughs> is okay the less people who listen to this the better um so let's go ahead and just start at least from the beginning because i don't know how else to start uh the matrix so john tell me what is your history with the matrix how did you get here all that etc i've been watching the matrix movies forever like literally since i was younger than i should because my dad is a big cinephile so he always loved movies and i probably saw matrix reloaded on the movie theater but i was like five at the time i think so yeah i always i always loved those movies and dude uh especially after seeing the first one i was probably four when i saw it for the first time that i can remember and that shook me to my core as it probably did to everyone but yeah uh, then i always loved it and then came in matrix and that was fucking amazing that scarred me for life with love for the series And I dreaded the moment when they announced the fourth movie, but let's leave those thoughts for later. That is fine. Okay. Poot, you're going to be the oldest one here. I apologize for pointing that out. Tell us, what was the Matrix like for you? Well, you know, back in my day when we had to to walk uphill in a snowstorm to get to the movie. No, fucking Wearing no. nothing um, but, but flip yeah, loin, on the loin, snow. Yeah, loincloths and walking sticks. Um, <laughs> Ooga booga, one ticket no. for the Matrix. 
your so, wooden yeah, shoes. Yeah, I know what you're getting at. Here's the thing with the Matrix: that, like, it was one of the one of my formative kind of film going, movie watching, whatever you want to call it, experiences. Specifically with um, my dad, like I think kind of John stated the same thing, where it's like he was he watched a lot of movies. He was oddly kind of picky with the movies he watched but he watched a lot i grew up on blade runner for example that was like one of Ooh, my yeah me too formative experiences yeah yeah exactly so the matrix i remember when it came out and i remember going to the movie theater with him to watch it we oddly enough we didn't go to the theater a lot to watch movies together we watched a lot at home because uh they uh how do i put this they they copied movies from the vcr so we watched uh, a lot of them that way from Blockbuster. Like they were OG pirates, which I, I had no concept of, but uh, that was a thing. So we we actually went to the movie theater to see this one. Um, and yeah, I, in fact, I just checked. I was 13 at the time when we went to see it. And like a 13-year-old kid, like a teenager, you know, the minds are easily, easily blown. And such was the case with this movie. I mean, it was just absolutely mind-blowing from the action scenes to the types of characters you interacted with to the really dense, high-concept philosophies going on and it's hard to explain to people who weren't there weren't old enough the kind of the zeitgeist aspect of this but you can kind of see it in future films that were obviously influenced by this one so yeah without a doubt it was i mean it it was a formative movie for many people who watched it at the time when it released as well as obviously extraordinarily influential for future films and filmmakers that came after all right so now my history actually mirrors a lot of john's uh except i didn't have a guiding hand when it came to movies i it was sink or swim bitch for me um basically i had my godfather who uh, look this man great taste all right he was out here and he introduced me three well four things actually that are forever stuck in my brain one is the original matrix two is kill bill three is all lord of the rings and then four is lost season one so he had some bona fide credentials of waking me up to like some really really good shit would you say that he red pilled you What, what, it's okay, just what beginning, Seven. Edwin. Don't worry. The, the puns are just beginning. Market seven minutes where we had our first pun that I question if I'm going to cut or not. And I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do it. So you know, I'm innocent. Trust me. Oh my. No, no. I'm not cutting it. I'm not cutting it. Maybe if we get to like the seventh one where it's like, did you feel like the mayor of Inji? Like that one's probably going to be cut. Um. So with the Matrix, man. Um. <laughs> You just really can't enjoy this movie as a big dum dum and going. I like it when they punch people. I like the big robot. I like it when it goes on the ship. I, it's so fun to take it like that. But what I love is that every time that I come back to this movie, I'm just picking up different things where I'm like, oh shit, that's actually really smart. Like now to this point, I'm watching The Matrix like seven different versions from how I originally watched this movie, and even rewatching it, I love this movie. This movie's so damn good. And then after a certain YouTube video that I watched, uh, I don't even remember how long ago it was. It's probably like a year or two old now. But there is a video by, oh my, Now You See It, I think. Now You See It, I think, is the name of the channel. And they made a video where they basically took words from Lana Wachowski and cut it along with scenes of the Matrix. And they're like, yeah, no, no, no. This is what they're talking about when they say that The Matrix is a trans movie. And I hate that that's the one thing that I fixate now every time that I watch it. So, yeah, I think at this point we have our history of The Matrix. From here, 
I don't know where the fuck to take us. So let's just talk about the Matrix until we realize that there's not much else we can talk about, and then we'll fight about the sequels. Yeah, I think I think the the brilliance of this movie and why it's so beloved and popular and admired is that you kind of spoke to it. It, it works on so many levels. Um, obviously, the surface level action stuff was mind blowing and revolutionary for its time, and by the way, still fully holds up i think yes um it looks extraordinary um from the action and wire work to the kung fu stuff is very good and obviously the kind of the precursor to the kung fu if you want to call it that john wick really dabbled more in as well and obviously there's a lot of high concept stuff going on which we can delve into later on with a lot of the religious and the the, the iconography and and everything else and i think a, a funny little tidbit that I didn't really remember was that this movie was released on Easter weekend in 1999 to kind of really set up the lack of subtlety with a lot of what's going on. I just kind of saw that and I chuckled like, Oh, of course it would release on that weekend. Follow um, the white rabbit. Yeah. Follow the white yeah. Rabbit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And obviously when I, when I initially watched it, I was 13. I was a dumb kid. Like you said, a lot of the punch and shoot and go boom was obviously appealing and I didn't pick up on a lot of the other stuff until I rewatched it later on and even more so recently when I rewatched it for this to record this podcast and so yeah it's just um, I think one one aspect that I really liked was delving more into Agent Smith and how he operates yes. and kind of those little crumbles uh, those little crumbs that would later pay off I think one thing that really struck out not struck out but stuck out to me was the fact that when he was interrogating Morpheus, when he captured him, was that he's really sick and tired of the Matrix as well. And it seems like you weren't really sure what his end goals were, but you kind of like, oh, that's kind of curious. You have the villain who is also literally kind of sick and tired of uh, of Reality this place system. as well. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're not sure what he wants to do about it. So that was really, really intriguing and I, I don't know, Edwin, you're, maybe you're the same way. I'm really a sucker for world building stuff. Um, so in this, this movie just kind of just slathers it all over. Like they talk about Zion. You're like, hmm, what is Zion? And the, the Oracle aspect, I, I had forgotten that Oracle was actually in this movie. I always associated her with two and kind of her and the, uh, the architect stuff as well, which we'll obviously go into later. Yeah. Th those are the things that stuck out to me the most when, when watching it. That and obviously the the action still rules and holds up, like I said. So God, there's so many different directions. One one last thing to kind of bookend the lack of subtlety. The beginning is it's released on Easter weekend and the Rage Against Machine song at the end. I'm like, okay, we're not we're we're gonna be not subtle at all all the way until the credits. So I feel like I'm funny. gonna talk so much about the Matrix whenever we get to Resurrections, just because I feel like Resurrections is just such an examination of this one that I feel like I need that piece to explain a whole bunch. Oh man, okay. Yeah. Um. I, let's talk about the action because I feel like that's the easy one to get out of the way. And I hate that I, I ugh, resurrections is right over there. And I feel like that's the one that I, I have to avoid. That's the elephant in the room whenever I talk about a whole bunch of this, yeah. but man, seeing that the actors did go through some of the training to actually make these fight scenes feel as good as it does. I love it because you can tell that these actors are actually doing this. The shots are wide enough and steady enough that you can tell like, no, no, that's not a, a stunt double. That's Keanu yeah. Reeves actually doing this shit. Sure, there were still stunt doubles, but the parts that mattered the most where you really want to be able to see who's actually there and fighting, they're there. They're fighting. And I love that because it allows the directing to 
be able to show whatever it wants instead of uh, uh, fucking wides and that are far away so you can't tell that Abdul Abdin Marid didn't train never mind I'm not gonna <laughs> calm down calm down Okay, I just want to say that the action in the Matrix, the original one, was something so impressive, even at the time, because that was also when the whole shaky cam thing for action was going on, was, was starting. As we saw late, a little bit later on with the Jason Bourne, Bourne. movies. Yeah. yeah, which I think was what, a year or two away? Uh, yes, I think about that. Yeah, Bourne Identity was 2002. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the whole style of the Matrix, of the action, was so goddamn influential. Not just with the action, but also with the vibe of the movie. That not much later, you also started seeing a bunch of copycats. Shit like Equilibrium. Like the dumbest fucking oh my movies. God. That fucking suck because they they aren't trying to be themselves they're trying to be the matrix and you can out matrix the matrix i really need to watch that oh it's bad it's it's yeah not good it's divisive i know people that really really like it uh but yeah it, it is like it is definitely uh a matrix off of the ma- yeah i think that in the yeah. dvd case uh, when I saw it the first time, I remember that in the DVD case it was reading, forget about the Matrix, here's Equilibrium, like you've never seen before. <laughs> and that was, oh, then you watch the movie and it's really, it's well choreographed, but it's way too try hard. Dude, it's got the Spider-Man font, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, and I think uh, to go, Edmund, to go back to your point about it shows, like, I mean, obviously Keanu Reeves was really easy to meme on. And yeah. I, you know, he, he still is like, oh, I know, I know Kung Fu and it's like, whoa, and all whoa. this stuff. But yeah, I mean, the, the work, the work they put in shows and those, I mean, even just in the training scenes between him and Lawrence Fishburne, it's like, Keanu Reeves is obviously, he's not a, he's not a Daniel Day-Lewis. He's not a, a thespian or a, a stage actor. Or, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be Academy Award nominated, but the guy busts his ass and the John Wick movies just remind you of that as well. He gives a hundred percent especially in these action movies. Um, and there, there's an aspect of that. It's like when you know, when you're going to the theater and you're paying money, it's like you want to know that the people putting on a performance are giving it a hundred and whatever percent. It's kind of yeah. the same with the same with Tom Cruise as well. You know, he's, I think he has more acting chops, but you know, when you're going to go in, when you're paying money or when you're giving your money and time, these guys are going to give 125%. Um, and I think uh, the scene that really, that I really enjoyed that reemphasized how good the action was, was honestly the subway fight scene when they're just, yes, that's more of yes. a gritty, that's more of a gritty kind of precursor to John Wick. Like dudes are being thrown through a subway. I don't know what you want to call them. Ticketing booths or stations. Yes. And they're just throwing them through that. Everyone was, was fully invested and, and bought Hugo in. No Weaving one was really. Is fantastic. Yes. Yeah. This is the most, the most Hugo weaving performance. I would say like up there with Elrond, but he's, yeah, he's just, he's dominating the scenes, but I don't know. I don't, he's not chewing up the scenery, right? Like he's not being ridiculously over the top or anything. He's just dominating the scenes. He's when he's in, in like a kind of calm, confident manner. That's the smell. It's amazing. It's, yeah. it's repulsive. Yeah, he, he, make, he makes you believe so much here. that he, yeah, he, he makes you believe that he has nothing but repulsion for 
or Agent Smith has nothing but repulsion for everyone and everything around him. It's just, it's incredible. And I know like the movies aren't really, they're not really acting masterclasses. They're not really necessarily meant to be, but he was the one. No one told that, Hugo Weaving that. Yeah, no one told Hugo. He was the one that's like, okay, but he was really the one, I think he was the role that it was meant to be because he's really kind of the catalyst, I would say, for most everything that goes on in, in the movie. He drives... Uh, or at least misdirects a lot of the characters' actions, um, and et cetera. And he's also not just a physical uh, presence as well with with being able to physically dominate characters. He's obviously calculating with, geez, I forget the Joe Pantoliano character. Um, Joey Pants. Yeah, um, yeah Joey Pants. Cypher, yeah, with with calculating with him behind the scenes and, and everything else. It's just, it's a lot of times these sort of action movies really don't necessarily do well with villains, but this movie, I had forgotten how much of an exception it was. Aside from the obvious memes, like, you know, he's obviously very memeable with the laugh and everything else. Um, but everybody loves the the one scene where Neo is dodging bullets. Yeah. Like drawing himself back. But for me, the, the one scene that always was like the best scene of action in the movie, apart from the subway fight, because that's more of a fight scene. Yeah. The scene where Morpheus jumps from the building into the chopper oh that for me was always just oh so good that yeah it builds up so nicely to that moment and when it happens you're just like yes you no matter who you are you're excited about that no 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 i okay you see now i'm gonna jump off of that one the scene where neo grabs the rope ties it to his arm trinity grabs it shoots it and then you have the beautiful shot of her swinging away from the exploding glass behind her and she's dead center fucking kills me every single time that is the moment that i'm just like out of my chair yelling and like a fucking feral ape because of just how much endorphins that scene has yeah and and talking about the action i, I also shout out to carrie Ann moss because she fucking kills it I yeah i i have in my notes here real quick i literally have it in my notes helicopter scene still rules but I don't know how the fuck he missed Morpheus with the chain gun. Like he just unloads it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I guess it's the Matrix. You he's know, the one. listen, he's the, one. the Wachowski, Wachowski told them they need to survive. So please don't shoot them. Just yeah, shoot around. Down- yeah, he downloaded. Uh, he downloaded MissMorpheus.exe or something. Yeah. He downloaded <laughs> Stormtrooper.exe to the, the, the agents. Uh, he, yeah. he he downloaded a bad aimbot basically. <laughs> yeah oh another another aspect that i missed i have in my notes here the, the subway the subway fight scene it starts as a western standoff yes there's literally a newspaper blowing through like a tumbleweed yeah. that cracked me yes. up i was like that is awesome that's the thing that's what the matrix is the matrix isn't subtlety and that's what i kind of love about yeah. it like it's just so it throws out all of these ideas and it's not subtle about it at all and the movie just feels like it wants to please everyone and it actually succeeds because you yes. have the people there who are like look just give me some dumb punching shit i'll be okay and there are some people out there who are like uh tell me about the true nature of humanity tell me about freedom and the movie goes okay cool we're gonna serve you a little bit we're gonna serve you a little bit we're gonna keep flopping back and forth and once you know it it's two hours and both of you are happy go on get out of here everyone's like yeah that was great yeah without a doubt and that's like i said that's the broad appeal of it like you get this it's like a really well constructed type of layered cake you know you get this like delicious action stuff and then below that oh you also get some like really high concept stuff about religion and and identity and really all this delving into philosophical stuff in addition to that so that's just why it just works comprehensively so how do you guys enjoy reading the movie because i know that everyone has like a different way i personally have become 
way too partial to uh, both the freedom and the trance reading. So the freedom, of course, basically that, well, that's the thing, that, that reading actually probably comes from all four of the movies, probably for me. I like interpreting the entire series as basically freedom and how no matter how much you think you can be free, you are never really free because of other systems in play. But then I really only like watching the first Matrix as a trans allegory because I don't really think that that follows through too much with Reloaded and Revolutions because I feel like a lot of that of like kind of self-acceptance of who you are inside by the time you get to those movies it's like well yeah you already accepted who you are so it's not exactly like the metaphor follows through unless you want to talk about i, I fucking hate saying this i hate you can't use the word society anymore without some irony behind it but society putting it in quotation marks uh, is trying to pull you back to the gender norms i don't know that's all i can say but like i don't really like reading it like that for the sequel so I'd say freedom and freedom for all three, well, all four, except the last one. We'll talk about that later. And then trans specifically for the first one. I think that you can make a case for the sequels being about gender. And okay, this is a terrible joke, but it obviously, it's obvious when you realize that Agent Smith starts to identify himself as they, them. Those are his pronouns. Oh, shut (laughs) up. Shut (laughs) up. I okay. This one's getting cut. Podcast. <laughs> entire over. entire Episode's podcast over. is canceled. Episode's over. We can't do this anymore. I can, yes, I can I see. It. I can see the did mushroom it. cloud from Houston. <laughs> I can see it over the horizon. Oh, oh that was right, such right. a poor delivery. Jesus fuck. Yeah, anyway, hold on. Hold on. It did. It Look, did take getting... me. It did take nope. me a second. Yeah. It did take me. No. Nope. No. Nope. You're getting. You're getting around in the chamber for that one. <laughs> We're, we do ba- wow. we do baseball rules where if you get three strikes you're out. Oh God, no! <laughs> I got still okay. So let me think. I still have two jokes left. <laughs> let me save them. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> talking about the what the fate first Matrix movie is about. Obviously, the whole philosophical aspect of it, uh, especially the whole thing about uh, how do I know if I'm awake or asleep and what is reality itself because i think that everybody at some point in their lives had that is this real life moment you know where oh am i just a part of a simulation even without the matrix i i've talked to older people and people told me that yeah even before those movies when they were teenagers they had moments where they're like oh maybe i'm just a an hallucination of my own head and i'm still part of a dream yeah, and the Matrix touches on those aspects very, like really nicely in a very clean manner without feeling too obnoxious about it, you know? Yes. But the action is also awesome. Yes. <laughs> I enjoy reading them. See, I think I appreciate the broad appeal. I think I've emphasized that at least twice now already is that mm-hmm. um, the trans allegory is obviously there, but I think that's a, I think that's a sub-reading of just kind of being about self-discovery and that um, that manifests itself in gender and it could manifest itself in anyone. I mean, there, there could be someone, I'm sure there were many people that who they use the allegory of Neo being stuck in his really lame corporate job. And I think an aspect of that is if you notice throughout the movie, they never actually named the company that he works yeah. for to further reinforce that. It's just this nameless, soulless, Wait, um, hollow 
hollow entity that he works for. Um, and so really I anyone... Like, I feel like the building is named Cortex or something, which is just like, ah, that feels like that means something. And it can I mean whatever you want to it. I could have missed it, but maybe maybe I didn't. But I know like in the interrogation scene, um, Agent Smith says something like, oh, you've been working at this highly respected software company or something like that. And they never really um, name oh, no, it. So they I don't give it a name, but I think the name's no, on the building. That could be. That could be. But I, I think uh, this movie seemed like they didn't do anything accidentally, right? I think everything is oh, it, is really deliberate. So, uh, you know, it's it's this the kind of the sense of discovery, whether it's um, your gender expression, something as simple as sexuality, um, or something as simple as someone watching the movie and being stuck in a lame, dead end, soulless corporate job in a in a bland cubicle. If you notice, his cubicle has zero uniquely identifying yeah there's zero like the walls are barren there's no sticky notes or anything uh it's like he it's like he's almost as if he's a ghost just existing or an apparition existing there so it, this movie can can speak to really anyone you know someone who was my age as well it's like oh it, there's a there's a broader world out there not necessarily that you're that you're stuck in a literal computer simulation but it, you know when you're 13 years old a lot of your life is really organized and planned and then structured by other people um, you know, for a vast majority of, of kids that age. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, that's the way I read it. I, I obviously respect the, the obvious trans allegory that's going on. You know, a lot of the characters really aren't expressed in any strict type of um, traditional gender constructs. Mm-hmm. Um, the one character, I goodness gracious, I forget their name. The one who has the famous, not like this, not like this. Um, Switch. Which I, I think yeah. is literally right in the name. Yes, yes, exactly. How do you See, remember you that? <laughs> I don't look. Yeah, I, John, I don't understand how so much of this movie is just in my gray matter. Okay, the other guy's name is Apoc. How do yeah, I remember? Yeah, Apoc. That? I remember. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, name is their, their name is switched. That again, that's not that's not accidental. Okay, and <laughs> you look at the way they look. It's not on a traditional binary gender, traditional gender construct, right? So, um. Yeah, th- there is so many. That's the way I read this movie. Is I appreciate the broad appeal of it, and I think that's again, that's that's why the movie speaks to to so many people. Also, just because I feel like I want to mention it. I mean, this is literally just the hero's journey, and Neo is enough of a blank slate that you can just throw yourself in there. So he may as well basically be a silent protagonist. But you have the funness of Keanu being able to be memeable that gets you through some of this movie as well. I think, Edwin, you spoke to it earlier in that the readings into the future movies, I think, aren't necessarily as important because the movie is wholly satisfying. Like, I think you get a pretty satisfying ending in this one movie. I think that's why people still really appreciate it because I think it does stand on its own. Oh, it does. Um, absolutely does. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think the continued reading of the kind of the sense of identity or the trans allegory isn't necessarily as important in the future films um, because I think this one does such a does such a substantial and satisfying job of uh, of exploring those things. Yeah, I, I think that that's that's the way I read it. And um, so I also think that the in the later movies, the scope gets so broad that if even if there is any attempt to make it about uh, gender and, and sexuality or whatever, it gets lost, you know? Yeah, I, w- I would say in some, I don't want to jump too far forward, but the, the twins in Reloaded, I think you can also read as yeah. kind of really being, uh, having a having a non-traditional gender identity going on as well. 
Um, I never did so. that. I was like, dude, the, dude, those are guys the cool ghosts. Yeah. That guy has a gun. I like. Yeah, yeah. There was also that, but I remember, I remember watching. I remember cars and shit. Yeah, I remember when I first. I remember when I first watched it. I'm like, hmm, those don't. You know, they're not like traditional super macho hired gun types necessarily. It's like, oh, they look a little bit different. And you know, like when you watch the movie now, and I'm older, I'm like, oh, it kind of makes sense now what they were going for. So. You see, part yeah. of me wants to read it more as like a post-racial thing where it's like, yeah, it's just these white see, it could be kind of look it, like they made a little bit albino and they've got yeah. guys. Who cares at this point? It's a matrix. Exactly. Whatever. But that, again, that fits that. I think that feeds more into the, I think there's, there's that legitimate reading as well. It's like, mm-hmm. it's part of a, that's the brilliance of it. I think there's that kind of broad appeal to it. So yeah, just literally this movie is a Rorschach test of whatever you want to bring into it. You can read it at it as a um, just a straight up hero's journey movie where you can see it. And it's like, man, I really should get out of my mundanity or, hey, I'm watching a movie and I want to see something that will take me out of my day to day life. And the movie basically has that for you. And yeah. then we now then we have Matrix Resurrections over there. And that. Is- <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, I think. I, I hate another. Like, go ahead. That's its own think, elephant on the room. In the room. No, no, yeah, no. The yeah. thing is, like, so much of the way that people interpret this movie, they basically lay it out in Resurrections, and like, I want to use that for the argument, but also, it's like, no, we're not there yet. Yeah. We're not there yet. Yeah, but okay. One thing that I want to say is that I don't think that I'm a particularly dumb person, right? I can watch a movie I know I and am. understanding, right? Hmm. I, I don't think I'm especially smart either, but it took me until I was older and I saw somewhere in the internet about the first movie being about uh, uh, transgenderism to see that point of it because it never came across my mind. Yeah. And I mean, even in, even in 1999, I would get oh, yeah. a vast, vast, vast majority of people. Oh dude. Gay um, people didn't read it. it that way. Understand, understandably. Yeah. And I think the gays took it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really uh, anyone like could have, yeah. And I'm sure that would, the gays were, uh, were definitely justified in doing so. <laughs> gays. Um, God, God, you say it so much. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but I mean like, Love... it's true. Like, yeah, the gays it is true. Saw this movie and we're like, Oh yeah. I don't feel like I get to be myself like that's it's closeted right yeah. there and like that's what? what this movie is this movie allows you to read into it and basically the message of you do not get to be yourself is the matrix and that's why you yeah. can take it to the gays or to the trans wasn't there something in the original script about neo being uh, a different gender in the it in wasn't the matrix? neo it was actually switch oh okay okay yeah, no, Switch would it be a woman in the real world, and then, yes, exactly, and once they go into the Matrix, they were male, and just, they wouldn't even acknowledge it, they would just be like, yeah, that's just how it is. Yeah, and I think uh, another little aspect as well that I picked up on is that Agent Smith never calls him Neo, he always calls him Mr. Anderson, which, you know. Dead naming? Yeah, Neo, yeah, again, yeah, you can read that as trans, or you can just read that as anyone who wants to move on and, and be a new, choose to be a new person, whether that be gender or sexuality or just maybe growing into adulthood whatever so continuously asking the gay person at thanksgiving hey so when you when is this phase over when are you yeah. bringing a girlfriend like uh I, this the, jared is right here can you not say that in front of him <laughs> jared <laughs> really out of every shut, name edwin shut up shut up no, we could have just let it roll but no you had to you yes had of to course of course i'm gonna burn we you alive <laughs>
We were fine. It was a J name because J is a funny letter. Yeah. God. Yeah. I think another, you know, I, I would help if I actually read my notes. So another little another little tidbit that I picked up on is that early on when Morpheus is talking to Neo, you know, basically lobbying him to, to hey, get on board. You know, are you ready to unplug and blah, 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 blah. The dynamic there is a black guy telling a white guy that he's a slave born into bondage. Yes. And that is also very, 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 125 percent deliberate yeah yeah so that was that was also something that i picked up on yeah so. a lot of the matrix is just one of those things that oh, god damn it i'm gonna do it again whenever people were complaining about resurrections being so obvious it's like do you, did you forget the first movie did you yeah. forget the first movie basically said subtlety i know people who use that and they're cowards like all of this is just so pointed and in your face that it's like yeah, I almost res I actually I do respect the fact that you're just throwing this out there. There is no chance of hiding it or anything. You just continuously throw out ideas and all of them are like something that you could pull so hard that it would fit almost the entire rest of the movie. And it's not something you need to dig too hard to find. I honestly love that about the Matrix. Yeah, I think a lot of that is it does seem relatively subtle in comparison when compared against the action scenes. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people men a lot of people remember the more iconic visual aspects of the movie. And uh, a lot of the stuff that wouldn't the heavy be stuff. subtle traditionally in like ninety percent of movies is is um, I don't want to say relegated to subtlety, but uh, it's again, they knew what they were doing. They were very kind of uh, sly about it. Mm -hmm. All right, let's see. Uh, do we want to talk about the characters? That's the thing, because like I feel like so much of the first Matrix can be talked about forever that it could have its own episode. But I don't know how much to delve in here, considering that there's still four other movies. I don't have much specifically about the characters themselves. I think aside from like we talked a lot about. Agent Smith and Neo. I think the only ones maybe would be Trinity and Morpheus. Actually, um, no, that's an idea. Who do we feel like is okay? You know what? No, fuck it. We'll just take a character and talk about them. I want to talk about Agent Smith. Um, do you got? Have you guys heard that theory that Agent Smith is actually the one? No. Okay. No. So I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me though. I mean, so the theory is is that it's that Neo isn't actually the one. He is basically just the he is the catalyst to make agent Smith wake up and actually become the one. And mm -hmm. that he is the person who is actually bringing change to the matrix uh, by everything that he does. And then all the sequels are like, well, everything that the Oracle tells Neo about how like you're the change that will bring about the destruction of the matrix. It's like, well, I mean, Neo was just kind of there. Who's the guy who actually went in and destroyed the matrix in revolutions. The, the agent smith yeah. so yeah like it's one of those things where neo is supposedly the person who catalyzes it but agent smith is the one who actually does all the work yeah i can i can understand that i mean you're you're obviously more well versed in the lore that i am but the way the dynamic works is that agent smith was actually created or chosen wasn't he and I believe he's Neo created. is more of a Neo is he was what? I'm sorry. No, no, no. He he was created. Like he and, is and a Neo. Partner. Yeah. So Neo is more of a, a glitch, right? Like an anomaly. Correct. If I remember. Okay. So, oh man. Oh, okay. Are we, are we leaving the matrix and going into reloaded in revolutions? Cause like that's, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah. When you're, when you're talking about agent Smith being the one, I think, I, I guess I can see that cause he was chosen, right? Like kind of similar how in Christian theology, God chose Jesus. 
So I guess when you when you read it that way, it can make sense. Yeah, and it makes sense because Agent Smith is just different than every other agent. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Every other yeah. agent is a perfect program that doesn't go outside any uh, any lines. You know, it does it, it yeah. doesn't step out of any lines. And Agent Smith just says just says fuck it and rings about what he wants. Yeah, exactly. Neil goes into him, breaks him, and then that's when Agent Smith realizes, oh, freedom. That's actually kind of cool. I should get myself some freedom by getting out of the Matrix. So, yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, because because like I said, one thing that struck me when I rewatched the first one is just his utter disgust and contempt for everyone and everything around him, which is... Incredible. On the surface level, it's hysterical because it's Hugo Weaving and he's doing it. It's just amazing, but um, I can see that. It's, it's certainly better than... Well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna make the other reference. Derail this podcast further. I've said enough. <laughs> okay, no, no. I'm digging. I'm digging. Do it. Oh, you want to know? I was like, yeah. it's better than the Jar Jar is a Sith Lord uh, theory. So. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, that's just fun, I, though. I warned you. I warned you. That, that one's fun. I like the idea of thinking that he was intentionally stupid to fuck things up. <laughs> it's a bona fide classic. It stands on its own, et cetera, et cetera. Also, I think the only two actors that are doing, like, really hard work to pull this movie through is Morpheus and uh, Agent Smith. Like, I you really mean? don't... Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Neo and Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss is probably a good actress. I have no idea what else I've seen her in. Keanu Reeves is not a good actor. Keanu Reeves is a hardworking actor. That's all I'll say. Yeah, but like, but, yeah, that's fair. He can act as much as I can speak English. <laughs> so, so, so good on a good day. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I speak English better than he acts. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. So yeah, that I don't know what else to say. Oh, the the music. I the music to the oh, yeah. three movies and the Animatrix are all so iconic. Where I love the the sharp rising strings. I love just there's so much about the i audio identity of these movies that makes me want to punch Resurrections more. But like, <sighs> I find it really hard. <laughs> we'll to, get there. To, <laughs> exactly, we'll fucking get there. All right, I think that's pretty much everything for the Matrix. Shall we move on to the sequels? Yeah, yes, you want to talk about Animatrix or Yes, you're first? right. No, no, no. Animatrix. Let's get this okay. out of the way because, well, you know what? How about this? No, we'll do it after the sequels because I already know that when Poot asked me what the what Neo is, well, I should probably follow up on that. So sequels, Animatrix, Resurrections. Okay. Or, wait, no, no, fuck it. We'll do the one piece of the Animatrix that matters. The two pieces, all right? Animatrix. Uh, Let's talk about the two pieces that matter. Flight of Flight the Osiris? Of, yes, Flight of the Osiris. I hate it. I, I really can't stand it. I really hate that animation style, and I hate how it opens. I really hate that short. You know, here's a fun anecdote from when I first saw the Animatrix. I, I must have been about, like, eight. And I went with my sister to the kind of a blockbuster that was near my, my house. And uh, when we were renting the movie, because I already liked the Matrix, and uh, my sister asked the counter guy, like, uh, uh, is this is this appropriate for children? And the guy was like, yeah, no, a few people die in the beginning, but uh, other than that, it's fine. <laughs> uh, no, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Poot, Fly the Osiris, the terrible 3D CGI one. Did any thoughts about that? Or No, not at all. Uh, in terms of Animatrix, I think there were probably only two or three of the shorts that really, really stuck out to me. And that was that the was that the last one? 
That was the oh, first yeah, one. You, no, no, no. That's the oh. thing. Poot, no, 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 no. Poot, you watched it on HBO Max, right? Yeah. Oh, is, is it H- changed? Yeah, dude. The HBO Max fucked it up, where for some reason, Fly of the Osiris is at the very end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did not like that one. I hated that it one. Opens so the, yeah, it opens with the historical war one. Yeah, which I, I also really hate those. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh. Fly to, yeah, Fly, yeah. Fly of the Osiris is bad because the animation doesn't hold up. Like, it was almost there. Uh, I imagined that at the time it was good, but uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but that's it, thing, right now like, I look at it and, and I think it's Final Fantasy uh, spiritual. Mm, yeah, spiritual that's game. that's what I thought of exactly. Okay, the, great. The minds. problem is, is that I don't like it because not only does it look like it's oh man, it's cutting edge for 2003. Like I hate yeah. that. I also hate that because of the animation, it's so slow. Like the movies are faster than this, but like I don't know, maybe render time was so ridiculous that they couldn't make these people move fast. So she's jumping, and the jumps look so weightless. Like I hate that somehow this movie looks like what people think the Matrix is. Like I really hate this short. Yeah, I think they. I think it was a case of where they had so much, so much obviously so much success with the first movie that it's like, hey, we're gonna we're going to give this animation thing a shot and we're just going to throw so much at the wall and see what sticks and what doesn't. And we're going to try this. And uh, I mean, again, back for its time, you know, I'm sure it looks was amazing, but it doesn't really hold up. And I think it's a testament to the other animation going on to where it's like, you know, pushing boundaries is important, but you have to understand that it's not necessarily going to hold up over time. And honestly, I thought the animation style aside, I thought it was kind of, surface level and boring it's bland, um, yes yeah, yeah it's very bland it was literally just an exercise in how far can they can they can push animation so make it look real yeah yeah i think that it's, yeah. it suffers from what everything post the matrix suffered which is trying too hard to be the matrix yeah and not not understanding what yeah. what, what made the matrix resonate. is actually about yeah yeah. But let me like, uh, let me get this right, Edwin. You said that uh, you also don't like uh, Second Renaissance. Okay, no. So we'll we'll hold on that. We'll hold on. Well, okay. Fuck it. Are we going into the Animatrix now? Are we just going? Yeah, fuck it. Just we're go going into the Animatrix. Yeah, I mean it's right. chronological, right? So yeah, fine. Okay. You want know so Fly of the Osiris? We done with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good riddance. Okay. Good riddance. All right. Let's talk about the history. I fucking hate the history. I hate it. Don't give these robots any reason to exist. I don't get. Don't try to make me feel bad for these robots. I don't really care about that okay i really don't try to make it grounded and be like oh man this is how all the robots would happen i hate that a lot of it just sort of feels like it is the wachowskis stealing it stuff that looks like it's from history and well sorry actually stealing stuff from history (laughs) and then making it look like it's man don't you feel about the robots yeah man teen them in square fuck you china or we already uh, just got banned from china sorry whoops teen them in square like hey man this robot is walking in front of the tanks it's like don't you feel bad for them like no they're robots i don't this shit reminded me so much of deus ex mankind divided where it's like don't you feel bad for the for the robots they they are out here being persecuted it's like well yes this man is a nuclear walking tank can we maybe have some control on him (laughs) like i I really hate these i really do i understand your aspect of it i just think that it's really nice to see mankind get annihilated (laughs) (laughs) i love i love the continued lack of subtlety (laughs) <laughs> yeah but no uh, but i actually yeah go ahead. there are aspects of the second renaissance that i like i like the animation the animation is top-notch i like the 
I like the aspect of having like sort of a documentary style of telling how it went down, how mankind got in the state that it got. But I also don't agree. Fuck those machines. Like the Matrix is lack of subtlety, and that's okay. I do not like the lack of subtlety when it comes to pulling from history. Do I really need to see the robots <laughs> creating the fucking pyramids? Why are they creating pyramids in what's like 2000 something? I that that's some shit that where you need to be a little subtle about like don't you feel bad for them? When you lack subtlety about trying to make me care, it's like well no, you already fucked up. I don't think anything in the original Matrix is something I really need to care about beyond self-inserting. So that's why it works. But this is trying to make me care about the robots in like the worst ways. Because it's like, it's so heavy-handed where it's like, I don't want to care about these. Honestly, I think I care more about the Sentinels just because they look cool and they're the ones who'd probably fuck up people the most. Yeah, it also doesn't make sense because while it's showing like robots as humans, it's also showing robots cutting people in half while keeping them alive <laughs> and testing on them and the whole thing with the little kid and his clothes burning and he, he's inside the matrix he doesn't realize he's a cog in a machine <sighs> i will say seeing the robots kind of fuck around with humans like once we get full evil robots where they just start touching their brains to figure out how they work it's like oh oh there we are i'm finally fucking back in we're back into just robots are evil i mean like the little touches in his brain and he just starts laughing and crying i'm like ah finally i'm back home <laughs> yeah that's awesome I, I sort of liked it because i thought it was like a little kind of a cute little exploration of hey you know there's always these constant stories about ai and what would happen and how it would evolve and etc and like them for example like building pyramids it didn't really bother me because i think the idea is that they would literally just draw from human experience yeah um, cause that's Wait, really the only frame of reference no, they have to go by. It's human. No, no, that's the thing. It's the yeah. humans forcing the robots to create pyramid. It's not the robots creating pyramids. If it were the robots creating pyramids, it's like, okay, cool. You're doing the near automata thing where all they know is human history and they just repeat it. Cool. Yeah. I'm in. No, no, no. It's humans going, hey, man, you remember what happened in Egypt? We should do that again. I'm pretty sure the Egyptians turned out really well from doing that with the Jews. I'm pretty sure. I didn't finish the story yet. Yeah, that's, Haven't that's a good point. Haven't you considered that maybe, maybe, Edwin, you're full of shit and I always humans am. just wanted another base pro shop, you know? <laughs> We always need another Bass Pro Shop, but can we not make it seem so... Oh, yeah, so Bass. Funny? I call it Bass Pro Shop, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Poot saved me here, because if not, I'm, I don't I don't know what else to say besides I hate this. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, liked, I like them kind of being speculative. Like I said, I, I'm a sucker for world building and such, and, and lore to some degree, um, like, like this kind of lore when they're backtracking, like how did we get to where we are in terms of the first matrix and et cetera. And I liked the idea of like humans, like the robots having their own kind of separate robot land where yes, they could live cool. diplomatically. That was, that was interesting. Um, I liked that. So oh, wait, I, hold I, on. I, the second ahead. Renaissance where you find out the robots are defeating us through the economy. That was like, Oh shit. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like and that, then the robots, the robots having a civil war was interesting as well. Wait, wait, but, they, that wasn't, didn't they have no, a civil that was resurrections? Was it, there was a robot civil war in the, in a matrix. No, that, that's the resurrections. Yeah. I could have swore there was a, they depicted a robot. Oh, he's probably thinking about matriculated. The last oh, 
Wait, the last short? Maybe they were... Wait, see, on. they were the, organized. The one where they brainwashed the, ro- the robot. Oh, no, no. That's not, that's not a civil war. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Okay. Right. I could I could have swore... I could have recalled there was a... They were depicting a civil war in the in the animated one. That could be wrong. But... No, no, no. We'll, we'll get there when we explain that one. Um, okay. Okay. okay, but yeah, the second I think the second Renaissance I like way more because the second Renaissance isn't exactly trying to make me feel bad for the robots. It's just making it's just showing me like, yeah, things got really fucked. Like the fact that it got so bad that they're just like, yeah, block out the sun. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> how bad. What I like that as well. Understand is why do why block out the sun? Because it's fucking cool. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that scene of them blocking out the sun, the soundtrack is fucking metal. <laughs> I love the idea that that was the argument. It's like, whoa, 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 we, the sun. We need something we to go with this soundtrack. <laughs> the second Renaissance, I think once things get way more less sympathetic to the robots and show, yeah, no, the robots are just as bad as we are. That's what I'm like, okay, I'm in. But I, I don't know what it is. I think it also starts getting too close into my problems with anime where it feels like it's just violence for violence sake. And I feel like this is the only time in all of this where it's like, eh, you're cutting a little too close here. Like, I don't know. This, this was the one where I'm like, I kind of wish I just didn't know about this or this were even shorter because i feel like whenever i think about this and it's like don't you feel bad for the robots it's like so you're telling me that whenever i'm seeing squiddy out of here you know pushing itself through the abdomen of one of the people from zion it's like yeah but they kind of have a point don't they no <laughs> that is yes correct all right shall we go no. with the program <laughs> Yeah, let's carry on. Okay, program. Uh, this is the one that's like uh, in like uh, feudal uh, Japan. Aren't you skipping Kid Story? Uh, I mean, Kid Story is later. Okay. Program, the feudal uh, Japan one, they're training, and then eventually you find out that the guy is like, yeah, I'm actually, I heard this guy named Cypher. He was able to try to get out. He died in the process, but like, I'm going to try the same thing. I actually really dig this one because I love the idea that there's these two people who care about themselves deeply it's like no 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 i'm trying to get out it's safer if we go back and she's just like no we know the truth now and it's our duty to make sure that it's fought for i love this one this is fucking dope yeah this is this is easily my favorite um of all of them without a doubt yeah yeah because i liked that it was an intimate clashing of ideologies it wasn't like a really obvious neo versus agent smith type of thing it was really two people that deeply care about each other who are just diametrically opposed on a philosophical level and also i really liked the animation i mean that helped um, a lot too everything i think this this was the one that i really liked the most from top to bottom because i forget when i watched i think i i think i watched it before um revolution so i watched it kind of slightly out of order if you will but i watched it after reloaded which i will get to that eventually but after reloaded i wasn't looking for something that was super bomb blow up explosion action stuff so this this one really really um resonated with me the most and i really really liked it um also finding oh wait no john go ahead you you were talking go for it please go ahead i I, i'm i'm pondering okay uh, pondering pondering get look at that orb a little longer okay (laughs) i also love the ending when that's the thing every single time i remember this short i forget that the ending turns out that it's a training program and she wakes up just like fucking 
furious and in tears and every single time i get to that ending and she just punches the captain it's like i don't ever want to go through that again i fucking love it because that it just adds kind of like this extra layer of the matrix where there may be some people who whenever they get broken out some of the captains of the ship are like okay yeah we got you out but also I really think we need to make sure that you are going to be loyal and not betray us. And they do it in a really manipulative way that I actually really like because it reminds me of the short story around the end. Matriculated. Wait. Matriculated? Yeah, matriculated. It reminds me of the matriculated one where the robots are also having like kind of their brainwashing moment. I like that basically they need to even brainwash some of the humans into making sure like, yeah, you are going to fight with us to the end, aren't you? Yeah, I I love that kind of, I don't know, it it was almost like a Edgar Allan Poe short story ending when she realized at the very end she's like, she was actually used as a pawn the entire time, even though she was also being her true self she was still being um tested the entire time and like i said used as a pawn um Mm -hmm. by those who are you know supposed to look after and care for her i think there's a certain trust aspect right when you're having people responsible for keeping you hooked up into this thing where you could die at at any instant Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's just why furthermore why it really really resonated with me the most i think out of any of them john anything about this one before we move on uh no i think you guys said it all uh it's it's really good i love the the gaslighting ending it's 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 just straight up amazing it's really good one of the more solid uh shorts in the animatrix yeah and i think i think honestly that really quickly i think looking at it I think it probably could stand on its own. Yeah, I think, it's really honestly, well rounded. You don't you don't even need to necessarily know that much about the Matrix or have watched any of the other movies or the first movie before that. I think it's just really exceptional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to the next one, which I think the next one is just like it might be the best one, uh, which is World Record where a man is so insane about wanting to be the fastest man on earth that he literally breaks the matrix from being able to calculate how fast a human could be and accidentally shows him the real world for yeah. a little bit. I I can't get over this one. This is actually probably so fucking cool. The idea that this man is pushing humanity so far that even the Matrix is like, we need to nerf this man so fucking hard. Because if not, this is one battery we're not going to be able to control. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It really comes to show that there's so much more about this universe that can be told. Yes. There's so much potential. And we saw a fraction of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you when you were just describing it again, it reminded me of, of how much I liked it. And again, with like the lack of subtlety, like let's not, um, yep. yeah, like it's a black guy in the, in the summer Olympic games, basically trying to, to, uh, escape white know. guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, not just that, but just over, uh, overload and, and break their system. Right. So again, it's not, it's not, God being damn it, that's a really fucking good one. Oh shit. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, Fuck. yeah, it's um, it's very good, and I, and I like it more when you were just talking about it. And you're like, oh yeah, that was actually really, really good. Um, like obviously the, I think at this point when I was watching these, I think the lack of subtlety throughout all these movies, I'm like, okay, okay, it became a little bit numbing. 
but there's certain little little crumbs that they that they feed you and new ideas and kind of what ifs um if you will within this universe how these stories of self-discovery manifest themselves you know like neo with the corporate thing and him mm. with uh dan davis i think is his name of this character he does it in more of a like kind of a jesse owens type of deal if you will so yeah it was very cool and it's why there's so many good interpretations um within this universe that you can go with exactly i yeah. just yeah. want to mention that the editing of all of this though is so fucking cool how they just keep slipping back and forth between his race and explaining how he got here and how he's just so incredible at running that this man is going to literally tear his body to make sure that he can the scene where let's not even the scene i guess the snippet of him waking up and basically he continues running while inside the pod it's terrifying i oh my god there's nothing more that i can do for praise for this one i love this one how do you feel about the animation because i really like the animation in this one it's it's fluid in a way that i don't think any other animation in, in the animatrix is this one is just like it stretches out so far and it feels like a lot of the motion is Pulses. like very deliberate yeah like i really like the animation for this one because it fits it so well of just trying to make sure to push yourself as hard as you can and the moment where like his muscles basically spasm and break on him like it looks so violent there's no blood but like just the way that you see the body parts moving it's like oh god that has to be terrible yeah it's so good it's really good the animation does i think a deliberate kind of comic book feel to it um mm -hmm. with the way the body's drawn and shaded and, and everything else i'm actually just watching little clips from it right now as we speak and yeah for sure i do like that aspect of it and it's, I think with also with the, with the kind of comic book aspect, it does really call back to actual superheroes, you know, like Captain America, Superman, et cetera. And I think that feeds into it as well. World record, all positive, all good. The next yeah. one, Kid Story. Um, I think I just like one piece of Kid Story. Like, that's the thing. I like it, but I just feel like it's one of the weaker ones. I honestly just really like the animation more than anything else. Like whenever he starts skateboarding and like everything just starts getting way more distorted and stretched out. I'm like, oh my God, there's just something about that that I love. It fits perfectly with the amount of confusion and just like disorientation that the kid is going through. And it's probably one of the less important ones. Oh, okay. Probably more one of the important ones since it actually explains one of the characters that just has no explanation in the sequels. You just see him. It's like, ah, I guess he's important now. So, but like in the grand scheme of things, this one really doesn't do much because really all it does is just, it does the escape from the original matrix, except gives it to someone else now. Um, or maybe if you wanted to, you could argue it shows Neo how he was instrumental in freeing a whole bunch of minds after the first one. I don't know, but like I just really dig the animation for this one more than anything else. I dig it as well. There's something, I think maybe it was the lighting that really just kind of spoke to me and made it more atmospheric, especially when the, the stuff inside of the school right mm. almost like a little bit of a horror movie mm. aspect to it where it was barely barely dimly lit and again i, I don't think that was um that was accidental but i think again i think it's another good interpretation of just school i'm sure for many people was i know it was for me like i mostly hated it i thought it was a waste of time and i felt it was suffocating and and i i didn't feel fulfilled there so i think it's another kind of story that can resonate and speak to a certain subset of people yeah i feel like the best praise i can give is the animation it almost feels like a uh, rotoscoped oh. and yeah especially in the beginning i was kind of stars in kind of throws you off 
for a bit. But then the movement in, in the animation oh. is really good. It's just really well made. It flows like water. Just the scratchy nature and how the image is just always moving. There's just something about that that just speaks. It feels old. like every frame was a draft. Yeah. Oh my god. I don't know why that rough look is just something that speaks to me so much. It's good. It's good. It's fun. All right. The next one is actually straight up my favorite thing in almost all of the Matrix Beyond. I yes. Th this is. This is incredible. I I cannot express how much of this one is just so in my wheelhouse, and I don't understand why. Just the fact that these kids find a glitch spot in the Matrix, and they're just, they have no idea what the Matrix is. They have no reason to question their reality. All they know is that they have this little spot where they can play around, and things are just kind of broken there. And... The moment that I always think it's like there is no way that the scene where the girl is falling and the white light brings up and the music kicks in. I always think there's no way I love that as much as I do. And then every single time I get to that scene, I feel like I transcend. I don't understand what it is about this short, but it speaks to me so much because i think maybe i would love to see something like this <laughs> it's just something that like it clicks that childhood wonder in your brain before you understood how things work and you just kind of think well yeah you know what maybe if i did fall down from a building holding a chair underneath me if i get to the bottom but i jump off the chair physics will show that i'll be fine like i don't understand how to explain what is it about this one that just Oh my god, like out of all the Matrix, this is the one that makes me wish we had another Animatrix because I want another possibility of getting a story that has nothing to do with anything in the Matrix that hits me as hard as this one. I think I have to agree. Maybe it's the mix between like how magical it is, all, but also how anxiety driving it drives your anxiety insane and at the end is just straight up the most depressing shit ever. <sighs> and that mix of emotions really speaks to me. No, I don't really have much more to add. I think you, you spoke to it initially when you talked about the sense of discovery and wonder in a kid. I think that really resonates with everyone uh, virtually at any age. Uh, and I think it's another example of, again, another really good interpretation that you can take. Um, from this universe and, and another perspective. It also, so. I think that since, I don't know how old you are, Boot, but me and Edwin, when we first saw the Animatrix, we were younger, and it's probably the most we can relate. No, 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 no I did not. Dude, I saw the Animatrix, like, really, really late. I mean, how like No, like, 17 or 18. Still good, because... Uh, it's still the closest that we can actually relate to any character in okay, the yeah. Matrix. Right? Fair enough. So it hits home in a way that I don't think any other animation or any other of the movies does. Dude, beyond to me, that very ending where she's looking at the door and you're just like, that's the exit point. If she walked through there, she would probably wake up. And that's terrifying. But I think what's even more terrifying to me is the scenes after where they go back to the glitch spot and there's nothing. Nothing. And there's it hurts me because there's there's this melancholy that is in that ending that reminds me of like the final week of summer and you know you have to go back to school. And I don't understand how to really explain it beyond that. It just kind of 
feels like it's over now. Like there's nothing else. We have to go back to the mundanity. And that's honestly supported with how they show that uh, that song on the uh, like one of the signs where it goes. And it just shows all the people, all the faceless people just walking by. And it's like, oh, my God, there's it just gives you so much magic. And then it just rips it away from you at the ending. And there's just something about that that I unabashedly love i couldn't agree more <sighs> i love this one and then we have two more and god these these two suffer because of how much i fucking love that one but detective story it's uh, really detective good. story i just really really like the animation style for this one i really like the idea that i'm assuming this guy is just like he's definitely still in the same matrix right he's not in the 19 like a 1920s version of it right no no i don't think so okay. obviously not actually uh, oh okay all right <laughs> well because there is technology right it, it is uh, animated in that style like very noir but the typewriter is a digital computer typewriter you know if anything is futuristic oh, yeah you're right okay yeah i forgot about that that's the thing because i think i remember seeing like there's old cars that are driving around and it's yeah. like well you know what i'm not gonna question it's it. very Whatever. stylistic it's but it contradicts the rest of the universe that's all right okay because like the entire art style as well oh my god it's just so gritty noir I'm, oh a my case god to in all cases yeah like it's it's, re it's fun it's straight up fun this dame walked in my door sorry asking questions <laughs> oh man but i really like this one but it also suffers because beyond is like literally right there but i is this movie so oh, no sorry this movie is this short supposed to be that the detective still believes too much in his own reality that the agents can still tap into him and transfer him over i don't think i've ever given that much thought to it okay no because like <laughs> there's a moment where like trinity is about to take him but then like he glitches out a little bit and then trinity's like ah shit you can't come with us and he's like ah you know what that's okay so like part of me always ran and read that as a way of saying you need to have some sort of disbelief enough in your reality or dissatisfaction to be able to be woken up so part of me just feels like maybe that's what that is. Yeah, it's like the whole choice of the blue pill versus the red pill. It's not the choice itself. It's about what it means. Mm -hmm. It's about what you... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's about uh, what you intend to do. That John mentioned it. I didn't really put too much thought into it, but I'm always a sucker for a good noir type story. And I appreciated that they took that sort of motif for this universe because I think it can definitely fit. I think there can be... There can definitely be overlap between like a, a noir type scene and like a dystopian type mm. scene as well. So I think that that really, really the merging of those two really, right. really work. Oh, and uh, the the detective is voiced by James Arnold Taylor, who's like a animation vocal James legend. Right. Let's well. go ahead so, and pull him up. What have yeah. you done? Uh, he's done a lot. Ratchet and Clank. Oh, Atlantis. Yeah, oh, I really like Atlantis. I think he's done a lot of yeah, Star Wars animation Obi -Wan, as well. Um, oh my god, this man is in. He yeah. has his hands in almost everything. Holy shit! Yeah, he he is a he is a um, vocal acting. That's awesome. Legend. Okay, this man just pops up literally wherever he wants. Yeah. What a legend. Yeah. So they 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 brought in some some heavy hitters on the vocal side as well. So all right. So mat mat that that word I can't. Hey, 
<laughs> Actually, yeah, probably. Oh god. It's, okay. it's, the, it's the same guy. <laughs> you reminded me that movie exists. Wait. That the of... movie? You, you know Aeon Flux by the movie and not by the animation? <sighs> Unfortunately, yes I do. Oh, poor oh, boot. Yeah. Dude, wait, hold on. Oh, I just realized, yeah. Oh my god. I thought about the movie first as well. Oh, yeah, really? It's like Charlize, right? I think I think oh my, my parents God. went to see it one time. I'm like, no, I'm good. Part of my of my childhood was watching Aeon Flux reruns on on MTV. If it makes you feel better, I never watched the movie. I just know what the poster looks like. I never watched it either. I just knew. Just... I think Charlize Theron is in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't bother. I'm good. Oh no, trust me. We okay. Uh, I haven't bothered for years, so I'm not going to start now. <laughs> All right. So matriculated. Uh, this is one that I when I started watching it, I was thinking. Oh, yeah, this last short is the weakest one, isn't it? Like, excluding the three other ones, right? I was like, oh, man, is this the weakest one? And the beginning where they're just running away and all that, I was like, oh, man, yeah, this one might be the weakest one. And then they went so super psychedelic with trying to convince a robot to transfer over to their side. And I assume trying to explain human emotion to a robot through just pure psychedelics. I was like, okay. I was wrong. It's just a weak start. Then after that, it just gets into some real fucking cool visual stuff that just it allows you to try to somehow explain human concepts to a robot just through purely visual cues. Like, I don't know how to go for it. It's trying to explain what mankind is through synesthesia. Yes. Oh my god, and just so much of that is just, you you have what I think the robot is falling in love with a human, and then through that they tend to just try to explain what humanity is through that. I, I this is awesome. This is, I love this one. Like, that's what I realized by watching the Animatrix again, that the three that the Wachowskis had the most hands in, I really hate. Fly of the Osiris and the Renaissance ones, I'm like, man, you guys do not get it. Which is funny because I like the sequel, so I don't understand why is it that this is a miss from here. But like the rest of them where everyone else got to tell stories in the Matrix, they understood it. The idea that they're brainwashing some of these robots to switch sides is so cool because like, why wouldn't you? They're robots. Hack them, of course. But, like, they're not just hacking them to change them over to the other side. They're like, no, no, we need to convince them to fight with us. And that's so pointless, but, like, that's fucking cool! Oh, wow. Imagine if they made that that plot point a part of the fourth movie. <laughs> wow, imagine! <laughs> Which is, dude, that's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching Resurrections. I was like, there's the Animatrix! There it is! <laughs> Oh, not not yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Include <laughs> anything about this one? <laughs> yeah, I think this one was pretty cool. And I think, honestly, out of all of them, this one probably is the most fit to be a full feature length animation film. I think, oh. just because of the the kind of the cool premise of it, uh, and the obviously the animation is really really cool and vibrant and like you said kind of psychedelic but yeah i think it's just another really kind of cool premise that they go with for a short where it's kind of like maybe planting a little seed in in someone else's brain like oh maybe this is a cool premise for some other type of film i don't know i just when i watch animated short films i'm like could this theoretically be a um you know a feature-length film like that like the uh the detective story one for example 
like oh i would watch that like a like a noir kind of themed matrix mm-hmm. film i would want to watch that and this is another one where i would want to i would be curious about a feature-length film of it so it's funny how matriculated makes you care more about the robots than the one that tries to make you care about the robots yeah <laughs> that's that's what yeah. it is like you want to see this robot swap over and like he is a blank expressionless face but all the editing just makes you feel like this robot is really going through it like he's like yeah. i really care about these humans now and i need to make sure to fight so they can survive and whenever uh, they jack back in and she screams and then disappears in front of the robot i'm just like this is this is this is awful. I feel so bad for him. Good job. You made me care about a robot. Congrats. Oh, it's sad. It really is. Like, oh my it's god. It's really sad. Oh god, why would you end the Animatrix like that? It's perfect because the Matrix is a terrible world. You wouldn't yeah, want to be there. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> I it's... never I never thought about it. <laughs> Dude, imagine that you get taken over by Agent Smith and you just lose that day. Like that's that's what's probably happening. Like you're in a in a helicopter, right? And you are gunning down Neo, and then Agent Smith takes you over, and then you just wake up the next morning in your bed. You're like, huh? Wow, that was a weird dream. That felt really real when I got taken over by a fucking robot. I know almost what that is like because of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is that we're actually in the Matrix. Yes, okay. and instead yeah. of a blue pill, we have like. Uh, Amber Lager beers. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, with that, that was the Animatrix. Um, this is awesome. I love this one more. This is my favorite piece of the Matrix overall, and I honestly think I love this one more than the original Matrix, just because there is something about Beyond that just pushes me over the fucking edge. That even with the original one as good as it is, it's better than the Animatrix. It is like just just hands down, it's just a better movie. But the Animatrix gives me certain morsels where I'm like, this is so on the level of my shit that like I I can't help but say that this is my favorite piece of the Matrix. I wouldn't argue against that at all. I can I certainly understand that. Yeah, it's just a, a really cool. Like I said, I, I really like the premise of it. Some of the execution, like eh, the animation was cool, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think like I said, I I think. Of all of them, I think it could have been its own feature-length film, fleshed out a bit more. So, yeah, I totally understand that. All right, John, anything about the Animatrix before we go into the sequels? No, I, I really love the Animatrix. That love for the Animatrix that made me look forward to watching something like Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix, mm-hmm. which is kind of the same vibe, but not nearly as good. Oh, no, it's not Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, Love, Death, and Robots, I would say, like, if you like the Animatrix, give it give it a shot. And the thing is, you it's like with Animatrix, you can go through and pick the ones that you think you would would like so it's it's yeah, its own thing sure. yeah and i and a really quick thing i remember when the animatrix was like announced and advertised on tv i was like oh this is so cool that i i would never even in a million years have thought of like following up the matrix with but it was i'm really glad that it was made mm-hmm. how did it launch originally it was just dvd I, it didn't go through theaters yeah i don't think it, it was in theaters because um, you would think that but because it's so episodic 
it would release on television. Yeah, it was released as its own like standalone thing, and it, it was, was straight uh, to DVD, which is really oh, okay. it was back when yeah, it was back when straight to DVD was um, even more thing. And the problem, yeah, the pro- yeah, and the problem is when it has the straight to DVD, that's that's a really alarm bells and a really big stigma, mm-hmm. which is uh, which I think so did it, did it a disservice. Yes, yeah, it did it a disservice. Yeah, I did. So. Dude, I did yeah. not watch this until I had like the ultimate uh, Matrix collection on Blu-ray, and when I saw it there, I was like. Oh, that's there. Uh, sure, I guess. Why not? Like, I went in just like dreading it because oh, I was like, wow. I don't expect this to be good. Like, the, the trilogy's right there. There's no way you're gonna outdo it. Oh my god, you outdid it to me. Oh my god, how? So like, yeah, it took me a while yep. to get to this one, and it's because of that straight to DVD stigma. Exactly. Yeah, the Animatrix is something really special. Uh, there is a really, really special place in my heart for it. Mm. I rooted harder for Resurrections to be good just so I can get another Animatrix. And even not good, just more yeah, successful. That's what I was going to say. I think, unfortunately, with what we assume, how we assume Resurrections is going to turn out commercially and obviously oh, critically, yeah. I think it probably... They chose to release it next to Spider-Man. Smart, brilliant, incredible move. I think it probably dooms it dooms any potential uh, Animatrix unless, obviously, like straight to streaming is, I think, is the only hope at all. So Yeah, it worked for a few movies. I think it worked for Dune. I hope... It worked for Dune. No, it did work for Dune. It's just... Oh, uh, thank God. <laughs> I mean, the Matrix, on the other hand. Um, yeah. You know, people didn't, people didn't sing the praises of that one. We'll get to that bridge mm. and maybe blow it up if we don't if we don't want to cross it all the way. So. Exactly. All right. The sequels. Um, we just have to talk about these together because they're basically one entire movie. Like, I really resented... Uh, what was it? I tried to get my best friend to watch them together, and I did. But my wife dipped out after Reloaded and like afterwards when she saw Revolutions and she's like, oh, yeah, what's that? What's that? I'm like, girl, that was in the previous movie. Like, this is this is here. You could have watched it all together. But no, no, you had to go and sleep. Imagine needing. Imagine sleeping. Disgusting. Imagine. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to just have to talk about these two together. I okay so to go back to the question that you had a while back which is what is neo we're just gonna have to go straight to the colonel sanders scene now <laughs> uh no but i mean like that's he is colonel sanders all right we can t- call him the architect but like if you say colonel sanders everyone's like oh the guy in white okay yeah so what is neo neo is not jesus or he's not special or anything like that he is the Imagine if you had 22 divided by 7. You got a remainder of 1. That is Neo. Neo is the remainder of a very complicated formula of the Matrix to get humanity to accept their reality. And the way that the formula works is that a formula must have a solution that is perfect. However, humans are not perfect, so the formula is messed up. It is intentionally wonky to allow humanity to accept it and because it is wonky that is where neo exists i love this i whenever you can understand what colonel sanders is if you pause it every 10 seconds to understand what he's saying it's incredible i love it but it's also pretty much a microcosm of these movies which is these are some cool ideas could you maybe explain them in a better way and mixed in the action and the philosophy better and then they just go no, you're no. Going, it, no, 
you, know, you get yeah. This is so convoluted. We need a a, a a section in the movie specifically for this. Exactly. Hey, hey, hey. We know that we have some good pacing in this movie. This is all gonna go out the window now, okay? And if you want to follow it, go ahead and follow it. We're not chasing you. Uh, I think what I have in my notes here. I think he. I believe it's Colonel Sand, the architect. He mm-hmm. speaks to the eventuality of, of an anomaly, and I think that echoes what you talked about. Is that Neo is basically expected. the yeah, yeah, he's the eventual anomaly, and I think it speaks to kind of the the message. One of the messages is that you can't fully permanently control humanity, mm-hmm. right? Like eventually, there's going to be some type of outlier, or in this case, a mathematical anomaly when you're dealing with human beings. Mm-hmm. I mean, they call him the one because I think that's kind of gives uh, it gives human beings hope. Mm-hmm. And I think a quote I have here is that the architect says, "Hope is the quintessential human delusion; its greatest strength and its greatest weakness." Mm-hmm. And so the machines really co-opted Neo being an anomaly and turned him into the one to make him like a savior aspect. And he further busts that by saying, "Like, oh, this is only you're only the the sixth iteration of this. You know, you're going to restart, and we're going to start over again because." It's not perfect. We're going to wipe it away clean and restart. So, Which I think is just so... That's so fucking dark. The idea that you are taking yeah. all the faith that these people have in finally the Matrix being over. And then you find yeah. out, no, it's just another form of control. Like, it, he is just another piece of the Matrix. Part of why people don't like this movie is that it deconstructs people's perceptions of what the first movie was. And I think a lot of people saw it as a giant... or more than one maybe two middle fingers really? at them saying yeah you know that guy you thought was a hero no he's he's he's, like, he's nothing he he's, he's just he's just a sixth but that's the thing. i don't understand why people don't like that like i he still is the hero though like just because he's planned doesn't mean that he's not still the hero I, yeah i think that a lot of people see that scene as the the midi-chlorians of the matrix and that's why people I can, don't like yeah, it. Yeah, I, under, I understand. Yeah, I understand. There's that aspect as well. It's definitely a lot of exposition, right? Like he is just a pure, unfiltered, um, 100% concentrated yeah, it's exposition. trying though. to explain something that needed no real explanation. Yeah, that's true. It didn't need explanation. Yeah. But like, it's also really cool to show that, yeah, yeah, your rebellion is still really controlled, which later on it just reminds me a bit of like corporate pandering where a whole bunch of companies are just like oh gay marriage has been legal for six or seven years now okay cool gay pride flags everywhere we're gonna be okay we're here to help you support things we support the resistance and it's like yeah it's it's this idea of uh astroturfing right yeah that it's like what you what you think is genuine and grassroots it's not it's all just really really carefully controlled um, organization and messaging. Yeah. If you can control yeah. the resistance, you'll never have an actual resistance on your hands. Exactly. And that's that's really at the core what this movie pivots to or what the machines are trying to do. So yeah, the Colonel Sanders scene, I fucking love it and I kind of wish I knew. Yeah. So <laughs> I like it, yeah, I like so it really, a lot. Yeah. I, the only problem is is that explaining it is like terribly done. Like so much of resurrections and revolutions is just like you really needed to find that proper balance that the other that the original had that I can understand those complaints where it just feels like this is the philosophy part. This is the fighting part. The original Matrix had that, too, but it hid the seams way better. And also it was because this character just showed up and appeared. Like yeah. That's literally all his purpose was. It wasn't like the Oracle where they go back and visit 
two or three whatever times he's literally just sitting there showing up you know a super super smug guy the entire time and his entire uh, i think people perceive his entire role as just being a giant fuck you to everyone and i remember i remember going like i said this the matrix was a formative movie for me and me and my old man were sitting in the theater like i'm sure like 99 percent of people like what the fuck was that you know yeah uh, so you don't have a pause button there yeah yeah exactly but yeah do we do we want to start like delving into like overall thoughts yeah yeah no that's the, the thing movie? that's we're already uh, in the sequel section okay okay yeah really quickly let's get this out of the way do you have the bonk gun ready um, or the bonk instrument uh there is no bonk gun uh there's only just okay bonk. well let's okay let's just get it out of the way monica bellucci really quick uh, okay okay we're just gonna, are we done uh bonk um, bonk okay good okay. we got that out of the way all right good um re-watching this movie i was watching it and i'm like you know what this movie fucking rules it is awesome and obviously i was one of those people that oh the matrix you know it fell off after one etc cetera, etc cetera. but i'm just watching it and like from from the get-go i mean it kind of starts with trinity kicking cops asses again which is kind of a retread of one i think that was the witch house he's kind of being sly about everything yeah like oh you, you think we're gonna you think we're just gonna do the same thing over just you wait you know um and then they did it and again so later. yeah yeah and then they they kind of did it again later but yeah this movie just fucking rules like the action is ramped up a notch the world building is ramped up a notch this is like i would say almost a perfect sequel i think for me it's what i want in a sequel it's awesome i think i may actually like it more than the first movie believe it or not Ooh. thinking more about it yeah that's why that's why i wanted to keep my opinion to myself kind of keep you on your toes yeah i think it just it, it ups everything it ups the kind of the exploration of the philosophies the action everything but i'll you know i'll let i'll let john take it from here and his yeah. overall thoughts i've spoken uh, enough i think that i relate to that sentiment wow because okay i i do think that reloaded is is i don't think it's the best but it's certainly my favorite matrix movie okay yeah I, it, it just one-ups everything in the first movie sometimes to a detriment but after the what the matrix is was set i feel like the second movie had a bigger playground to play in and be it with the action be with be it with the philosophy the wachowskis just went for it right and this is no longer a an alien concept that we don't know if people will like it or not we know that people like it we know that people like it a lot maybe they didn't know how much people liked each thing because it's like the the scene with the architect some a lot of people hate that but a lot of people like that it's with the it's same with the action. A lot of people think that the action in Reloaded is way over the top, and I love it. Exactly. Just so good, <laughs> fucking I. Yeah. I love the the, the over Man the Brawl. top shitty CGI fight. I like that shit. <laughs> Dude, okay. and, yeah, I think it. I think it would kind of have to be because you have a more powerful Neo, and things yes. are just naturally yeah. escalating. You can't um, end the Matrix with Neo flying and then not having him stop bullets with his mind in the second. Yeah, movie. like you can't. You can't have another subway fight where like the biggest thing is like he just gets thrown through a, a wood paneling in a in a uh, ticketing booth or something. You right? need so to have. You get that. The high. Yeah, go ahead. You need to have. Yeah, the I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say like there are there are three fights like the highway fight, the stairway fight, and the park fight. Those are good enough to be like the premier action scenes in most movies themselves. Yes, and that's what really stuck out to me. Like, holy shit! Like those three fights alone are better than ninety five percent of what's going on in other 
action movies, aside from all of the, you know, more philosophical stuff as well. It's just, that's what really struck me overall is that just everything is amped up in this movie and it still holds together, I think, really, really well. And it's still a Matrix movie. And just how it pulls that off is why I think it may be my favorite. So I have to bring it up just because it reminded me of it when you said that those three action scenes would basically be the climax of any other movie. It just reminds me of Fast and Furious 6. Fast and Furious. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Look, you'll see where I'm going. You'll see where I'm going. Okay. 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 Fast and Furious Six was supposed to be two movies. Which one is that? Uh, the the London the one, one Dubai? the the airplane one, the one, that, and the tank. Is that the one that? Which one starts in the hospital? Is that five or six? Seven. Seven. Okay. Six, whatever. No, no. The reason is, is that Fast and Furious 6 was supposed to be two movies. But what they ended up doing instead is that they compressed the two movies into one, which means that they had two different action set pieces that were supposed to be the ending of two different movies and just said, yeah, just put them right next to each other. And that's why that movie is so fucking ridiculous. And you aren't wrong. Like, Matrix Reloaded has that. Like, e- any one of those scenes could have been the climax and then the movie just goes yeah but here's both instead it's like oh my god <laughs> i'm actually kind of shocked that both of you guys are this positive on it because i was thinking i was gonna have to hide a little be like i don't i don't know that's the thing i split between these movies where obviously the original matrix is just a better constructed movie like it handles its tone and its balancing of fight and philosophy better than the two movies but reloaded feels like it just throws that balance out of the window and goes we're just gonna give you more and to be fair because of the more that's there is shit that i love i don't care if it's out of whack for balance okay i love that you just have literally what's like continuous 10 minutes of neo talking to the oracle in a park bench and then it's like yeah um fight scene get the fight scene in here which to also bring that up, is it dumb CGI fights that you can tell clearly when it is CGI and not people? Yes, but also there's something about the animation that they did to the CGI characters where it still feels so weighted that even though like these people are just flying around like like just in like fucking toys. Yeah, and yeah, it I doesn't feel I... like uh, a flying tiger hidden dragon. Yes. Crouch tiger hidden dragon. Like it Yeah, it, it's not it's not where I work, it's straight CGI. But I think what's kind of funny about that is it is I think it's kind of meta because you could say, like, oh of course it's CGI. They're literally in the matrix. Ha. Right? So they're not actually fighting ah. as real people. So they, they they're fighting as digital kind of representations. So in other words, the actual conceit becomes the context. Fuck, that's <laughs> exactly exactly. Yeah, oh. but I, I, with Edwin, the, the weight there is really good because even though that isn't a human face, <laughs> that is clearly a, a CGI robot. It feels like it was mocapped. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So the way that they did this is like. They had their faces in front of, like, the highest res cameras that they could get, and they just took a whole bunch of pictures, and then they used those pictures to map it onto those bodies. So, like, they really tried their best to try to, you know, not have to CGI skin. They would try to map actual skin onto it, which is why I think it helps a lot. 
I think it's just that the power wasn't there to be able to yeah. gate as convincing as possible. Yeah. 2002 and I think wasn't there yet. It, mm-hmm. it starts to, I don't know if I want to say crumble, but it starts to get exposed a little bit when he brings, when he takes out the giant pole and starts really just I swinging around and being love really, it. really, really ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing though. It's Well, it's like, cause it's like, of course, like they know how powerful he is. They're going to send like a mob of agent Smith's after him and it's going to look ridiculous. Oh. Um, which is fine. It plays into how nuts the movie gets from one. So, so here's the really funny thing: all of this, like so much of this fight, is CGI, and all of it fits so well. And then you look back at Flight of the Osiris, and you're like, "Why does this look as terrible as it does?" Because this is pretty much this should be the same thing, honestly. This really should just be CGI people fighting and having the proper weight, and just like that's okay. But like, why is Flight of the Osiris suck? when it's probably the same amount of CGI as this. And that's what More I More mean. even. Yeah. But man, the burly the burly man fight is just so awesome. Like it's it's so it's really over the cool. top and it's dumb and it's oh my god, the music is perfect. Like oh, and then at some point Neo just goes, "Yeah, we had enough fun." And then leaves. Like that that fight is so pointless. It is there's almost no reason for it to go as long as it does beyond just hey audience, you want to see some cool shit? But like I can't really fault the movie for doing that because I enjoyed every second of it. So that's what I mean. Like I feel like even though I probably enjoy this movie as equally as the original Matrix, I think that I can't separate criticism in my brain to go like I like this one more. Because I feel like I just enjoy the fact that the Matrix 1 is just so satisfyingly like, this is precise. This is this is like just what feels like screenwriting 101. Yeah, and if I remember, the park fight starts like seconds after um, Oracle just kind of walks away. Yes. yes. Right? And then Smith just shows up. I'm like, well, okay. It's, it's almost like a video game cutscene. Yes. Where it's like, okay, this character's going away. Okay, we're going to go into a cutscene now. And, yeah, as uh, far as like the, okay. the, the one... I think I think the director is Chinese. I forgot his name, but that's with Neo. He's just like, oh no, I'll take the keymaker and oh, oh no, is the keymaker there already? I don't. No, remember. the keymaker's not there. Not there. Yeah, the one character. Sarah. Like his name is Sarah. Yeah, he just like, uh, oh, I'll I'll get out of here for now. Uh, oh, enjoy I, your fight. <laughs> I want the record to show that I actually remember that name. I did not Google it because I knew I could remember it. I did not remember it. it. It just that's the thing. I remember them calling him wingless in revolutions, and I was like, no, his name isn't wingless. There's no way it's that. Burly man fight. Um, let's go into Zion because I feel like Zion is one of the things that people have issues with. How do you guys feel about Zion? Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it at first because my dumb little childhood brain was like oh i want more matrix explodey fun you know epic action fights but i appreciated this more as an adult because it really tapped into more of the kind of socio-political stuff where it's like oh just because all these humans are free from the matrix it doesn't mean problems go away it's not really a necessarily a utopia but one thing that that stuck out to me was in zion morpheus is really portrayed as like a religious zealot yeah almost among the surviving humans and then there's another scene of where neo is coming off the elevator and all these people are just mobbing him and it's it's again it's not subtle right it's like a jesus metaphor they're asking him for miracles bless my child i'm like okay we are not being subtle here i was waiting for someone to ask i was literally waiting for someone to ask him to turn water into wine or something i was and waiting to provide, for someone like, to finally wash his through the blind yeah and it really taps into more of the existing issues within current humanity right it taps into religious religiosity and belief and faith that 
come with not really being plugged in, right? Not having your entire environment controlled for yep. you 100% of the time. What leads to free thought and free expression? Um, what does that lead to? And so um, I really, really like that. And I appreciated that more as an adult, which I don't, you know, again, to be fair, most kids are not going to really acknowledge that and much less appreciate it. So I, I like more it. punchy, punchy, basically. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel like even th- now that I'm thinking about it, it's actually kind of impressive that the way that the movie is written is that when Neo is inside the Matrix or when we are doing something in the Matrix, what the movie is talking about is more about philosophy and reality and choice. But when we are outside of the Matrix, it's more about the human condition. It's about religion. It's about mm. more, let's say, carnal issues, mm. you know. And to be honest, I never really thought about it until until now. For me, I always just... Okay, so let's get the negative thing out of the way first. I really hate the rave scene. I really do. I just feel oh, like it's indulgent <laughs> and it goes overboard. And it's like, this is going on way too Yeah, I, I think it was maybe supposed to be like a, I don't know, like a biblical Sodom and Gomorrah type of reference. I don't know what they were going for. I think they were just trying again, to Because again, everything, like, everything feels... The lack of subtlety feels deliberate, right? So I'm like, what what is the purpose of this? What what are they trying to go for? I don't know. Maybe it's just depicting them enjoying life. I, yeah. I don't know. I think honestly that's just what it is, but I also think it just goes on way too long where it's just like, okay, we get it. Humanity is rebellious and they're going to enjoy their time out here regardless of how shitty the situation is, which is why it, like it's basically an argument of why you want to get out of the matrix. It's just like, yeah, you're going to be in the matrix. You're going to be, you know, comfy, but you're not going to be out there actually living life. Like I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But also, did we really need to spend, like, an entire five minutes here? Like, we could have spent, like, two and a half minutes just, like, vibing to some music, and we're good. We're good. It's the biob scene from System for Down. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, that's the negative thing. Zion. Uh, what I come back to with Zion is that scene where the councilman and Neo are like, yeah, we can't sleep, and so we're just going to hang out together. That entire scene where they're talking about how it's like, yeah, you see those machines? I don't know what they do. Philosophy. Yeah, oh my god, I fucking love it. Like this, the fact that, <laughs> dude, okay, I don't remember where I heard this from, but someone was like, yeah, so the Matrix sequels were like, yeah, we just wanted more action. And then the Wachowskis heard, oh, philosophy? You guys want philosophy? We'll just give you more philosophy. And here's the thing, I am the person that does want more philosophy. So that entire scene where they're talking about the conundrum of, yeah, the robots, yeah, we're fighting them, uh, but we have to acknowledge that they control us as much as we control them. And, like, I love that shit. I love that they kind of just set up at the beginning of the movie that this is a connection between the two that no matter how much of a war it is between the two of us, we are still going to not be separated regardless of how this ending turns out. And I love it. I, I, there's so much of this movie that I feel like I just, it's just so perfectly for me that probably did. It's not even something that I learned to love afterwards. It probably shaped the things that I do already love. I did like that. And I think it was uh, the councilman was the, the older guy, right? Yes. If I recall, hmm. yes. yeah, I, d- I did like that, that we got like a really a kind of a, a perspective of an older, more experienced human who I'm going to guess probably hasn't been plugged into the Matrix for a very, very long time. Yeah, um, would be my guess. So he has a lot of experience with, 
actual human beings and humanity that uh, a vast majority of the citizens of Zion, I'm sure, probably do not. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is really imparting wisdom that is even more important to to a lot of people who I'm sure have been plugged in for a lot of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so. that's the thing. I think even with Neo, Neo, you could say is probably like what mid twenties in the first movie, and they say that yeah. he, even he was too old to be unplugged. So you have to imagine that the councilman has been in Zion for most of his life. Yeah, I did like that. It kind of, I don't know. Yeah, when you mentioned that, it kind of reminded me a little bit of of Star, Star Wars, Wars yep. when yeah, and they're talking about oh, he's too old to begin the training. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of a, <laughs> a little thing. And I think I think Phantom Menace came out the same. Uh, 1999 came out the same year as Matrix. I want to say, uh, yes. 99, yes, yeah. Dude, yeah, it's just one of those things that was see a pretty it, good year, yeah. 99 was pretty stacked. That was, I was looking at that on Google, but I did like that scene a lot. I think that was really, really important. It's another aspect of why I appreciated the Zion stuff more, even though, like you said, it, it goes on a little bit too bit, a little bit too long in some aspects. Um, I also like Harry Lennox, he's always like a really, I don't know, I've always liked him. He has like a really commanding presence. He's the, I guess, the f- current or former love interest of Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh, I forget his character's name. Uh, Commander Locke, I think. Yeah, wait, is it Locke? Commander yeah. Locke. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. He always has like a really good commanding presence, but he always comes across as really annoyed. Yes. Um, <laughs> which I like about him, just fed up with everyone's shit. I like it. So yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was good. I always like when he shows up. I think there was a couple other actors as well that show up. But yeah, I like I liked the Zion stuff a lot. I thought it was a really good, effective, mostly much slower change of pace, but I think that the time was used well. So Yeah, Commander Locke, I really like him because this man is just the most he is the most realistic out of all of them. He's just like yeah, I don't care about the one. I don't believe in all this bullshit. Like I think Yeah, I don't think he actually is in the matrix i think he's probably a natural born person of zion because he also never touches on the oracle and whenever you see the oracle you just kind of go yeah i kind of have to believe in some of this at least at this point now so yeah he would have to be a son of zion to be able to just be like yeah the one all this bullshit yeah when you when you say that that does i think that kind of rings true he does have the makeup of someone who was never really plugged in or exposed to anything Mm within the matrix so it literally may as well be a fantasy land Mm -hmm. um to him right it may as well be like uh, he may as well be almost like a like a muggle if you will Mm -hmm. off to not believing about nine and three quarters and all the wizard shit so he's very much a pragmatist Mm -hmm. as well so no this man goes like you see those ships and you guys see them as a way to tap into the matrix i see them as a way to get them back into zion to help us from the machines because that's the actual focus like oh my god but yeah uh let's see commander Locke. uh what else is in Reloaded that I want to talk about? Um, you know what? Just because I love him, I want to talk about uh, Commander Mifune, uh, the guy who's who just... Uh, wait, you guys remember who Captain Mifune is? Yes. Okay. Mm, no. Uh, he is the guy who mainly takes... Uh, He's the guy who takes up most of the time in oh, Zion. Oh, he's, he's the head of the mechs. Right, yes, or correct. Whatever. Yeah, I like him too. He has a very kind of drill sergeant... Uh... Uh, demeanor yeah and i, I like their i like their uniform i like their get-ups they're almost like kind of pseudo samurai looking yes I think, right they're kind of like robes i like that too that's a good call Dude, commander mifune i really love this man because this man just feels so much like a stereotype and i don't know why it is that i really dig that he is just so like he's like you said he's a drill sergeant like this man is just like yeah. uh, he just seems like he doesn't speak he only barks and i love but, it but he also i think at his core he cares like that like that one kid that shows up he's like i'm too you know i i 
you know, he know like he knows he's not old enough, right? Exactly. Like, how old are you? And he's like, yeah, he's calling bullshit, but he's like, all right. He's he, he knows they can't uh, they can't afford to really turn anyone away that's willing to fight. So, and I think that it, it builds upon that in um, in revolutions as well. There's a there's a good payoff there. But yeah, I like him as well. I think he's it reminds me a little bit of the Raimi Spider Man movies where you have these kind of side characters that show up and they would normally not be memorable at all. Mm-hmm. But these movies elevate them just due to some of the writing and a lot of it is the acting performances as well so how old are you uh, i'm 18 bullshit i would have believed you said 16 okay i'm 16 it, yeah. it, 18 is the age <laughs> you're too young <laughs> yeah and, that, and that's a and that's a thing with war right? like i know literal relatives of mine who who um who forged their ages to get into world war ii like they were not 18 they were 16 17 Dope. and it's like at that difference what is, what difference does it make like there's not some magical thing when you on your 365th day of your 17th year, you know, or whatever. So he says that uh, kid says that that. he's basically like, what do the machines care about my age? I'll die the exact same way. And then yeah, that ain't the damn truth. Yeah. They literally don't care. They're Yeah. And that was a good comeback. And yeah, that was just a really good, again, a really good, well-written scene that probably didn't need to be in the movie. Like those two characters didn't necessarily even need to be in the movie, yeah. but it was really well done. I don't know what it is. Like I love Captain Mifune just being the stereotype that he is. And he's just so much fun that even like he carries me through revolutions. Like he carries me so yeah. much where it's like anything that's happening in Zion, as long as I see this man going, ah, ah, like, I'm just like, this man is so into it. So am I. All right. I am so in. Yeah, he's very he's very much like a ride or die uh, character. I love it. Okay. Um. L- oh wait, John. Anything before I move on to another character? No, it's more about the the general idea of all the characters in in Zion because they really were walking on a tightrope with with this whole part of the movie, right? Because uh, you have a lot of a whole cast of side characters that could have been like swink or swim and just it did neither. It, it walked on water. The next character that I want to talk about is Link. the guy. Oh, Link. Okay, you know what? Yeah, let's go to Link. You... Okay, no, no. So the thing is, is that I was actually going to go to, um, oh my god, Bane. But you know what? Let's go to Link first. Um, I really like Link. Link isn't really doing much, but I actually think I like him more than Dozer and his brother, which I, his name escapes me now. But yeah, like Link and his entire side story with his, I assume, wife and then a sister. And then I think that he is Dozer's brother-in-law or something like that. I couldn't something really like figure out what exactly was the relationship between them. But like Link just feels like he's a good grounding agent for people in Zion where he feels like he's the average person of Zion who kind of sees Morpheus and he's just like I don't know about you and it's only through his time on the Nebuchadnezzar that he's like oh no if I saw all the shit that Morpheus was seeing I would be just as insane as he is and I really like what he adds to this yeah I like him as well he's married to the sister of of Tank and Dozier yeah Z yeah I, I really like Link. I think that, especially in the first Matrix, Tank was a really good character. Tank was a, a, a solid ground wire to everything that was going on. And honestly, Link was a proper continuation of the same type of character. Yeah, I liked that they're both kind of the, the nerd in the chair, right? That does all the plugging away and the computer yeah. stuff. And oftentimes those are just really boring and uninteresting characters, or they're just portrayed as like, uh, what's his name from Jurassic Park? 
Um, Nedry. Newman from Seinfeld. Yeah, Nedry. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're portrayed as these kind of like really unappealing, loser, sweaty types. And these guys, both him and uh, Tank, were really upbeat and I think um, kind of almost affable. They're guys that you would, you would want to have a conversation with. They're really optimistic. You'd want to get a drink with them. Uh, yeah, you'd yeah. want to get a drink with them, which is kind of a deconstruction. In addition to them both being black guys, right? Like those, like, let's face it, a lot of times in movies, they're portrayed as really pasty, nerdy white guys. Yeah. So to have them kind of portrayed as these different archetypes i think was really really good and obviously progressive as a lot of the movie is um but yeah i i liked him uh i liked him a lot all right so we got link out of the way this is the person i really wanted to get to bane i this i don't understand how you didn't just bring this guy back for resurrections and just have him do something okay because like this man's just his hugo weaving impression is just spot on like this man is just like Mr. Anderson. Yeah, you would have. You would. There was a couple of times where I swore, like they must have done like ADR with Hugo Weaving or something. Like it was scary. I don't know how they did it because it was amazing. But other than that, I don't know. The whole thing of like temporarily turning it into like a slasher film kind of annoyed me. Wait, um, uh, which part in Reloaded? No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of Revolutions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm getting. I'm getting a little bit ahead. Of... Yeah, I'm getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I didn't. I didn't like that little eventual development. Um, the ending kind of cliffhanger I thought was really really cool. I just didn't fully like where they where they took his character. I wasn't. I was overall. I wasn't crazy about it, but I did like the whole kind of Hugo weaving um, taking over a, a, a plugged in person and yeah. it going into. The human world. I thought that was a really cool concept. It, it is. That that's just Terrifying. what I, I was about to say. That yeah. the concept yeah. of a program entering a human body and controlling it as if it was his own. It's yeah. really fucking cool and absolutely terrifying and it's a shame they never used it again huh oh yeah so just because we're already on this topic i'll have to probably jump into revolutions a little bit that entire time where uh he's just like he's just like come on mr anderson you're quicker than this how do you not recognize that it's me behind these dull cow eyes it's just like oh my god this man is just this man is doing the greatest yugo weaving impression of all time this man is just he is i don't understand how the hell he was able to embody so much of smith as i don't understand not only do i not understand how he was able to do that i don't understand how the hell you find someone who is capable of doing this like this man is so spot on he understood every part of the assignment god bless this man i just feel like this man probably doesn't get enough cherishment for what he adds to these movies yeah i fully agree all right, any other characters from these sequels that we want to talk about, I guess, before we actually start talking about the plots? Uh, in terms of characters? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Merovingian. I mean, they got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hoping you were going to talk about him. I mean, the guy's just an absolute queen, right? <laughs> like, he's just, he's just like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Do they really, really hate the French? I don't know. That's the only <laughs> thing I could come away with. Probably, yes. I was just... Don't and, we all? Uh, again, yeah, yeah. We'll get, we'll get to this in Resurrections, but yeah, I'm just like, he's, yeah, he's just supremely entertaining. And one thing I thought of when rewatching it, I don't know, Edwin, maybe maybe I'm crazy or something. I almost had a thought of one point. I'm like, was he, is he like a former The One at one point? Because he seems to have so much knowledge. And he, I think he made a reference, I think in the kind of the rotunda area of the building before that big fight where he's like, oh, you're one of them again, or something, a former one of you or something like that it made it seem like he is a really, really deep and long-standing 
um, not only knowledge of the Matrix and the dynamics, but also an outside view of the Matrix. Almost. Okay. Yeah, he has like a prestige about him. Like there, like there's he has like an elevated status within the Matrix that can only come with being someone of more of a uh, more of a I don't know the, type of character. Yeah, yeah. Like he has he has a higher status. He's more highly looked upon by the machine. So I don't I don't know. That's one. Maybe I was reading too much into it, but that's something that I thought of. So the Merovingian to me is a program he is a program he is not a human being all right he has been here probably at the earliest the second iteration of the matrix of course we're on the sixth matrix so the way that i understand is that he definitely was not a one before because when he ever talks to neo at the end of that fight in the huge courtroom uh he goes i have dealt with your predecessors and i will deal with you as well or something like that so he's basically saying that he has fought with the one previously in the same exact way he's probably doing with neo he's like i've done this before i will outlast you right and you know he does (laughs) so the merovingian to me is probably another it's another part of probably controlling the resistance so the merovingian is someone who can basically help exiled programs that no longer have a reason to exist and basically smuggle them into the matrix so they can survive so what i always interpreted him as is basically like Poot, have you played Metal Gear Solid 4? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I guess anyone who's listening to this that doesn't want to be spoiled for Metal Gear Solid 4, I'm going to give you like three <laughs> seconds. Okay. Skip forward like 10 or t- 10 seconds. Okay. So three, two, one. So like with Drebin, how Drebin is an agent of the Patriots, how he's basically supposed to be helping the opposition. I kind of take that as the Merovingian. The Merovingian is an agent of the Matrix to basically try to. Yeah, yeah, no, no. We know that some of this illegal shit is going to be happening. So we may as well could be able to control that piece of it as well. Yeah, I, I just wasn't sure. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think too deeply or, or research it too deeply because I was like, well, there, you know, there's some programs that have more of a social status if you will within the matrix or what have you so i wasn't sure what his ultimate uh like abilities were if you will his ultimate ability is probably being able to have more power in the matrix by being someone who can basically determine who gets to be in the matrix or not yeah but i did i did like he was really represented as like an organized crime boss yeah that kind of makes sense right because if if the matrix or the robots are like the authorities right they understand like okay we're not going to completely eliminate crime quote unquote right Mm -hmm but we we can control it somewhat yeah and so there's like a common understanding there with with some organized crime elements hey you know limit the bodies being dropped etc keep to your own house don't mess with civilians etc etc so when you put it that way that makes sense all right so going back to the colonel sanders scene whenever they're talking about the six iterations of the matrix the third fourth fifth and sixth iterations of the matrix are pretty much no different but the first two are where shit gets really fucky so the first matrix iteration was perfect it was heaven it was a utopia and colonel sanders is like yeah we made it as happy as possible to keep you guys good you guys all hated it like you don't understand how many of you fucking died because you couldn't accept peace and quiet so um whoops uh and then in very computer logic of well one didn't work have we tried zero the second matrix on the other hand is a complete fucking nightmare apparently like they all it's fucking in at least from the way that they imply it the two vampires that monica belushi shoots they're from the second matrix in they're fucking werewolves yeah sorry not vampires werewolves (laughs) super bullets are from 
Vernals, goddammit! Yes, I know, I know. Well, I'm sorry. I'm Jeez. sorry that I got my wrong mystical your, mystical being. Yeah, you know your cryptids, Edwin. Yeah, get your get your get your get your fanfic stereotypes in order. Come on. Yeah. Well, anyways. So in other words, the second Matrix was literally hell, where they're like, hey, mermaids that eat people, throw them in there. Werewolves, throw them in there. Vampires, throw them in there. We're going to fuck these people up, and maybe they accept their reality. And you know what happened? Well, a whole bunch of them died again. (laughs) So then... The third Matrix, they're like, okay, let's maybe, you know, we try too hot, we try too cold, let's get it just right now. And so that's where the Oracle was introduced as the human part of the Matrix to try and bring some a bit of the more warmth and I guess the ups and downs of life. So while they say that the Matrix is basically, you know, it has two parents. It's got the Colonel Sanders as the dad, the architect the Oracle would be the mother of the matrix. So these two basically constantly fight back and forth between we, this is still a computer program. We need this to be as balanced as possible, but also we need to keep some humanity in there. So they don't exactly reject it. Like they did the first two matrix. So the Merovingian is someone who's been working since we know for sure the matrix, the second matrix. I know for sure about that. Who knows if he was there for the first one, which would be fucking incredible if he was, but at least since the second Matrix, we know that this man is working. I always saw it as in really interesting concept, talking mm. about werewolves and shit. That uh, no, but I, no, okay, no, no, I'm no, going. To, on, I'm, I'm on, going somewhere here. You're gonna tell I'm, me that sentence isn't funny though. <laughs> I was always interested in the concept of werewolves and shit. No, but I mean in the Matrix, in the context context of the Matrix, mm. that whenever people say that they saw ghosts or uh, <laughs> those urban legends and vampires and werewolves and fucking ninja turtles that's all something from previous versions of the matrix that somehow got into the current version of the matrix and so since people don't understand it they kind of make legends about it Mm -hmm. yeah and another thing that i picked up on too is that the name merovingian historically they believe this is like the real world talking they believe is like the first race of the kings of france that's why i was kind of confused like how far does he go back? How revered is he within the Matrix? Like, what is his social status? I think he was really, really one of the more interesting characters they introduced in the sequels, without a doubt. But I did like his scene where he conspires to the scene where the girl, I guess we can be a little bit crude, she gets the orgasm from... Actually hilarious. The food of being programmed. Yeah, yeah, which is hilarious. I forgot how crude that scene yes. was without being like full-on crude. I'm like... Oh my God, they're really going here right now. And just his whole, um, the quote he has there is as she's like, you know, she's having this orgasm. He says, soon the why and the reason are gone and all that matters is the feeling itself. That little microcosm in there was kind of an example of how they control people. And I think in the first one as well, when Joey Pants is eating the steak, he's like, he's like, I know this isn't real, but I don't care. It makes me feel good. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's those little, it's those little crumbs they feed them of satisfaction of real life where it keeps people going throughout the day so yeah it was really good and his quote i think it was his quote he said choice is an illusion yes created between those with power and those without like yeah that, that really kind of sums up what they're going for and he is one of those agents obviously God, i love the philosophy in these movies so much there's just not yeah. subtle at all but every time you hear it, yeah. it's just like oh my god this is just so much good to chew on yeah without a doubt all right, let's see. Uh, we got Zion. Oh, you know what? Let's go ahead and go to the highway uh, just action scene because... The scene? Yeah. Yeah, really quick. This this made me want a Cadillac CTS. <laughs> yes, because of this yes, movie. same. No other same. reason. 
No other reason. Like I wanted one of those cars. Like I don't even know. It's probably a piece of shit. I think it ended up have like a, a lot of mechanical yes. issues, but like I want that car. Yes. No, I agree. I just remember. Yeah. I remember watching this movie, and then whenever I got a PSP and I got Midnight Club Three Dub Edition, the C, yeah. the, the car was there, and I was like, oh my god, I'm modding the fuck yeah. out of this. I think even GTA had a straight up rip off of the Cadillac CTS. Mm-hmm. Again, not. I don't think coincidental. So that was an obvious thing that stuck out to me. Dude, the entire scene where Trinity is just on this motorcycle and she's staying to the edges and then eventually both of the agents basically corner her in and she has to weave through traffic. I'm just like, oh yeah. my. To be fair though, I the one thing that forever just stays with me where I played with my toys for years on end with them having guns and swords is because of uh morpheus on the overpass and this man has just a gun and a sword and he slashes the fucking cadillac and then just starts blasting it until it explodes i wish that i could ever have a single moment in my life that would make me look as cool as morpheus does in that scene yeah and it's Spoilers, like it's, you won't no never will yeah, i never will it's <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of pure matrix right like there is no reason on god's green earth that he should be having a samurai sword it has like no practical application mm-hmm. and i'm sure it's like part of their inspiration from uh, japanese animation yes shall we call it mm-hmm. um but uh, like you said it's it's cool as fuck so who who cares who right cares? this is an action scene let's have fun and yeah it's just it's ridiculous but it's awesome it works so. perfectly though that's the thing like this man shoots them to kind of just put disorient them he moves he slashes the gas tank with the sword and then starts blasting at the gas tank. Like, it's it's something yeah, where it's like, was, my God, I didn't expect this to be useful, but it was. Yeah, that was a good reason where they're like, hey, we, we want to give him a samurai sword because samurai swords are cool. Mm-hmm. So what what can we theoretically actually make good use out of it with? And they, again, they pulled it off. So, oh, credit yeah, the, the most logical choice, a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, the invisible guys, the choreography that they can do with them because they can disappear is so fucking cool because you can basically get them hit for a little bit and then they just survive because they can phase through it. Like the entire scene where they're in the... Uh, car parking lot and like they're getting fucked up but because they can phase through they're just like whatever we're not gonna yeah sure you can land on us but how can you make sure that we're actually here to be landed on oh my god just so much of that entire scene is incredible and I, like i can't believe they actually built that freeway they actually built a long ass freeway just so they can start launching cars like they did oh my god it is yeah, god probably one God of bless my a favorite budget. pieces of making of footage yep. yes in movie history okay uh let's see we got that i don't know is there anything about the actual oh, plot yeah. that we want to talk about like I, I don't know what it is like i feel like even for the original matrix it's just like a really fun metaphor so you don't really need to care about the plot reloaded i think i just actually care like that's the thing Poot, when you said earlier that i don't you don't know how i feel about world building most of the time i don't care but i think because the matrix has just set such a fucking cool world that i care like honestly the second matrix is something i wish i could see shit from because i need to see what fucked up hell they threw these humans into so like reloaded having all of that world building is something that i really dig to where to some point i don't really think i care that much about the actual human and machine war but like i still care about the character so then through that i care about that 
So like, I don't really know how much of the plot is important. Yeah, I think they name drop Zion at least maybe once or twice in the first movie. Yes. So you're like, okay, Zion is a is a thing. It's a place. They don't, it doesn't just appear. I mean, it appears for the first time, but it doesn't appear out of nowhere. It's not like, oh, they just made up that a human city exists. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a little bit of good payoff. And I think, I think, like I said, I really liked the Zion stuff. That's probably the thing that I had the biggest um, reservations about. Yeah. Well, just the, the biggest progression from really not liking that much to really appreciating because I'm older now and I didn't like it as much as a kid. Um, so I think it was that human world building, if you will, was really good enough and what I really liked. So yeah, that's, what I took away as far as the world building, I really appreciated that. John, anything about is, the plot of Reloaded? Is there any? Okay, I know there's a plot, but uh, <laughs> the plot of Reloaded is more. It's basically a setup for revolutions. Yeah, I think a little bit, but there's also there's also there is something that, there is a, a big there is a lot there, but I think that it sets up a lot that will just end up being paid off in, in the next movie. Yeah, I think there's an aspect of it. I think it ultimately builds up to that scene with the architect where it's kind of like a meet your, meet your maker or meet your creator mm -hmm. sort of scene. And it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to choose one door where it's like what your creator originally intended? Because, you know, as we all and know. what every other one has chosen. Yeah, yeah. Or are you going to say, fuck you and rebel against it? this movie leads up to that one moment. So it's not necessarily about the beat for itself. beat story and plot. Um, yes. It's really with all the philosophy going on. I think that's what it builds up to and what it amounts to mm -hmm. is that you have the ultimate thing that, that makes human beings special is we have that choice, right? We have some sense of self-determination and that's ultimately what Neo chooses at the end. And that's what I think the movie builds up to. So I think it's really good character and thematic work so, so i need to bring this up in relation to uh resurrections whenever people were leveling at resurrections uh, the complaint of oh so it's a love story now it yeah was. It, it was since it always reloaded. was like that's how that's love is love is the reason that neo won in the first movie she literally resurrects him i mean we also like that's the thing the entire yeah. reason of reloaded is that every other one like here's the thing colonel sanders says it he's like the previous ones had a general connection to human beings so whenever i asked them to sacrifice themselves for for zion they did it they're like yeah i don't know I, we need to keep humanity going but you on the other hand neo your connection to human to humanity isn't general humans it's love it's trinity so because he chooses trinity he ends up heralding the end of the matrix well at least you know until resurrections but like we'll get there but like it was always about love. It was always about love. And it just makes me wonder, yeah. were people not paying attention? Or is it the fact that Colonel Sanders is like just speaking in riddles the entire time? And tongues. Both. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you're probably not wrong. Yes, because people turn off their brains to go to the movies, sadly. I, because... Yeah, they want escapism, which is fair enough. Yeah, I will say that the scene with the architect can be a bit much. It's too no. It is. It is too much. Like I, it is. It is too but much. But still, there. If if on a second watch, you can make sense of it at the on, very least. On a second watch at home with a pause button and subtitles. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, not when not when me and my dad were sitting there in the theater and like, what yeah. the hell is happening? When you can't control the movie, you, yeah. you have no idea what's going on. Dude, Reloaded, yeah. I had my best friend and my wife, both of them sitting to my left and right. We just got done with that 
awesome highway action scene. We're going through it, right? And then we get to this scene, right? And as soon as it hits that white light, I grab the remote and I pause it. I'm like, hey, look, I know we're enjoying the movie. I'm going to have to pause it after every line that he says, and I have to explain it. So he'd be like, Edgar, you will not understand my, some of my, my answers, and then others you will. You are an anomaly. And like I paused it. I was like, okay, so what he's basically saying is that he's going to be really up his own ass for like the next 10 minutes. Uh, from here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's funny you say that because it's actually, I just brought up the YouTube clip. It's about four minutes. It just seems like 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> But I mean, four four minutes is a long time. I mean, you're talking about, uh, di- especially with exposition dialogue, that's a that's a fucking eternity. Honestly, it should have uh, taken ten minutes. So then, at that point, you can maybe slow down and explain some of it. But then it takes ten minutes. <laughs> yes, yes. But there has to be ways to look. That's the thing. Like, if you look at the original Matrix, there are two movies that make exposition into an, an art, and that's The Matrix and Inception. Because the first halves of those movies are just exposition. But because the idea of what's happening is so interesting, you are in to learn everything. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Lovett is just a mouthpiece for Nolan to be like, yeah, this is the mechanics. He's not a character. He's just an encyclopedia of how this works. But, like, we still like that movie because we want to learn about this. The Matrix, we want to learn about. So Colonel Sanders Mm -hmm. should be able to make learning about the Matrix more interesting. Yeah, I think that in the end, they they made the right choice of just being dumb done with it you have your fun here's what you need to know let's go back into it and that's it yeah and i think i think like i said earlier there's also there's also that aspect of meeting your literally meeting your maker right meeting your creator Mm -hmm. and it would be kind of when you were to meet your creator they would literally have all the answers right and that would definitely take a while just to think within the context of the movie and this type of movie with how much insane action was happening before that, it was definitely very, very abrupt. And I will say, I don't think it would have had near the impact if they had spread it out like they had with Oracle with two or three kind of scenes or like kind of choosing to visit him or whatever, right? It's like, hey, you're coming to visit me. It's this one chance. It's a controlled environment. And now you're going to make your choice and we're never going to see each other again. That's the thing, though. I kind of really like that the architect, like even the architects, like we will never meet again. Like, I I really like that because it kind of reminds me of Mr. Robot and how specifically there's one character, White Rose, who has an interaction in season one. And that's that's honestly, now that I think about it, that scene is how you do the the architect scene properly, because there is so much information being thrown at you just back to back to back where and then you feel the time clock hitting you fuck oh my god damn it i didn't really think about that until i started speaking but either way yeah like there is probably a way to be able to hand out exposition and not make it sound as convoluted as he does i really don't like that scene because the actual execution is bad and then the ideas that are all there are so incredible which is um uh, that's that's that line is going to come up later (laughs) Yeah, I think if maybe they had incorporated those TV screens more to use more visual representation yes. to take a little bit of the sting. I don't know if sting is the right word, but a little bit of the pace killer. kind of the in your face. Yeah, yeah. To make it a little bit more digestible and accessible. Mm. That probably would have worked. Could you have sprinkled well. that kind of info throughout the movie? No. Like, without spoiling anything and without messing up the pace. 
but I think it, I think or it lessens the impact. I think it lessens the impact, yeah, right? Yeah. Because if if he's the creator, then no one else should really have all of the knowledge. Exactly. And that the Oracle has. is literally Maybe the, the only one. Yeah. Yeah. But like, also, the Oracle isn't really supposed to be the one who gets into the actual nuts and bolts. Like, she is. She is the well, mom. Yeah. Well, remember when Neo says that, and he references a mom, and he, he says Oracle, and. And the architect is like, oh, please. Right. He, he's like, he, he was, it was like a bug. He was sl- swatting away from his face. Right. He's like, oh, come on, please. Don't be, don't be silly. Right? You're talking emotions to a computer program. You need to really. Yeah, exactly. Right <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's obviously, it's going to be a controversial scene till the end of time. Obviously when we're sitting in a room and we have time to pause it and, and everything. And I, you know, I paused it repeatedly. It was probably the third or fourth time I had seen it and I was still pausing it and, and everything. I definitely feel like I have a pretty good grasp of everything that was covered mm. In that, and it's obviously a lot, but I don't obviously don't dislike it as much as I did the first time sitting in the theater. Through a lot was, of pausing, you know, I realized I was actually able to explain almost everything. So I was like, oh, cool. I actually understand this. Yeah, it's not that difficult. It's just a lot in such a short period of time. Like if you're imagining being in college, like that amount of information in such a short period of time, you're going to be like, wait, what, 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 what? what? I can't even slow take down, notes. Slow down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Slow down. Let me record this. Give me a PowerPoint or something. So, um, no, but yeah. Because I realized that we kind of ignored her this entire time, I guess before we go into, well, I mean, we're going to go into Revolution, so might as well talk about her through there. We haven't really talked about the Oracle, have we? No, oh, really? we really we really haven't. The Oracle scenes, I thought, re-watching them, I thought they were good. I think they kind of served, I think they kind of served a little bit of a precursor to the Architect stuff. Yes. As far as... Hey, you know, you're going to need to make decisions. You're going to need to discover who you are. And I'm going to kind of give you little leads to go with Mm. to kind of think about and plant in your mind. I really like the Oracle scenes because this is where the philosophy just ends up getting put front and center. But the best Mm -hmm. thing about the the actress, I think Gloria Foster is okay. Hold on. Gloria Foster did the first two, but then she tragically passed away before revolutions right or that's what i thought i i I forgot they had recasted i like the first actress a little bit more Um, maybe that's just being more comfortable or something no i agree um i really like her because she has so much of a warmth to her that she Mm -hmm. everything she says she knows what she's saying she knows that she's being completely deliberate with what is she what she's telling you and i really dig that because you have some that's the thing everything she's saying would feel like something that the architect as an actor would be telling you like the wise old man in a chair like ah this is all this this is this but instead you have just this kind of what feels like it would be your best friend's grandma that you always visit she always has cookies for you and she's always got wisdom for you whenever you're having troubles and i love her she is perfect the cookie scene was in Reloaded, right? Or was it in Revolutions? Uh, Revolutions. Revolutions. But I mean, there's, that's the thing. She's making cookies in all of them, but like they become a bigger focus for a scene in Revolutions. Yeah, I think that's the aspect of her too. She's obviously that kind of like Matriarch. motherly, grandmotherly. Yeah, but also like the way she looks at Neo, it's like there's a softness to her, yes. but it's also like she's staring literally through his soul. Mm-hmm. Like she can see right through him or into his very deepest inner self. Yep. And that's what was really good about that. John, anything? I don't have much to say about her. I love both Gloria Foster and Mary Alice. I think I like Gloria Foster more, but both of them portray the character in a very, like you said, a very grandma way. Mm-hmm. 
you know that she's guiding Neo, but she's also not giving everything away because she cares. She understands the need of him to learn how to walk for himself. Mm. All right, so I th I picked it up this time when we went to go. Well, we I picked it up this time whenever we watched Revolutions that they actually do canonically explain why the Oracle looked different. They were yes, like, they do. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I think the Merovingians sent someone to kill her. Yes, they needed to change. Uh, uh, what's his name again? The the Seraph. Yeah, Seraph explains to Neo that they needed to get her in hiding, so they had to change her looks and change where she was. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Merovingian. Yeah, I have in my notes here, uh, she said, men with power want more power, and Merovingian wanted her eyes. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, uh, so I actually really like how, even though like they, it, I like how they contextualize that she's now a different actress, because whenever they meet her in that like really dark apartment and she's just sitting there and smoking and it's like she looks so defeated like she knows that this is the end game for her now. And I guess we should probably I want to jump to the ending of Revolutions where she's talking to the architect. Uh, no, no, oh, no, sorry. Yeah, it's both of those scenes where in tandem you realize that she's probably the reason for the entire trilogy like she's the entire she told neo some info that probably sent him in a different direction oh, oh no hold on not only that i'm pretty sure maybe she even told trinity that you'll fall in love with him and maybe trying something different about neo's connection to the rest of humanity that that is what she did to basically get all the results that happen in this movie. And you have that scene in revolutions where she's sitting there. She's like, I made a bet. And I, I'm like, I didn't realize that it's probably not going to pay off. It does because of how it ended. But like, she is super doubting about whether what she did in this matrix iteration might end up just ruining everything. Yeah, I know that was a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not disagreeing. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to process it, and I think I kind of understand what you're saying. And I like all of the scenes that she's in, and I like her role, and I like that she's represented as a grandmotherly force character because I think that's it's it makes everyone you know get comfortable and at peace and and trusting, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I do like the very end scene with her and the architect and uh, the architect. Yeah, and the architect just looks. Like he shows up there and he just looks so annoyed. <laughs> he lo he looks like someone he looks like someone who like I don't know lost his wallet or something and he's like looking around for it and he's like where the fuck is it you know <laughs> and she's just sitting there she may as well be like feeding the birds or something yeah. she's like oh I'm just enjoying life and what I did like is that I had forgotten like kind of the exact ending of Revolutions where it kind of ends in that sort of agreement and stalemate if you mm -hmm. will I did appreciate that. So it was, it was a kind of a cute ending uh, in, a, in a way, I thought. All right. So jumping to that ending, just because I this is going to be really important for Resurrections. So that ending where they're talking about what happens next is the idea basically that now it's just like they're going to subtly push away that people can leave the matrix if they wanted to like easier they like they're not going to try and fight to get them back or try to kill the people who are out of the matrix or i don't know they didn't establish those boundaries it's like one of those really dumb coexist bumper stickers i think <laughs> where it's like oh we're just gonna all coexist and be happy and i'm like eh, okay whatever <laughs> but it, it, it's it's kind of i don't know it, it's really kind of myopic right because the machines are all about wanting control and and everything so I, it's like I, I don't think how long that's 
that's gonna last but okay whatever i kind of bought, i mean they say as much i kind of bought it because i mean ultimately i don't know if you want to call it cynical because i think a lot of other movies would have just ended with them completely wiping out the machines and somehow defeating the machines but saving all of the people as well which, which i think does not happen obviously would have been yeah which obviously would have been preposterous right mm. so I, I looking back i was like oh i kind of respect that ending where it's like oh we're not gonna really defeat you we're gonna come to like a stalemate and an armistice if you will or something so yeah i did like that but i don't know do we want to get deeper into revolutions now oh, or yeah, yeah wanna... no, no we're in revolutions now okay yeah so revolutions honestly i think edwin's gonna hate this but honestly i found a lot of this movie kind of boring actually yeah, okay unfortunately especially coming off of reloaded yeah. the whole machine war scene i'm like okay it's a bunch of mechs like shooting machine guns at uh you know kind of squid robots i'm like all right whatever they're trying to do the best with it. like what's his name captain uh, captain mifune yeah mifune i'm like god he's giving it his all he god really bless him is. and like the one sister i think it's this uh the Z sister with her friend yeah, with her friend. Yeah, with her friend. Like, I, I like. It's funny that the white friend is the one that gets killed because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's usually like the the one black guy always gets killed. But yeah, she's gone. He dies. Yeah, and honestly, I had forgotten that Trinity actually dies. And I'm oh? like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how bored I was by the movie. I'm like, oh, I forgot she actually she died. Okay. Failed to the test. Well, because and she has the longest fucking death scene ever. Oh my god! Like yeah. she just refused to die. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the first movie ended with her saving Neo and then Reloaded has Neo um, saving her, saving her. Right. So and then this one, she did. She dies. I'm like, oh, uh, OK. Um, so, um, yeah. And I thought the stuff with Smith, like the concept of him taking over a human was cool. The whole like little slasher movie bit. I was like, eh, I'm not really a slasher movie guy. So that's why I wasn't really um, digging that. But I did like. I did like a lot of the kind of philosophical payoff with um, Neo really confronting his maker, like really directly confronting the machines. And there's that aspect of like, oh, I choose to. Like he he still gets to he still gets to make the choice, and he he confronts them. And um, yeah, I did kind of like it. the The last fight kind of reminded me of the made me numb, like the the end fight in like Superman versus Zod. <sighs> like a Zack Snyder bit, like made me numb. I'm like, Oh, this is like the Kryptonians fighting. Like, Oh, okay. Um, but other than that, I didn't have really many other thoughts. I it's, it is now clearly like by far the weakest of the three, I think. Mm. But other than that, I didn't think it was, I didn't overall, I didn't think it was that bad. I liked a lot of what was in it. So I think I can agree with Boot here because, uh, ah, God damn it. The matrix revolutions is, really the result of you making the Matrix Reloaded so fucking cool. (laughs) And you set up a lot of stuff that it pays off really well, but it's not interesting to see it pay off. I think it's the best way that I can put it because I I don't care about the machine war at all. Uh, There are some cool scenes there, but it's boring. You don't yeah, want to I may see as... that. You want to see Neo, you and you want to see Trinity, and you don't get that. You get like forty minutes of something you barely care about. And yeah, it's ultimately like ultimately doesn't matter because Neo yeah. is already doing what he needs to do. Yeah, it's like it's like watching Terminator Two and then watching that really shitty Terminator movie with Christian Bale. It's like I don't give a shit about this. You know, that's literally what it reminded me of the whole time. It's like I I don't care. This is lame and boring. 
Um, but yeah, that's just me. All right. So, so Revolutions is my Avengers Endgame. This is just I am so invested in all of this shit that like like you you want to know what is my copium for all the Zion shit here? I just really love that all of them are stereotypes. All of them are just paper thin characters that you can kill <laughs> so easily. I love that they're all just out here sh- shouting one liners. I love that the kids like I never finished the training program, and if Winnie's like, "Yo, me neither. I'm gonna die now." <sighs> like I don't like that's the thing. It is so cheese that I can't help but love it. Also, the sound design. Oh my god, I fucking love the squids. I love the explosions. I love the bullet sounds from the big robots. Like, so much of this is just big dumb shit that, like, it clicks in my brain where I'm like, I really like this. But, like, I everything you're saying is like, yeah, yeah, if you don't really go for the cheese, that's okay. If you really just don't care about any of this, that's okay. But what I will say is, though, that the flying of the uh, the ship through the mechanical Logos. lines, fucking dope! Like, uh, I don't know what's going on. All I know is that this thing looks awesome. This thing is drifting around. You've got a shitload of sentinels flying around. Like, I don't know why, but this is all clicking the right parts of my brain. It, it is really cool. I think that... Uh... It is a, maybe it's the best produced out of the three main movies, but I still don't like a lot about it. I I still love it. Don't get me wrong; it's still my favorite, one of my favorite franchises ever. Mm. And but I feel like by that point, it's where you start to get tired of it. I would agree. I think it's when you follow up the Matrix and Reloaded, which are especially Reloaded, which is very very philosophical and deep, and then you get hit with. Uh, you know, a bunch of mechs fighting uh, squid robots. It's like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to do like a war thing now. So, which is fine. And like I said, I talked about it earlier, like Mifune, they do those types of things, like entertaining enough and give it enough spice and energy and variety to where I think they make it um, passable just when compared against the the two predecessors. Um, I don't know if there would ever be a satisfying enough payoff considering if they had to do some type of war against the machines that it would ever live up to that. But yeah, I think in a lot of the the beginning of the movie to me as well was kind of boring. I, oh, yeah. I kind of uh, I kind of note that. I kind of go by how many notes I took and I'm like, I took barely any notes because I was kind of bored. Um, the beginning of that movie is why I feel that Reloaded going right into Revolutions it works so well because it doesn't feel like a like it doesn't feel like a slow beginning. It feels like you're entering like maybe the fourth act of like a really long movie where it's like this is going to be the breather and then we're just going to hit you with a whole bunch of shit. I would definitely agree with that when you when you were talking about making them uh, as we're covering them as kind of like two halves of a whole. I kind of yeah, I kind of understand that um, when you put it in that context. Because, like, that's the thing. Um, I always watch these movies back to back. Like, I'm not going to watch this Reloaded because, to me, it just continuously goes on. So, like, Yeah, and it literally has that cliffhanger, right, of both him and Bane just kind of uh, backed up against each other on the hospital beds. Yeah, and, like, the right, movies so. release six months apart from each other. Like, I feel like that is the shortest amount of time where it probably doesn't cut out the box office. Oh, yeah, and then, I forgot yeah, about that. Wow. that's Honestly, that's fucking insane to think about, that they did that where it was, like, six months and then just back. Like, even Lord of the Rings waited a year in between. I know there's probably way more production that needed to be done that necessitated that, but, like, still, yeah. six months is, like, 
back in like the early 2000s you could have had a movie in theaters for easily a year and still made bank yeah, yeah the, when you add the six month context, I had forgotten about that. I just remember, like I said, yeah. sitting in the theater and being like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" <laughs> I had no idea about that. To be honest, and, that, and then going into revolutions and being like, "Well, I guess this is happening now, so let's get it over with." Yeah, yeah. It, it, it May contextualize the beginning of the, the movie. Yeah, yeah. May fifteenth for Reloaded, and then November fifth for Revolutions, two thousand three. Yeah, that's wild. But yeah, like that. The fact that they released the movie so close just feels like they. Probably probably did want to make it just one movie but i assume probably the budget necessitations and the runtime they're just like yeah just split them so i even that's the problem i think that if you watch these all together basically you still have all of the matrix action and then you have all of the um zion action and it doesn't feel so disparate whenever you treat them as two movies yeah in fact it kind of bore that out i'm looking at um it looks like revolution's terrible only made yeah. just over half of reloaded which is obviously a uh, a response to to the ending of reloaded because yeah. Um, yeah in fact it made less than the original matrix as well i'm showing 466 billion for the matrix and then 741 for reloaded and then 427 for revolutions Correct. so yeah that, that kind of bears it all out there i think revolutions is the beginning of the wachowskis just making movies that disappoint in the box office like and that just kind of makes me sad because like after this i think it's like speed racer and it's like v for vendetta and like most of these movies did not do good box office wise and it's just it, it makes me really sad because i feel like some of these movies they they're not i don't they are i don't expect them to do matrix numbers like that's okay but like i kind of no, but i mean bomb. but i mean like 400 plus million for an r-rated movie is i think pretty good i mean but the like original reloaded, matrix seems... but like reloaded is right there what's up but reloaded had reloaded has yeah almost double yeah it has almost double because it was the follow-up to you know the smash hit but i mean like the original matrix was r-rated but it wasn't really it's not I mean, really there was, yeah, it's not really gory. There's no real sex. I don't think there's really any. I mean, if there's it, if there is any like adult language, it's very minimal. So I think, like we spoke to, it's, it it resonated with because it was pretty accessible. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of content and and what was going on. All right. Oh, so. Wait, holy shit! That's so weird to think about. That the Matrix probably made the same amount of budget as Revolutions. That's that. There's something about that that doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, like I said, like I told you, the Zeitgeist aspect. People were just baffled uh at the end of reloaded it was like what the hell did we just watch it was more like uh, again i don't want god i don't want to use this analogy but like uh, last jedi people were just angry but like reloaded people were just huh? baffled yeah they were just very very confused because it you know it had the, the exposition dump at the end yeah it, it was it, it's there's a very having lived through it directly mm -hmm. i can attest to all of that <laughs> Without a doubt. All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's go to the beginning of Revolutions where he... Oh, wait, no, no, hold on. We didn't even talk about the ending of Reloaded, which is Neo stopping the Sentinels with his mind. Poot, I... Oh, yeah, the... I need to ask you because I, is this something that was bandied about? Did people think, oh, shit, they're still in the Matrix? Or, like, what was people's reactions to that, if you remember anything? Or was it that people were so out on the on the uh, architect scene that they're just like, I don't care? Yeah, I don't know. It was, I remember being, yeah, it was kind of simultaneous confusion and mind-blowing. I'm like, oh, I guess he has like Jedi powers in the real world now or something. Mm -hmm. 
like it was kind of like a uh, I don't know how you that's, that's the best kind of frame of reference I can use for it. It was almost like a Jedi mind control or something. But yeah, it was very very baffling. I think I think it was meant to kind of reinforce that um, he is the one, and his powers kind of transcend. Um, that's the exact explanation that the Oracle uses. Yeah, yeah, they spill over from into the Matrix. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like the oh fuck moment. It was. I think they needed kind of needed one of those because the original Matrix had them in spades. Mm. So it was part of like, how can we up the ante on this? Mm. So yeah, that was definitely something that definitely up the ante mm. uh, from the first film. John, anything about that ending? It was awesome. I, oh. I, don't, I don't have I don't have much to add. I just think really? that when I saw it, I, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was cool. I thought like, oh, okay, this is like, like a, a new step, a new development on the plot. Like there's something more than just oracles and the one and suddenly something starts making more sense you know Hmm. it brings forward the idea that maybe even our reality like even the actual reality and not the matrix isn't as see-through as we imagine that there is more there yeah and i think it was a little bit of a um it was a little bit of foreshadowing to the end of to the end of revolutions as well with uh neo seeing the code of reality after his blinded? Yeah, well, with with confronting the machines yeah. directly as well, it kind of put them on notice. So like, okay, you know, okay, I can, I can, um, this guy I can take you on controlled in, in the, the real world. Yeah, yeah, I can not only take you on within the confines of the matrix, I can take you on in reality as well. So it makes kind of sense. put them on notice. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. That ending to me was just always something that I really liked because. It is basically a refutation of what the Arctic architect says. Like the architect basically brings down Neo. It's just like, dude, you are you're the remainder. You're the one on the dividing side. Okay, like you are useless. You are like, nothing special. Exactly. And then immediately after, he basically uh, he basically learns how to hack Wi-Fi in the real world, and it's just like, <laughs> I installed Bluetooth into my fingertips, and I can control the robots now. So like. I always liked that because it felt like, no, 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 he's still special, even if he is just another one. Like, there's still something special about him. And I really dug the fact that they were able to have their cake and eat it, too. Like, they were able to be like, yeah, you're not special, but you still kind of are. It was a very good payoff, for sure. And like I said, it both served as a payoff and a little bit of foreshadowing Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, It was just really, really effective and i had forgotten all about it because i know when people you know i'm sure when the vast majority of people rewatch reloaded they're like okay we're gonna get to the uh, architect scene and it's like oh there's actually some goodness after that that you tend to forget about Mm -hmm. so all right so because i did mention how i watched these two movies back to back i'll probably talk about that because i watched it back to back with my best friend but then my wife after i watched revolutions with her separately and god it really does make a difference when you can back to back them and when you don't because when you back to back them it's just like okay yeah you know what we had some big hype moment let's go ahead and play it down for a little bit let's keep it quiet and then we're just gonna have action until the end of the movie and it works really well but when you watch it separate and you just watch revolutions alone holy shit nothing happens for like 45 minutes like at all even whenever bane is killing people it's just like yeah whatever who cares whatever okay he's just killing people which like it makes me so sad that 
they couldn't just figure out a way to get these two movies together, even if you needed to shave off like maybe 40 minutes. Like, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, maybe not. But like, I like to believe that maybe we live in a world where the Wachowskis could have been like, hey, we made The Matrix. Can we have a four hour sequel? And Warner Brothers goes, are you fucking insane? Maybe. Dude, can you, I mean, that would be your heaven, right? Like a super long Matrix film with like a little intermission. Oh, Cutting all the fat of revolutions off. Edwin, Edwin, Edwin would be, Edwin would be in heaven. Like, yeah, sure. I'll pay, I'll pay 30 bucks or whatever the theater ticket is. I don't care. Do you know how much I'd pay for the whole bloody affair for Kill Bill? Like, you tell me that there's a cut out there that just makes Reloaded and Revolutions into one movie. I'm done. I'm ruined. I'm just going to watch that on repeat until I actually fucking die. And you have to communicate with me through the Matrix. That's the only way. Yeah, just do a uh, uh, just do the Matrix. And then I don't know what you would call the combination of Reloaded and Revolutions. I don't know. But yeah, do like a director's cut or something. Oh, my God. The Matrix recoded. Yeah, recoded. Yeah, there you go. No. Matrix reprogrammed. Re-added it. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't say this shit because like that's a thing. I, I've talked about it before. In my senior year of college, I edited uh, volume one and volume two of Kill Bill together, and I cut it to as closely as I could to what the whole bloody affair is. I hate that this is an idea now where I what could I cut from Reloaded and Revolutions to make it into one movie and try to get it a little less than four hours. Fuck. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. That's too much of a project. Uh, but yeah. I really like these movies together, but yeah, that beginning for Revolutions is really slow. Uh, now, Poot, okay. I do want to bring up to you because you were talking about Slasher. What exactly is it that bothers you? Because it just kind of doesn't really feel like Slasher. It just kind of feels like, yeah, if Agent Smith were in the real world, he probably would kill one person and just not really care about it and then try to kill Neo. I don't know. I just I just felt he was kind of reductive. And it, I think it's partially, like I said, I think it's partially a me thing. I'm not into like those type of slasher films. That's what it felt like to me. I'm like, oh, okay. I just feel like Agent Smith would have done something more conniving or calculating or something yeah you'd um, think that agent smith will like sabotage the ship right well, I mean, he yeah did. like sabotage the still everyone Sabot- at once yeah like sabotage the ship or trying to crash it into zion or like go kamikaze or something into zion i don't know maybe i think maybe looking back he was just kind of in for it for his own little selfish um i mean that's the thing his obsession is neo like he really doesn't care about the other people he that's the thing in the original movie it feels like he really hates humanity but then in reloaded and revolutions it feels like he's so fixated on neo that it's just like i need to get rid of this guy specifically i think i can understand that i just didn't like the way that the the plot played out mm. with doing that kind of like again i thought it was like kind of a slasher trope i think it didn't really work for me i think it was okay because that guy's performance um oh my God. was so good as doing smith i'm like okay this is they're, they're at least having fun with it i did enjoy it i did like that more or less beat neo's ass pretty well mm-hmm. for a lot of it even though it was kind of weird because like oh, okay he's i don't know is that the first time he ever took over a human body because he was pretty good at it um. <laughs> But I did like that he's still repulsed, like actually being in a human body. He's like this entire thing is—I forget the exact words he used. But he's just like, how nothing yeah, this he, week is supposed to survive. Yeah, he's just repulsed. He's like even more repulsed than in the first movie. He just—I I love it. Uh, they pull it off well enough. 
So, but that's just something I wasn't crazy about. I don't think there would be that much of an issue when it comes to uh, Smith learning how to use a human body because, I mean, maybe he pissed himself a couple of times, but I don't think he's out there long enough to understand how that works. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, I mean, the fact that it seems that if you learn, like, martial arts in The Matrix, that information still transfers over into the real world... I think maybe that's why he just kind of slipped in like nothing. Yeah, I guess kind of. I guess I can understand that. And like I said, the the concept of a machine taking over a human is like super cool, and it's probably a real. It. it I mean, it is actually a, a horror story for them, right? Like that's like their worst possible, worst possible outcome. Like if imagine if like Agent Smith had taken over Morpheus in the real world and was controlling Morpheus, talking to all the people and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I guess in that aspect, it is kind of a horror movie. So they kind of delve into horror movie tropes, but it was okay. It felt like a little bit of a, a different direction temporarily for the movie. It kind of took me, uh, took me aback a little bit, but the resolution was cool with him kind of toying with Neo. He's like, oh, he's basically calling him an idiot. Like, why haven't you figured out who I am yet? Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. So. so I just wanted to throw this out there because this is some line that they, this is an acronym that they throw out in asking like, why is Bane the way that he is? And they're like, yeah. oh, maybe he has VDT. Have you tested him for VDT? Um, VDT is a virtual disease transmission. And apparently that is what it's basically called like that is what it's called whenever a program takes over a human being so this is something that they oh. have an acronym for in that it's world a known issue yeah oh yeah like they actually have an acronym for it so you're just like oh that, god this has happened before that seems like something i would check for everyone as Wait. soon as they unplugged every time yeah. but if that's know. some that's if, if that's even a possibility wouldn't that mean that they if they knew about it, why don't they do something about it? Yeah, How? or at least, like I said, check everyone for it. Don't let don't the know. dude near the one. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like, oh, this is the one guy that survived. How did he do that? I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to think about that. Like, okay. At least when I check the Wikipedia page for VDTs, at least what it has listed there, I assume that it's probably compiling all of the Matrix lore in general, even including games and MMOs and et cetera, et cetera. It says that the only recorded history of this happening is in Revolutions. So I don't understand how they know about this. Oh, wait, no, no, hold on, hold on. At least from what I remember, they're like, have you tested him for VDTs? And they're like, yeah, we tested him. His brain signals are normal. So in other words, it seems that there's a way that you can tell through brain signals that it's them or not. So maybe they do test. Maybe they do test. And maybe because Agent Smith is so different than any other program. Which he is because like whenever they show him. Dude, when they show him and reload it on the screens, Link is like, I don't know who that is. That's a signal I've never seen before. And it's, it's, it's Smith. It's actual artificial intelligence. Yeah. Not just artificial intelligence. Dude, it's it's so weird to think I, I hate this i yeah, hate that's... now that i'm thinking about this it's like fuck did that scene just get better oh, there's also the idea that might not be the only type of vdt maybe there are other diseases that exist from entering the matrix yeah which is stuff that you could probably test and see like their brain signals are a little weird matrix chlamydia and shit <laughs> Okay, so now the idea is is probably that because Agent Smith took over completely and instead of – he's not a parasite. He just is in there now. Maybe that's why he didn't test weird. And so more it's like a virus globbing onto someone else. Like, ah, you're breaking some of those are off. So 
I don't know, but like it's weird to think about that Bane is like he's an actual thing that was written around. I think it's a concept that I would like to see re-explored and hopefully done better. I don't know why they didn't do it in Resurrections because that idea is awesome. I mean, I would in love to see an animatrix they... for it. Oh yeah, exactly. But I mean, uh, even okay, we're not in Resurrections yet, but we're getting there because I don't think there's much else we could talk about Revolutions. Yeah, Revolutions, it's a pretty long movie that doesn't have that much in it. Mm. With Revolutions, we got that. I think we kind of understood how we stand on all of the Zion shit. Uh, The beginning's kind of weak. Um, The fight scene when they get to to the Merovingian, this is something that I want to bring up because when he's talking to Seraph, you know that there's a history between them, but I've also never investigated what that is. Do you guys know anything about that? Or am I just to assume that maybe Seraph was a program that the Merovingians snuck through and then he's like, yeah, by the way, fuck you. I'm going to the Oracle. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things I like in world building where you just kind of um, know there's a history between them. Kind of, yeah, characters have a history and understanding mm-hmm. and you could definitely see the inspirations of that in something like John wick right where a lot of the many the same players were involved mm-hmm. yeah the continental and these like society of assassins and stuff i just like that kind of stuff where god god help us we don't need an explanation for every single fucking thing yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah i like that and like merovingian is obviously he's a like we've discussed he's obviously a person of status within the matrix and seraph just looks and acts cool like he it's- just he's really unflappable he he kicks ass but he also seems to be very kind and obviously very loyal I just kind of like that and went with it. Yeah, it makes so. sense because Seraph is supposed to be like a, a program specifically made to be a bodyguard, you know. Mm. And yes, he could just be all fight, no talk, no personality, but he's the Oracle's bodyguard. Okay, all right. So yeah. in other words, don't worry about it. All right, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, let's see. Do we want to talk about um, Sati and all that? Or do we just want to add that to, okay, so machines can learn a little bit about human stuff. I think so. I think her whole family was, I kind of like that because it's different. It's kind of like different stages of consciousness or waking up. And I like that was that that was explored as let's face it. Right. Like they're using more Brown people who are basically refugees. Right. Again, Mm -hmm. this movie is not subtle. This movie is not subtle. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. Yeah. I did like it. And the, the, um, the father was very soft and tender. Like he, he looked like he looked and acted like someone who wouldn't harm a fly. I love my daughter very right? much. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very soft. He says it with so much genuine. Yes. He's very soft spoken and tender and, and loving. And he wouldn't raise so much as a, as a fingernail to anyone. Um, so yeah, I really liked that. And the one um, smuggler was just like a complete slime ball. <laughs> right. It's like the only way I can really describe him. I really yeah. love the way he just says, I think she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in the world. Like it's just so genuine. Genuine. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I like, that's the thing. I don't need the history of the robots to make me feel bad. I just feel bad for him now. I feel bad for any of the programs that feel like they need to make a deal with a Merovingian to survive. Yeah, exactly. And right, it's like people, it's like I'm sure one of any refugee story who are trying to get from their miserable uh, living existence to some type of promised land. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be pretty or ideal and they may have to break some of the rules to get there and they may have to deal with a lot of unsavory people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did like that little snapshot. Uh, I did uh, appreciate that. All right. I think the Machine City is the only thing we need to touch now for revolutions. Uh, So the Machine City, the way getting there, 
I I don't know. It just clicks with my brain again. I really like seeing Neo use the force to blow up all these robots. I like all the explosions. I love the design of the machine world. I love how terrible it looks. All of this just speaks yeah. so much to me. I love that they are the first human beings in like over a century to see the sun. And they yeah, got that. Oh yeah. man, that, yeah, that scene. Oh man, that was, it still gives me chills. Yes. It's like you just, they're going up and up and up and above all of this complete bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like the worst possible state of humanity. Like it's worse than humanity being wiped out. It's them just being completely subjugated and used as sources of energy. Yeah. Right. And then I guess the point of the movie was, it's like, no, that's not necessarily an entirely permanent way of life mm-hmm. right there is something literally beyond that um so i really really like that even if it, it, it was effective that it was just a snapshot right because yeah. it would have been easy for the movie to just end with oh them being in reality and then all literally sitting out in the actual real sunlight um, hey guys i found like a beatles that, record I, here comes the sun do 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 oh yeah and then i just like i just i just i don't know what i do at that point i just oh i'm hanging go myself find in the hearts cloud yeah, yeah. The sunlight yeah. comes through and destroy the machines wow john has yeah. lived hey goes yeah. how's it going yeah 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 neo changes his name to john matrix or something <laughs> what are we out of the matrix oh. yeah i had and that was another scene i had forgotten too because it was only like two three seconds mm-hmm. like literally just peeking up the above the clouds yeah but um it's, it's beautiful really impactful mm-hmm. yeah very dude yeah okay so how do you guys feel about all the machine city shit because i think i i all of that shit i like the only thing i hate is that trinity is dead and then she continues talking for like the next 15 minutes i like it the design itself is very evocative calculated it it, it, it shows that machines are just that machines they machines they have no concept of beauty mm-hmm. and it's really brutal it's a brutal place and the design itself shows that but it, it's again the like you said trinity is dead neo is blind and it, it's it could, really it could be going better really for them dreading it's a really dreading moment a moment full of dread that it brings out how final that moment is mm-hmm. you know I would agree with that. And I think looking back, it was a pretty ballsy choice to kill her off, especially after, like I said, they did kind of did exchanging, uh, exchanging lives, resurrecting of each other. Yeah. And the movie is literally named Matrix of Resurrection. So you're like, oh, okay, they're just going to obviously, you know, Neo's going to rescue her, revive her, like they have done to each other in the past movies. But nope. Um, the whole interaction with the, I don't know what the hell you would call that thing. The, the Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, okay, I guess that's how they're manifesting this. All right, whatever. Uh, that's why I wasn't like totally crazy about the machine city. I'm like, okay, I guess it's kind of cool to get a big kind of snapshot of what it all looks like. Uh, but it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz thing. It's like when you look behind the curtain, yeah. it's never going to be as satisfying as how you imagine it. So I really like the Deus Ex Machina because I like how it just seems like these robots are so fucking bitter about humanity and like they see this man and they're just like, the fuck do you want? He's like, look, I'm here to try to help you. And he's like, can you shut the fuck up for one goddamn second? You remember the last time that we tried to help each other? We remember. I know you don't, but we do. So I really like just how bitter they are because like when you see the animatrix, it's like yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I think it's also kind of like the way the architect was as well, which I think kind of makes sense, mm-hmm. right? You think they would kind of parallels in their way of thinking. I just didn't like the way it was physically 
manifested like the little i don't know what you would call the it face. Like the, yeah the face yeah, was kind of like eh, okay whatever again it's it's like one thing it's they have to manifest it some way right it can't just be like talking out of thin air out of nothing but um, i kind of dig it. yeah I, I did like i did like how annoyed they were uh i liked it they were very bitchy it was funny i dig it because i like the idea that the robots are like these fucking apes are so dumb they need faces to identify with each other can't they just understand zero zero one 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 zero zero and just kind of understand what i mean uh, pull up a face so then maybe he understands how fucking annoyed we are with all of them <laughs> yeah i can understand that like they took the most generic i mean it's a baby symmetric face. It's literally nondescript. A baby face. yeah 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 that's funny <laughs> like just don't even try just go to the first it's like it's like, like selecting the first option it's like selecting every every single a option in the multiple choice <laughs> test like, just go through and select the first one just go whatever move on St- so. starting a don't dark Souls game and just being like default 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 yeah default. don't yeah don't think about it too hard. yeah exactly <laughs> okay so now poot because you said it just becomes noise for you at some point that final fight is fucking awesome to me and i don't know how much of that is the music because like that song is just i don't think there's ever going to be anything else that ever gets that epic again for just a trilogy i did like what actually i don't know this may sound a little bit pretentious but the fight the surface level fight itself didn't really resonate with me that much because again we've been exposed to so many epic action scenes in the previous films but there was one part i think i think when like smith has him in a headlock or something has him some type of hold he's like talking to him and he's like, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep going on? Oh, it's at the very end um, when, after they smash into the ground. Yeah, after they smash. And he's like, is it about freedom, truth, peace, or love? And he just has like this really condemning statement about humanity where he says like illusions or vagaries or perceptions are temporary constructs by a feeble human intelligence to desperately justify existence without mean or purpose. Meaning or purpose, artificial as nature itself, and only, only the human mind can invent something as insipid as love. So that right there, he just kind of like has a condemnation for everything that Neo stands for, including love um, itself, which I think was the final thing that really set him off, right? Because I think obviously Trinity had had already died at that point, right? So that's the thing that really, really set him off is like, okay, you're going to condemn all these aspects of humanity, you know, hope and belief and imagination. But this the thing you condemn the most is love. And it's just, well, he's going to say, fuck you. It's time to really settle this. So I think that's what really gave the actual fight meeting, even though, like I said, the fight itself was obviously epic. It just felt like, I don't know, it felt like a little bit of this Superman and Zod fight from a Man of Steel to me, where it's like, okay, it, be- got, it became a little bit numbing at some point. But that is something that really struck me and resonated with me about the fight. This so. entire fight to me, what people got with the Dark Knight Rises, where every single line in that opening is a meme, this for me was that, like, this is the proto version of me knowing every line and not realizing it. Like, I love the Mr. Anderson. Welcome back. You like what I've done with the place? Yes, I know it ends. I've seen it. And I'll be the one who beats you. Uh, why do you do it, Mr. Anderson? Why fight? Why keep going? Like, I, oh, what is it? Oh, the line that was specifically in my head the entire time I was watching this is, why, Mr. Anderson, why would you persist? Like, yeah, like, yeah, I think that that was the same. It's kind of the yeah, connected it, uh, scenes and quotes. That, yeah, it's 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 it really is. It, it's a really good culmination. Obviously, the fight itself is a culmination, but it's also like the kind of the competing ideologies and philosophies. Is it over? Um, which, yeah, like, I really appreciate that scene. Not only the the dialogue is really well written, but the production as well is awesome. I think if you, I don't know if you've seen the the extras of how they made it 
all those the, Agent Smiths. Yeah, what they did is that they made um like a whole bunch like people were wearing masks of yeah silicone Agent masks. Smith. Yes, and there were like a lot of really basic uh, mechanical Agent Smiths. Mm-hmm. Then the ones that the people that were behind mechanical Agent Smiths just moved their heads with hit with the with their arms mm. as they look to the side so it gave them movement as they were doing everyone uh, at once without looking like stupid cg i actually still really love this fight because i okay so the way that i always interpreted okay that's the thing now that we're here i should probably explain how i like seeing neo and agent smith i always saw neo as the anomaly and the whole point of the matrix is to try to make sure it stays in balance so neo already introduces an imbalance which is why you have him being just pretty much normal at the beginning but then progressively with each movie he gets more powerful i saw agent smith as even though he wants freedom out of the matrix he is still a function of the matrix because the matrix is using agent smith as a way to keep the matrix in balance so as more powerful as neo becomes agent smith becomes way more powerful so by the time that basically agent smith breaks the matrix and makes everyone into him he has become so powerful that the matrix as a formula goes well you're really powerful we kind of have to balance this out because if not, we're going to lose all these human beings. So we're going to have to buff Neo for everything that he does now. So that entire ending to me is like in my brain, the power creep has basically been already explained to me by the fact that the Matrix is a formula that is constantly trying to stay in balance. And honestly, I just really like how ridiculous that ending gets with their fight. I love that they're flying. I love that they're throwing each other through the walls. The rain is fucking awesome. The music is just punching even harder. All the rain effects are just something that is just so cool to me that I don't understand how to explain beyond just all of this works for me that even the power creep makes sense to me i don't disagree with anything that you've said there and i think ultimately when you come to a culminating fight after three movies i think you kind of need to do something really epic like that and it can't really be a a big gunfight or something right because that's not really as intimate or or personal you can't go back to the train yeah you can't you can't go back to the train you can't do guns has to be something really intimate and personal like that which is fine i think uh, most other movies it would obviously wouldn't have been near as good and Obviously, having Hugo Weaving's performance still there um, drives it. Do you think that maybe it's just well. too much for you? Like, like, do you think it's just like you could probably cut this down and like made it quicker? Maybe. Like I said, I think back then, back then it worked on its own. But again, like after we have so many mind-numbing action movies, like I really I brought up like uh, the Bat- uh, Superman versus Zod fight and Man of Steel. That's what it really like. They're literally flying and throwing each other into buildings. I mean, they're not very. Again, they're not very subtle about it um like that it's like they're two superhuman people fighting that um they're basically like gods in their environment right the so the ultimate combination of good yeah. versus evil yeah they may as well be like kryptonians on earth you yeah know, and for, it's for all intents and purposes i feel like in the in the series that revolutionized a lot that last fight feels very by the books you have the villain spouting one-liner not not one-liners but his philosophy at the main guy that just 
keeps fighting and getting angrier and trying and trying and he can't beat the villain. God, you're just making me realize that the cheese that's in Zion sets me up perfectly for this ending. Yeah. And in the end is... And, a, and again, when you're dealing with the culmination of these three movies, I don't know... Like with the Machine City, I don't know that anything would have really lived up to it, right? Like, yeah. And he, and like I said, Hugo Weaving makes it work just barely overall with the whole philosoph- philosophical stuff. So Yeah, especially when you have an APEC with Reloaded. Yeah. How do you go yeah. down from that and go back up again without feeling boring or too over the top or mm. too by the yeah. books? It's yeah. something very hard to do. That's Revolutions, I think. I don't think there's anything else, is there? No, I mean, I, I think overall I like Revolutions more because I, after I appreciated um, Reloaded more, I, I didn't have like the kind of, I don't know if bitter taste in my mouth. The turnaround? Probably too strong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it Reloaded, uh, me liking Reloaded more, I think helped helped raise up Revolutions as well. And I understood more of it and I appreciated more of what it was going for like you said with a little bit of the cheese aspect of it do you think that maybe now because we've been so starved by just big budget imaginative movies that you may have just even liked that differently more now (laughs) yeah I think so I think broadly I appreciated all three movies even more um, as an adult right with a lot of the really dense more philosophical stuff that they delve into so yeah, and I think I think revolutions. Even though, like I said, I think it's easily the weakest of the three. Yeah. I still um, like it more than I used to. Yeah, I'm very negative on revolutions, but I I really do like the movie. I think it's bigger than the sum of its parts. Mm. You know, especially considering it's the end of this huge trilogy, right? It, it gets to a point where you have to look at it on a grand level, like not just one movie, but the whole trilogy as its own you know because it is ending everything you know it's not just the ending of this movie it is the ending of the entire story Mm -hmm. all right now i still love this movie every single time i watch it i still love it as much as i love the others i'm so i don't understand okay the entire time i've just been in this movie's camp and at the end of the day I still really love it. I still watch it with Reloaded because those two back-to-back slap really hard. And re-watching them honestly makes me miss the days of trilogies. I miss the days where a movie came out and if it was very successful. They went, all right, two more, and then we're good. Um, but no, now it's cinematic universes and we don't have endings. And because of that, I know we're never going to get another Navras. I mean, sorry, Navras. Now, Navras is the song that plays in the final fight, and honestly, I need more shit to be as exciting as that song is, because after I hear that song, I want to learn how to fly, and it might end up killing me because I want to, but man. Too bad, Evan, what you get is Resurrections. Yeah, and and I will say again, the movie has a, I think, a relatively ballsy ending for a trilogy, like, you know, like... um, Trinity's dead, and it doesn't really end in like a real victory. It ends. I mean, Neil's dead too. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. And uh, it ends in basically like a stalemate or an armistice. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't really defeat them. It's just like, oh, they they came to an understanding. I guess would be the would be the most accurate uh, way to describe it. So yeah, I, I, I that's one thing I really appreciated about the movie. All right, now it's so good that the Matrix ended after Revolutions. It was so good that another movie never came out, and they never decided to reopen the door. Ha! No. Uh... <sighs> yeah, accurate. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um. Yeah, I 
the more that I think about this movie, the more I get annoyed with it. But at the end of the day, I'm also still glad that out of all the possibilities where this movie exists, we at least got this because we know it could have been way worse. Way worse. Yeah. So Boot. let's start. Uh, get the get the bonk ready again. All right. Who? You guys ready? Uh, Bugs? Bonk? Uh, you you, you uh, can have it. That's you. you. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, no. So you, you can bonk me. Go okay, ahead. Okay, bonk. Get it over with. Okay, good. All right, good. Okay, let's get what we liked about this movie out of the way. All right. What I did like this movie is how much it focused on Neo and Trinity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Basically kind of being the MacGuffins of the movie. I was like, oh, okay. So I think I watched like one trailer for this movie because I'm like, I don't I don't really want to know anything. I'm going to watch it. I don't really want any expectations going in. Um, I didn't like the one trailer I watched. I think we had all discussed it was it didn't look like the Matrix at all. So I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> we, we we were still right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I did I did like that Neo and Trinity were MacGuffins, and it really did center around them. But it made the pacing. I guess this is kind of a negative. It made the pacing really really weird for me. It felt like it went, and then they found they woke up Trinity, and then it just really ended abruptly. I felt that was the way I felt overall about the overall pacing of the movie i i mean the the meta stuff is just it's like a dump truck of meta just unloaded on your front yard Mm -hmm. i think i liked neil patrick harris i even liked jonathan groff i liked that they cast two of like the kind of the most smarmy kind of typical white guys as the sort of uh villains i guess villains (laughs) i like that agent smith was like a i don't i wouldn't even call him an anti-hero he was kind of like a um in and out kind of uh i don't know what you would call him like a foil i guess for Neo, I think like Edwin, you kind of said like his opposite. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. the allegiances were kind of in and out. He's like, oh, we're we're no longer allies at one point or something, temporary allies. His yangs um, to Neo's ying. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, those were my general thoughts. Without delving into specifics too early, what did you guys take it away? All right, I personally think this movie actually sucks. I really do think this is a bad movie, but that's the thing. Like John had said about how Revolutions has a whole bunch of bad parts, but it ends up being better than the sum of its parts. I really think that this movie is a lot of good parts that get completely let down by how boringly it's shot. Like this movie looks like no one told Lana Wachowski that you are not doing Sense8 on Netflix now. You need to make <laughs> a movie. And well, she brought the cast, <laughs> which to, yeah. someone should have told them too. Okay. Someone should have told them too. <laughs> but like, man, this it's so funny because I watched this movie twice, right? I watched it the first time and I was just like, oh my god i want to go on my phone so badly and that's a bad place to be in if you're watching a movie i did not get off my phone i did not i just kept watching it and there was so much meta text that i kept finding all that i was like oh i'm just eating through this this is delicious right but Every single time that I would actually watch this movie, I couldn't help but feel bored. And that's the first time I watched it. The second time I watched it, I had it on my phone on the background while I worked. And then every once in a while, I'd go and take off notes. And the funny thing is, is that through the process of not watching it, I got more positive on it because I couldn't see how fucking boring it was. That is, Were you excited at all yeah. to watch this movie? Okay, so I actually pulled it up on the list, right? 
uh, episode 15, right? I listened to the Matrix composer's commentary, right? And I used that as an excuse for me to talk about the trailer on the main episodes. And from that trailer, if you want to hear like fresh thoughts, go there. But I'll try to reiterate. I hated that trailer. I looked at that trailer and I was like, this looks like an SNL skit of the Matrix. <laughs> And they had Keanu yeah. Reeves hosting this one episode so they could actually get him in the skit. I could tell right off from the offset that this movie was going to look wrong. And I was right. You were right. But let me let me tell you, I, I went into this movie completely dreading it because yep, I, I knew that they couldn't possibly ever live up to The Matrix. And they were right. And I was... <laughs> I was actually pleasantly surprised because I, I, when the movie started, I was like, why am I watching Metal Gear Solid 4 with the <laughs> flashback, with the flashback quick time events? I'm, I'm hitting X and then you see the yeah. seeds from the original Matrix pop up. Yeah, and that was super annoying me until the scene where basically they wait, yeah, they were going to make the movie either way with or without us. Mm. So, uh, well, let's do it, you know. Mm. And I felt like that, that was so that scene was so important for me to enjoy the movie because, like you said, the action sucks. The, the so it is shot. It is shot in a it's so boringly. Yes, there is nothing special about it. And the soundtrack, which is something oh. that it's so iconic. It did nothing for me. Dude, it feels like such an insult when you see the Warner Brothers logo and you hear the strings rise and fall like they do. And then nothing ever sounds like the Matrix again unless they're actually doing the exact same soundtrack from the beginning. Yeah, but in the end, I think it paid off for me. I came out the other way with a completely opposite opinion of the movie Mm. than you, Edwin. Because in the end, I really liked it. There are a lot of parts of the movie where I just hated it. I was like, yeah, I know this isn't supposed to be Remember the Matrix, but you're still doing it. So it's still Remember the Matrix, you know? It's You're still just calling back shit from the past and expecting me to feel something about it, even if you are making fun of it. So let's jump to the beginning, because like I feel like the beginning was the first thing that had my brain just like frying itself. And like, I was like, oh, I'm going to be reading into this shit, all of it. And I, okay, that's the thing. Everyone talks about, the lack of subtlety at least we have for sure that beginning this is the least no, no this one has even less than the others and it the others done. we thought <laughs> were already unsubtle yeah this movie has them being not subtle and they're also telling you they're being not subtle at the same time exactly it's, by it's the like, way oh. it's the exact same scene with flashbacks to the old scene so yeah. i really dig the beginning because the beginning of the movie is literally lana just throwing up her hands in the air like look i know you guys think i'm gonna do this shit again i'm not i'm sorry and if i try to do it again you're gonna hate it so like that entire scene where they're redoing the opening of the original matrix and it's so much worse than the original matrix and then you even have bugs going like yeah this is wrong this is this shouldn't be happening like this and i was like wait did she just say what i was thinking 
what the what, what the fuck is going on here like that was the moment where i started getting shaken up where i was like oh okay i have to pay attention then i was ready to just sleepwalk through all of this like if i was watching rise of skywalker or something but like the fact that the movie very often whenever i thought something the movie would repeat it back i was like how the fuck do you know what i'm thinking what how do you know this it's something that I will say, the movie really cleverly manipulates you into assuming things. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that when Lana Wachowski was directing the movie, or writing it, she knew that, oh yeah, this is the point where something's gonna think, yeah, I know, get on with it. Mm-hmm. And then the movie get on, get, tells you, yeah, hey, I know that you're bored, we're getting on with it. And then it get on with it. It's so weird because it feels like this movie is so hyper aware of its audience that that level of control of what the audience is feeling at a certain moment feels like that alone should be worth commending. But it's also like you have all this power and you're just using it for this. In a way, it feels, how do you put it? Just condescending. I don't know about condescending. I feel like it's almost like it's leveling with you. It just feels like we know what you're thinking of this and we agree. Ah, yeah. I think it's it's very clear that she didn't want to make this movie. Oh, easily. It's very clear. But it's also clear that she knows that since she's doing it, she might as well do something special to her at the very least. Mm -hmm. Poot, anything about that opening? Yeah, I was going to say the opening, I was kind of laughing a little bit because i'm like okay i think they're just going to go on like a real huge meta commentary streak and they obviously do that throughout the vast majority of the movie the opening i didn't like that they had even more exposition as far as like the idea of a modal i'm like oh okay they're just kind of like throwing it at you i don't know how far in the opening do we want to get like i liked um i actually kind of like agent thing the agent becoming um morpheus i think it's kind of the yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay. Mateen, the second. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. I'm like, okay, we're doing something a little bit Here's interesting Here's the thing, now, though, right? with that. That is so fucking cool on paper. Can you expand yes. on it, maybe? Can you show me how no. Morpheus and the it. agent are I together now it. instead of it just being fucking Morpheus again? Yeah, yeah. Like the pre- Again, again, it's, it's a running theme of this movie. Like, the premise is cool, but it's... I do have uh, a question yeah. about that. Uh-huh. Is that version of Agent Smith slash Morpheus something that Mr. Uh, Thomas Anderson coded into yes. the Matrix? No. That is bizarre. No, no. No, I know that he coded it. Hmm. Wait, I, I don't get it then. Okay, so in my brain, the way that I explain this is that Thomas Anderson is making the Matrix video game, and basically he created an AI in there for morpheus in his video game and then he just kept him in this little box repeating the opening of the movie over and over and over again and the way that in my mind it works is that he basically created a morpheus ai to be in that loop over and over and over again until he started getting traits from agent smith so what bugs is breaking into in the beginning of the movie isn't exactly oh yeah yeah, makes sense. It's yeah. not the Matrix itself. It's a, it's a program they, within the Matrix. It. Yeah, it's a program within the Matrix. She's breaking into a video game in the Matrix. Yeah, 
God, that's so that makes, fucking weird. That makes the the Matrix so much cooler. <laughs> oh my god but yeah okay so a couple of things that i took in my notes here because like i did take notes for this one um there's one here's the thing this is what bothers me so much about this movie is that occasionally it'll give me a crumb of like a really cool idea and one of them was that in the opening scene they have these lens flares on some of the agents and the lens flares look like puppet strings on the agents and i'm like is that intentional or not? Because that looks way too clean and way too intentional. And then that just ends up pissing me off. Cause it's like, if that's intentional, why the fuck isn't stuff like that in the rest of the movie? Oh yeah. I don't know. This movie is I frustrating. think it's not intentional because when there is intentional shit, like, you know, Neo having a different appearance, uh, you see that through reflections. That was really cool. Actually, yeah. before the movie, brings your attention to it you can already see it through reflections mm -hmm. that he's not keanu reeves oh know? no no bugs looking at him and it's an old man and then when they zoom yeah. in it's it's, it's jeff bezos <laughs> but yeah like it's so much in this movie where it's like in the entire beginning too if you put a side-by-side -side of all the trinity scenes in the beginning and then you do it to the original matrix you just realize why is everything lit so brightly why does this look like a cheap TV show? Why does this look so less grimy than the original? And oh my god, just thinking about all the yeah, visual the only, shit makes me want to fucking die. The only thing I can think of is that it was deliberate. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't I know. They were trying to make it like an update to the Matrix or something to further try to trick Neo or something. I don't no, but know. then they do it for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that's yeah. planned, that's on purpose, because one thing that I really like about the old movies is that when you're in the Matrix, you know the way the movie is shot is completely different. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not just the green tint, it's, it's everything, it's lighting, it's even, to a certain extent, it's the style yes. of, of cine cinematography, you know, and the issue that I have with Resurrections is that it's way too clean, Yes, like, Everything is way too clean to the point where IO doesn't feel like a, a dystopian future. Yeah, IO feels like, I, like I can live there. Yeah, and the Matrix doesn't feel like the Matrix. I don't know if that, that there's a purpose mm. in that. Like, yeah, this is sixty years after the Matrix has evolved, and there's less there's failures yeah, in the systems, but it doesn't seem like it's on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the only thing I can really deduce. It's supposed to reflect how. I don't know, I don't want to use this word again, but it's like how society, so mm -hmm. to speak, has evolved and progressed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But still, I don't like it. Like like I told you guys, I, I'm sure you were the same way. I saw that initial trailer, and I'm like, what I, the hell is why this? Why does it look like that? Yeah, why does it look like that, right? It's supposed to be like, I don't know, It's they're trying to set you up for like, oh, this is utopia, everything's perfect. But actually, it isn't. But yeah, I, I think I kind of just... I will say it kind of... I don't know if it left a bitter taste in my mouth, but it kind of stuck in my craw for the rest of the movie to where I'm like okay, this thing is obviously never going to be what we saw before. Um, so I tried to give it as fair of a shot going through the rest of the movie. But yeah, it, it was just, that aside, it just was overall really messy to me, even though I kind of liked the ending of the movie, oddly enough, in a way. Um, oh, we'll, we'll get I don't there. know if we want to jump that far ahead. No, but, the thing is, yeah, I feel we'll like there, this but... movie is just so much that I feel like chronological is the only way that we're going to not lose our minds doing yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> 
think we all liked the concept of a uh, of an agent becoming uh, Morpheus. The new Morpheus. That was well, cool. No, no, that's the thing. Um, it's it's a Morpheus AI learning how to become an agent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When you when you put it that way, that makes sense. Mm. Which is why it pisses me off because it's like we took him out before he became even more interesting. <sighs> Okay, you know what? Yeah. Let's go into the real, well, the new world where Neo is a video game developer and his yeah. his company is called Deus Machina. And what was the name of the last person in Revolutions? Deus Ex Machina. Huh. Uh, get, uh, yeah. Lana, get your finger off my nose, so, please. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about this. So there was only the one, I guess this isn't really a spoiler, that the post credit scene was that only one, right? Yes. Where they're in the little office again. Mm, correct. Yeah, so I liked that because, so like here in Austin, they have a lot of what I come to call tech bros. I yeah. mean, Edwin, you probably know the reference, right? Yep. It's like a lot of really millennial people. Their company is usually centered around software development. Yep. They work out of these places called WeWorks. They're like temporary office space that you can rent in a high rise. They're all about their new hipster trending stuff. I joke that they have kombucha on tap, um, et cetera. So I did like them parodying all of that. So I got a good chuckle out of all that stuff. That was funny. But Jesus Christ, his one little... I don't know, the, the chubby friend. I called him Meatloaf because he reminded me of Meatloaf, the singer. <clears throat> God, I hated him so much. He was so goddamn annoying. I, actually, I think that's the point. I mean, okay, yeah, so yeah, that's it. the point. But the idea is that to me, he's supposed to be a representation of the most annoying things that the Wachowskis saw from their fan base. Like, I feel like that's what he's supposed to be. It doesn't excuse him for yeah, being annoying, there, there but was like, just, he's still annoying. There was just too much of him. Like, I, I got the point after like one or two scenes, but it was like, it felt like he was in way too much of the movie, at least for the first half. And he's not even like, oh there God, that just... much. It just feels like he's no, so overbearing. He's just... He is that much. God. Yeah, he is that much. He was just like, I literally wanted to physically like push him away. Like, please get away from that. But it, um, Well, then you can say that the movie was doing something nice because I think that's exactly his purpose. It's something to... He is the handler. Than he should. Yeah, and push Neo down whenever Neo tried to go away from this sad path that the machines put for him. Like, that's the thing. I There's so much of this movie, like, all the shit that he talks about whenever they talk about what the original Matrix meant, and he's like, two words, bullet time! Like, I feel like he's the person that just saw that, all that, and then went as surface level as possible and was like, ah, I hate all this. Like, I don't know how to explain him besides, I think he's supposed to be just the punching bag of the people who really like the original Matrix. Yeah, I can understand that. And I think it's probably my broad reason why I don't like the movie, because I feel like really with any franchise, once you start getting into really heavy meta commentary yeah. about your franchise and what surrounds it, I unfortunately think you've more often than not just run out of ideas, mm. um, which I don't think is the case with this movie, because we have that idea about the the agent and Morpheus. So it's like, why are you doing this shit? You're above this. That's like my core frustration with this movie. Yeah. It's like, you're above this kind of I don't know. I, Method. I, don't know wanna, I wanna call it reactionary, but it's yeah, it's just like it's like cheap and and I think it's kind of cheap and shallow to delve, to dive into meta commentary about your franchise and, and what surrounds it. I think um, it's because if given the choice, Lana Wachowski would rather do another Animatrix than another full blown matrix. Yeah, see, I don't you know that, so that could that could very it, well it, be. It, I think that comes from a place from frustration from herself you know which i think is also funny because they literally also released that uh, matrix i don't know that that the, whatever the that experience experience yeah yeah that real experience it was just very very funny it's like she saw they were doing that as well and she's like well fuck this i'm gonna make some commentary about literally um the thing they're making, know, making me do matrix a corporate product yeah 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 which is um which i don't know i think in and of itself is cynical because it's still being 
you it know, still is that uh, funded yeah. by WB and everything. It still is is itself a corporate product. But yeah, I, I just. I think you're doing meta commentary, but you also want to do another Matrix movie. It's like, okay. These two things can't um, exist. Yeah, yeah. That's why I really didn't. The movie was never really going to gel with me as soon as I realized, like, okay, they're just going to unload a dump truck of, of meta commentary on me. Never fully worked for me. But I, I did enjoy the meta commentary because it wasn't okay. just about the existence of the movie itself. It's more a commentary on the industry as a whole and the fan base yeah. and the movie itself. And. Mm -hmm. Probably Lana Wachowski herself, you know, like you said, it's a very cynical movie. Yeah. If I had to describe it with one word, would be cynical because. Do uh, you know what? How? What was the budget for the movie? Uh, that's a thing. I don't. One ninety? Are you fucking kidding? Yes, I think. What? Two hundred million. How do you Where? spend two hundred million dollars yeah, not... to make a movie that looks like it was made with fifty million dollars? You know, that's not surprising. Unfortunately. It feels it's like, like it was on purpose. Hollywood, it's like a standard Hollywood big movie budget at this point. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that's and that's another thing. I think when you delve into meta commentary, like immediately after, when you have something kind of thought provoking, like I said, I don't want to bring this up again, but it's like the Agent Smith Morpheus thing. It's like you can't have both things coexist and it be a, I think, a, a cohesive satisfying movie for me like if you want to do a full-on meta commentary movie that's fine i just find those two types of things when you have like genuine exploration of philosophy also you have meta commentary like i think you can have both i just don't think those two things can coexist within one movie but yet i think that this whole meta commentary thing with the movie was the best way to go because if they genuinely genuinely I would, I would agree. to make a proper sequel to the matrix right yeah. uh, it would have been shit it doesn't matter how good it would be it would have been shit because it would not have been the original matrix you cannot yeah. live to those expectations yeah i would be inclined to agree and uh when if you're going to pick between the two do the meta commentary especially with how all of this has played out right like it's been some time between the movies um they wanted to do a bunch of i don't know some other cockamamie horrible ideas so I think I definitely err on that side um, with doing the meta commentary, but I think the movie that we ultimately got just clashes with itself, which is frustrating. The meta commentary was something that had this movie not had, I would have been way more negative on it than exactly. anything else. The whole meta commentary, basically, it, it was the perfect excuse for me to not be even more negative than what I was for this movie. The fact that the That's meta rough. commentary is there made me realize that this movie is not Jurassic World, where Jurassic World, that movie fucking hates itself. That really, really does. And the fact that the movie hates itself, but then at the very end, it just becomes everything that it hates like I really don't enjoy that movie because it is so cynical. This movie is so cynical too, but like the level of self-hatred for this movie is so high and so consistent and it never wants to do what that cynical commentary does. I don't know how to explain it. Like it doesn't give up like Jurassic World does at the end, but there are pieces where it gets really fucking close to giving up. But like the fact that it Oh, no, go for it. Go for it. I, I feel like... No, gonna... no. Uh, I was just going to say that it feels like the movie... It feels like it, it gets 
to have fun with itself, you know? I don't think those it moments has fun. Were, I think it hates those itself mo- so much. No, I think that th- those moments where the, the meta commentary and the, the cynical stuff stops and you have, like, an actual movie probably isn't that good. It's when it tries to have fun with itself, like the Merovingian. You know, that scene. Dude, I yeah. I hate the Merovingian. Like, if we're jumping there, he was really good for, like... Fi- hold on, I'm gonna scroll down to my notes, because, like, the Merovingian is good for, like, two or three minutes. But then as soon as he's like, and nobody talks anymore, you're texting it, and I was like, I hate this. This man isn't who he is anymore. He's just every single Facebook thread of boomers. I love the yeah. Mer- I, I actually, I hated the Mer- Merovingian until his last line, and then I loved him. I hated that. <laughs> it was... Well, as soon oh, as... Oh, my God. As soon as... as, soon he, as, as soon, again, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like... Again, they're not subtle, right? There's no, no. subtlety in this, so they give you, like, a first impression right away. I think away. that was the line, though. And I think the Merovingian crossed the line of, like, okay, you don't have to be that obvious. And then the Merovingian... Well, the sequel reboot remake! The spin-off! Oh, my God. <laughs> Why is he Russian now? <laughs> I don't know, man. All yeah. I know is, like, I was like, shut the fuck up. You are ruining this. And especially because that entire fight scene... <laughs> in that warehouse it's terrible he wouldn't shut up the fight scene yeah, is so fight scene. bad the, like that's where i think the movie actually indulges way too much in remember the matrix when they had that fight down in the bathroom i was like this is cut this is cutting way too close that you're fucking up that perfect balance of letting me know that you don't want to indulge that entire spot is so indulgent like i hate this yeah i did like that the merovingian was basically like a punching bag and i was thinking evident as soon as he showed up like oh really he looked like a homeless guy, I loved it. right? Basically, I he was, as soon as I realized, like instantly, that he was going to show up to be a punching bag, I thought that was hysterical, and that's why I couldn't like, like obviously, this movie doesn't take itself all that seriously at all whatsoever. So that's why I don't really despise it. So th- that was an example of like, okay, I don't need to get too upset about this movie um, at all. And yeah, like the whole action scene was terrible. It was like something out of a CW, yes, cheesy TV show. I'm like, oh, this is so bad. Just, but that, and yeah. I don't know what his point was though because it feels like he is so redundant to what the entire beginning of the movie is where like that's the thing it's not (laughs) what just basically what is it but then okay you see now we we have no ideas we need this remember the matrix because we do and we have to do this shit again that's the thing here's the mirror vision you liked him the movie at the very (laughs) beginning kind of feels like it wants to put up a fight like it's like i hate that i exist but i'm at least gonna try and do something different yeah. And the Merovingian is like something where it feels like the movie gives up. And I don't like it when this movie gives up and just goes, hey, here you go. This is the shit you wanted, right? It's like, no, you were supposed to be better than that. I yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> that scene is so bad. The, 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 the fight scene is awful. Yeah, exactly. I think what it is yeah. is that maybe you put the Merovingian away from some of that shit. I would have been like, okay, maybe this is okay, but it's just an in a, in escalating. A nice suit and everything? No, 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 no. I love that he's a homeless man. Like the, Neo did change shit in the Matrix, so that would probably fuck up the establishment. And the Merovingian is obviously part of the establishment as well. Yeah, I can understand. I think you, what you're saying is you want him to still kind of be like this homeless guy, but not in that context of showing up out of nowhere and being like a whiny boomer on Facebook about revenge. Wanting revenge. Yeah. I like meta text. He was just text. 
there was no reading into it at all. Whenever you just yeah. hand me some shit on a plate like he does, like, no, 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 dress it up a little bit. Make me fight a little bit for it. This man doesn't do that. He's just out here saying the entire He's out here well, doing the plot. There was nothing subtle about him at all, right? Dating back to the original movies. I mean, he was very forward and flamboyant. I mean, he freaking gave a woman an orgasm in the movies, right? <laughs> so there's nothing There's nothing subtle about him. He's very forward and aggressive. Um, but Am I weird for saying that this is the line? Like, this is where I draw the line? Is that what it is? I mean, again, the, the line was drawn for me where it's like, okay, I can't, I can't get too upset at this movie because I'm just laughing at this point Yeah. Um, at the Merovingian. So. What I will say, though, is that as someone that really liked this movie at, at the end of it, someone that came out of it with a positive outlook on it, that scene is the culmination of what's wrong with it. <laughs> I think that's what it is because it's it's not well shot. It, it's not well. It, it is well shot. Yeah, no, well it's well shot. shot. Yeah, it's well shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's not well shot. It's it's shitty choreography. It's trying too hard to pull back the the roots of the Matrix and kind of missing the point at the same time. It's everything that the, this movie does right. It ceases to do right in that scene. Mm. That's, I, I think that's what it is, but I think the problem is is that the rest of the movie feels like it's so at least smart. Like, it knows what it's doing, and whenever it's bad, it always feels like it's with intention. I feel like the level of bad outweighs the intention at this scene, and that's where the moment, like, it really tips for me. Where I think after this, I don't really have that much that I enjoy, because after this, they're pretty much purely in the Matrix. There's a couple of stuff I enjoy, but, like, then it it leads into that final action scene that's just so fucking boring that basically becomes a zombie movie and it was like a lot of this has just gone down the shit yes yes yeah i like the swarm i, I, I thought that was it. really neat i love the I really, idea okay i love the idea of some motherfucker just dive bombing <laughs> yeah that was that was specifically <laughs> what i like just no dude just I, literally taking over people and using them as like comic i love the meta text of it because it's kind of like that thing where neil patrick harris talks about the end how it's like he says sheeple un, unironically and i fucking hate it but like <laughs> i mean that is kind of the idea of the swarm isn't it that all these people are just kind of controlled underneath the same ideology and that's that that is that unsubtle sharpness that i like but the problem is is that whenever they're portrayed they're done in a fucking boring world war z kind of way where it's like i hate this i hate this action but the idea is so cool it's a good one why is that this entire yeah, movie that's a good example like the overall action scene was not good but there was that one little nugget that that john brought up that i also liked as well just the kamikaze the concept yes. of, okay we're just gonna yeah yeah we're just gonna use these people as bombs yes, I agree. that we're dropping that i did like that hilarious yeah the action was just way too much neo jedi powers yes. i'm like yeah and it just really wasn't well shot. It was like Keanu just stand there and raise your arms up. I mean, the dude and, is fifty-seven. He he, yeah. he can't fight kung, kung fu anymore. John Wick. I mean, I don't know. Have you seen the John yeah. Wick movies? I mean, he's like throwing down pretty hardcore, yeah. dude. Like, yeah, I just yeah, it just, I don't know, man. It was just really this movie was frustrating. Yeah, I actually overall I did I did like Neil Patrick Harris. He felt like like if there was some like I said if there if the Matrix was going to undergo some progressions, some evolutions, if you will, or or, uh, or ah patches or what have you ah. um i thought he was he was um i thought he was pretty good overall um i i liked him in the movie that's probably not really a popular take the matrix but... patch notes uh matrix 2.0 patch notes address the bug yeah. where people could slow down time and dodge bullets <laughs> yeah 
Uh, yeah. uh, patch the part where um, the architect decided to show up and fuck things up. Uh, added a character called well, the analyst. There we go. That's perfect. The analyst. Yeah, the analyst. Yeah, the analyst. And I did like that. Um, that Smith was like a really like a wild card. Yes. Yeah. Um, I loved throughout that. the movie. That was a cool concept. In the beginning, um, I dreaded just... it, but he turned out to be one of my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, again, yeah, he cool. was just an agent of terrible chaos. execution. Why is he this yeah. man? I that's the thing. Agent yeah. Smith to me should just be kind of the corporate, the corporate cold guy, right? I don't want him updated to the tech bro, okay? Which oh fuck that. But I did, I did like that he uh, he called him a Tom, right? So there's like this this growth of familiarity in the building of. I, I did kind of like that where it's like their relationship has grown, where it's not as informal anymore. He's not this like, you know, portrayed as this. Uh, tight buttoned up agent of the government no, but so to speak. i think that's the i think the point is that it's the evolution of corporate cronyism where you have the original agent smith basically looking like a g-man from the 60s and pretty much that's yes. how businesses handled themselves and then you yeah. update it to 2020 and you have the tech bro who's like nah man we're friends we're friends i'm totally exploiting you we're friends i did like that as well he was he went from like a straight up government bureaucrat type to like we had discussed, like a tech bro type. Fuck, I did, I, I did this. like that. I hate it. it. Makes sense now. Ah, and I don't. Um, it and makes I, sense. For I like Smith to be Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, I hate it. And I do like Jonathan Groff, and I like Neil Patrick Harris, but they were just not given good material to work with, right? Like literal down to dialogue and everything. Else. I, I think Neil Patrick were, Harris did a really good job. Yeah, down. he had better material to work yes. with, certainly. And I like them both. I think they both did overall did pretty well. They did the best that they could with the material they had. You know, if I was an actor, I would, you know, shit, I'd want to be in a Matrix film as mm -hmm. well. Um, certainly more interesting than 99% of other Hollywood films. You go weaving. Yeah, but that's because they were uh, shooting in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, and I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of, I was, I was okay with Hugo Weaving not being in it. Just the fake of, yeah. just the fact of not retreading. Then was why fine. bring back uh, Neo and Trinity? Because uh, they were, uh, they were, they were the MacGuffins. You know, no, no. Basically. But actually, I read an interview with uh, Lana Wachowski where she told that during COVID she lost her mother, her father, uh, some friends, and she wanted to bring something that was familiar for her. She wanted to bring bring back something that she loved and she lost and she wanted she wanted that she wanted that to happen you know yeah and that's bring fair. back and everyone I think, then i think <laughs> when you delve into as much meta commentary as you have i think it's you kind of need some some tethers to the former stuff and i i i liked the um the neo and trinity stuff in the movie i thought that was kind of the only thing their relationship was what really kept me at all interested in what was actually going on and what they were attempting you bring um, back but... all the three characters that died in the originals except the one who lived yeah, yeah of course <laughs> yeah i don't know and, and the, the explanation was dumb what did they say like they recreated them or something they showed them like literally reconstructing them or something yeah. i don't know that is literally what I'm they like did. okay whatever okay whatever yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah it, it was good to see um Keanu and, and Carrie Ann, I think she, especially her, I don't, I don't think I really see her in much yeah. uh, anymore. So it's always good. And they were, they were good in the movie. Yes. Um, again, just with the material they were given um, that scene in the, the, the cafe, I thought was really, really yeah. um, effective. We made some kids happy, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. They even named her, her dickish husband, Chad, which is like the most dislikable white guy name ever. I, I mean, think. and so also the fine. fact that that's Chad Stalhelski Stel is also yeah. just like, yeah. it's like, you knew what you were doing here. You knew what you were doing. Yeah, that was very effective. I like that. Do you um, know that and... 
the guy that plays Chan in the movie is Keanu Reeves. Stunt double uh, in the double, original. Stunt double in the original. Yes. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, that's good. that the... makes a, co- a certain correlation with like, uh, the idea of putting Trinity back with a sort of Neo yeah. to keep her in her place. Yeah. You see, that's the yeah, problem. Li- literally, literally doing a stunt. Yeah. yeah. So much of this movie is like, fuck, that's a great idea. Why is it shot like this? Yeah. <sighs> I love yeah, it. It's, it's <laughs> I really like this movie. I, I'm really positive on it. <laughs> I know... <laughs> It's not perfect. I wouldn't even call I'm it happy a for good you. Like, movie. No, no, that's the thing. No, you, it's like it's not a good movie, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, hate I don't it. hate I don't it either. Despise it. So that's the thing. No. I appreciate what it is. I am just so angry about how flawed it is because I feel like some you can find someone to shoot this better, and you can keep the ideas almost completely intact, and this movie would become so fucking good if you just fixed how boring it looks. Yeah. That's what makes me so angry about this movie. And I don't know. It's like I that's the one question I want to I would want to ask Lana is was this deliberate? Did you like deliberately shoot like it I don't know. It has to be. I cannot I mean, I'm someone who saw Jupiter ascending in the theater. So oh, like I God. come from Yeah, I come from I come from experience of of laughably bad Wachowski films. <laughs> um so I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I did like the ending. I liked that it was really focused on Neo and Trinity in the end. I mean, can we talk about what was the human city? Uh, it wasn't Zion. What was it called? Io. Yeah. A lot of that stuff Isn't I didn't, Io like a, I didn't care one for. One of the moons of Jupiter? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, to be mm. fair, that's kind of cool. You have Zion, which I think is what? Like, well, the first more... city of like Jerusalem. It's a re- like it's that. a revered yeah it's a, it's a revered it's basically like a almost like a holy land like a yeah. like an oasis destination for the, the last yeah city city on a hill if you will and yeah, then you yeah, have yeah. Io which is a moon so. of Jupiter which means like oh no no we've at least progressed you see cool idea yeah. can you fucking ugh. I need to oh yeah and I and I spoke about this too the Io stuff oh my god the whatever they did with. Jada Pickett Smith, my God, it was so distracting. This is something that I wanted to touch. What did you guys <sighs> think of her? Because even though I liked having Niobe back, I, felt I yeah, I liked like the concept. It, yeah, I love the concept of like Niobe is like an older, jaded. I don't know about jaded, but no, older, more experienced, She's wiser. Not jaded, Jaden. Sh- uh, shut up! No, shut J- up! God. No! <laughs> uh, I'm in a God. God, we have a, we have, we have some nukes left, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know what? We're sending one to Brazil. Oh my god. Please do. I like that she ended up being the leader, but my god, that that like prosthesis or whatever you want to call it was so distracting. Yeah. Like, oh god. It was not good. It was shitty. Yeah. How the fuck did they waste $190 million in this movie? <laughs> I do not understand. All speaking on that, I love the idea of um ally robots. I don't know. Yes. I, I forget. Did they did they reprogram Programs. them? Did they just naturally turn yeah, they reprogram them? No, no, no. So I like that. Also, I think what it is is that I think those turned themselves because whenever you have the idea of the civil war, I could imagine that maybe some of yeah. those robots did actually just be like, Yeah, this which, is bad. I wonder if the humans are like, you know, how are they doing? Which is a million times more interesting, which I don't know if they would be that interesting, but I would hope so. But I liked that they were also, they were allies, they trusted them enough to be allies within their actual ships yeah. that were out going and doing shit, mm-hmm. but also within the city as well was really cool. I liked, again, common theme here, actually a cool concept that I, in this case I thought was actually applied pretty well yeah. for the most part. So I did like that. Okay, so Niobe, I want to go back to her because even in Revolutions, she's like, I don't believe in the one, I believe in Neo. 
it's like so she doesn't exactly seem like she's full on Morpheus, but she doesn't seem like she's full on Locke either. So she does strike yeah. me as someone that would not put any belief in that because at this point she's like, well, that's the one. Like we already went through this. Anything else beyond this point is pointless. Like the prophecy is fulfilled if, you know, the prophecy were an actual thing. Like that's the thing. I have to believe she doesn't believe this. And to me, she also just seems like someone who grew up in just war forever. Like even what she says, she's like, yeah, like I just waited every single day for the robots to come back until I realized that like the peace you fought for actually was real. So she doesn't exactly strike me as someone who's cynical. She just strikes me as someone who now finally believes that they've reached peace and anything that would unbalance that isn't worth it yeah she was she's not really she's obviously tired right because she's older and she's seen a lot and my god they went like to another fucking obnoxious quick flashback like yeah we get it we know who she is like jesus christ remember naomi yeah yeah it's like it's like oh we're gonna use all these prosthetics and we're still gonna do the flashback of her being younger it's like okay you just kind of defeated that whole purpose (laughs) all right um Overall, I thought the the uh, IO stuff was boring. But again, there were some cool tidbits. To be fair, I like that IO is boring because it just makes it feel like, oh shit, you guys did progress. Like th- th- the world did change after everything that Neo did. Like it's not the Force Awakens where shit just gets reset. It's like, well, we're doing this shit again. Yeah, that makes sense. And a lot of it was going on, like the little bickering they had with the volunteering. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, no, no, that um, felt like the cheese like that felt like the cheese where it's like all of you are volunteering yeah. don't you know what's gonna happen and all they were like ma'am yes ma'am and i'm like oh my god this is the revolution's cheese i'm in yeah yeah i get that <laughs> and um, you're the only one i'm commanding to go no volunteering and i'm like oh god this is i didn't finish the training program more please more <laughs> uh, all right yeah what a. Uh... What else? What other? Was there any other ground that oh, you? Oh, dude, there's so much. Specifically... There's so fucking much. We oh, haven't boy, even talked lot. about the, the entire scene where they're reevaluating what the Matrix is, or they're talking about Warner Brothers and our parent company. So, like, let's start with the Warner Brothers parent company thing. Obviously, this is literally just Lana going, "Hey, look, I don't want this. You don't want this. We're being forced into it to just follow we me down the rabbit do hole, it. huh?" We gotta do it instead of uh, what's the the Transformers movie guys, uh, Michael Michael Bay. <laughs> Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Yeah. You don't want a Matrix Michael Bay movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're all in agreement with that. We don't need to touch on that, do we? Oh, no. That was. I, I don't think we need, even need to argue that. Okay. It was so upfront with it. It's, that's pretty much the plot of the movie. Okay, perfect. Now, the next scene, though, is something that, like, where they do the entire montage of what the original Matrix meant. I actually legitimately love this because it felt yes. so much to me like, okay you guys understand what you did then you understand why this is such a bad idea and everything it's your fault yeah. <laughs> dude the... it's your fault <laughs> the conflicting ideas of everything that they say with the matrix is and how look i wrote so many quotes here we need a new bullet time we need to revolutionize gaming again i took out gaming because like obviously that's the that's the flimsiest fucking metaphor they just throw there um a matrix sequel cannot be another reboot retread regurgitated and then one person replies why not reboot sell 
The Matrix regurgitations. Oh my god. It, the, the, the fact that Neo is eating a steak and it looks so much worse than the one Cypher is eating. Yeah. Like, it feels so yeah. intentional. It's a water steak. Oh my god. Like, it's so... Yeah, I noticed that. I literally had that in my notes too. I'm like, okay, we're doing <laughs> this. It looks like his lug. Dude, yeah. so much of that scene I think is something that I actually really like because it just feels like you guys understand what's going on then. You guys understand why this is a bad idea and you've explained so many through different interpretations of what the original Matrix is that this is a bad idea. And I feel like this is the moment where I was finally disarmed and I was just like, okay, you know what? The suicidal thoughts are gone for a little bit. Go ahead and show me what you have. And then afterwards, the movie just kind of goes, eh. <laughs> also, they did it with a really nice soundtrack, uh, Jefferson Airplane. That song is awesome. Yeah. And the whole montage of taking the blue pill over and over and over and over again, mm -hmm. that brings back to the whole uh, transgender correlation theory yeah. that was in the original movie that no one noticed oh dude there's a quote right it here was... there's a quote right here did you base your main character on yourself and it's like oh come on that's <laughs> come on you know <laughs> <laughs> like no no that's the thing because like it's such a deflection that neo doesn't answer it did you base your main character on yourself <laughs> hey lana <laughs> was the original movie a trans allegory uh yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> perhaps maybe a lot of it <laughs> oh my god but yeah like okay actually you know what the other thing as well is that with that scene you you know how they're talking about how neo and trinity can't be together like she gets the phone call like yeah my kid has a lego in his nose so i need to get that out so it's like ah you see ah there we go it's so it pisses me off again because it's like, oh, that's something set up where they can be together but not too close. It's set up there and you're – why is this movie so smart and then it, it just so often does dumb shit? Because it needs to. <laughs> <laughs> because it's need because it can't be a good movie. Maybe – okay, I, maybe. I think I do like this movie, but I part of me wants it to fail because I don't want this to become another trilogy. Right, I I would hate that, and I think Lana wants that as well. I give me a there show. is good enough. Give me there anthology. There is a lot. There is a lot there to show that she really cares about the Matrix and the franchise, but there is also a lot that clearly shows the screams in your face. I don't want this anymore. Please make it stop. Oh wait, hold, hold could on. Could it could have been far fetched that she made this movie kind of shit on purpose morpheus walking out of the bathroom and going at last and he's like i don't know <laughs> if i wanted to is it a tragedy or is it a farce and it's just like this is the entire movie this is the entire yeah. movie of just trying to chase that high but it's literally morpheus walking out of a bathroom it's like with a yellow suit by the way oh, okay that yellow suit is dope like that man looked that, clean i really like this dude as a new morpheus oh, i don't that's the thing i hate i don't i like him as an actor i like what he does but it also feels like they don't give him much to do and also if you're giving me morpheus plus agent smith can i have some agent smith in my morpheus please please yeah i felt i i didn't i would say that you don't uh, even get morpheus in your morpheus no no that's why i didn't have enough i didn't have enough to render judgment and i think the inclusion of um of bugs kind of threw a wrench into a lot of that. Cause she's not really any of those former 
um, roles. Like she's not really a, a Morpheus or a Trinity. I don't know if she's supposed to be like a fan insert character um, of some sort. I think now that I'm kind of recollecting upon it, like what, what was her actual role role in the movie? Yeah. She's kind of like closer to a Morpheus role than actually Morpheus. No, that, okay. Okay. I guess I don't think so. It it feels like she's the character writing, but just, and her purpose in the movie to introduce Neo again, to this new world yeah but that's reality. the thing that's the very literal way to read it like what is the meta text because like that's all this movie is it's just fucking meta text yeah so just, i think i think she's she's almost like a fan yeah. insert character but she's obviously not in the way that the the meatloaf guy is who's like super obnoxious and is she the good all fan? about yes yeah she's there the good go. fan because she's not she's not focused on nostalgia right like she knows how to operate in the new um the new matrix she has command of things to some extent um she's familiar with what's going on um she's still rebelling she's, more, she, she's she, yeah she's more wired in if you will and aware of what's yeah she's obviously more rebellious since we're bringing so. up bugs i'm just gonna say i don't think i really care for her she existed she was fine she was here i don't that's the thing i feel like no i mean yeah I, I would agree my obvious sentiments for jessica henwick aside i'm like okay she was fine she just kind of had that i don't know sort of I'm like plucky is too strong of a word, but she kind of I mean had that, that it was down that, that road. vibe about her. Yeah, yeah, it was down that road. I, um, I feel like the best moments in with where the movie got into the more actiony scenes were landed to her. And the problem is that I even those action scenes that she's in, it's they like, aren't good. Yeah, you know? I, I like no. the move. I, I like the bit where she was jumping from the building and she jumped from like one ledge to the other, and then to the going down the Anderson the hotel plague just said Anderson <sighs> that was a good bit ish in the end that's the biggest flaw with her she's like she's like a character for the audiences to she's a, she's a vehicle for the audiences to watch the movie right mm-hmm. But, but she isn't even good at that. God, just when that, the, when you reminded me of her falling down those lights, the slow mo. Why is the slow mo so fucking terrible in this movie? Like even whenever Neil Patrick Harris starts explaining his entire plan in the chop shop, it is the worst slow motion effect I've just Did ever you say seen. Say was choppy. Yes. God, I hate. I was so angry at that. Where I'm like, he was awful. Why is this movie 190 million dollars? You really couldn't just get a camera that films at high, like at a high frame rate, and then roll it back at 24 frames. Can you really not do that? It felt like, oh, we'll fix it in post, kind of thing after the fact. I don't know. <sighs> like the the Apple the Apple thing. I guess I don't know. I guess that was kind of a cool concept. Oh, Here's that's the, the only thing, thing that I really they, remember they about did it. Did shoot a fucking apple. Yeah. <laughs> so they yeah. have a, had a high high foot uh, high frame rate camera. <laughs> yeah. Like that looked good. The apple looked good. Why the fuck does Neil Patrick yeah. Harris look like he's running at ten frames a second compared to everyone else? Maybe that's the point because that's how Neil sees him because he can't see. I don't know in slow motion. Make him no fucking sense. Make him look weirdly fast. Like make him look not juddery. It looks like they didn't have enough processing power you to know, get him rendered. You know what would have been really cool if they shot him in slow motion and sped up his footage to match like current speed. Yes, there are so many different things where none of us here have made a movie, and all of us are like, "Yeah, you could have done this better." <laughs> oh, 
okay you know what i'm bringing this up the the new smith the moment that he screams out mr anderson i wanted to die i felt i felt yeah, my that soul, was really bad i felt my soul leave me for a little bit and it's like it's time to go we don't need to be here for this like i was so angry at that point where i was like you do you realize what shoes you're filling in and then it's insult to injury the fact that they have bane over here who did it perfectly and then you have just this guy now just this guy Mr. like oh i mean the the compromise for having a good smith uh, impersonation is cow eyes <laughs> you need to have the cow eyes dude okay another thing is is that in the shooting the actual shooting way too fucking often in this movie will will a person be like five feet away with an entire fucking automatic rifle and they're just missing all their shots like i don't understand why it seems like they had stormtrooper syndrome because Lana told them, no, the main cast has to live. Also, this pissed me off. Why did no one die? Yeah, you're right. No one died. Fuck, you could have at least had some of the extras die on that ship. Not a single... The only people that died were the dive-bombing guys. <laughs> well, because not do we know if they actually Smith are? Smith didn't die. The, the, the analyst didn't yeah, no die. Yeah, one, no, no one, one even died. No one, in their, no one in their crew even died, did they? Nope. No, nobody. There were zero stakes. Maybe, maybe that's also meta commentary that their most franchises are too afraid to kill off any characters. Remember the Matrix when every single character died one by one? Tell you, man, trailers was almost a horror movie. Sorry, why is Robert trilogies? They would die at the end, man. (laughs) Yeah, the person that likes this movie the most is making us like it less and less. It sounds like. Dude, maybe maybe it's some meta commentary on like Lana brought Neo and Trinity back to life, so she didn't want anyone else to die. She doesn't she doesn't want characters she love to die, you know. Because even yeah. someone like the analyst, which is which is an absolute piece of shit, she likes that character. Oh, I like it. In retrospect, I liked I like that his name is Analyst because I think and, and I don't know I can probably speak to this more than you guys, but. The word analyst is like the most mundane, overused fucking title in yes, think, in current correct. corporate uh, society right now, or the corporate realm. Like analyst, it like it literally, yeah, it literally means next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Like you just slap in. It's one of those ter- it's one of those titles that sounds interesting and intelligent, but it really means nothing. I staple uh, the sheets. It's like the new specialist, basically. Yeah, so I like that. It kind of kept up with the little the whole kind of corporate drone aspect of what they were going for in the first film. At this point, I'm just throwing shit out from my notes. Yeah, who do you did not get training for this, did he at all? Like he did I kind of You mean like for the the fight yes. scene, the sparring scene? Yeah. Oh, that had to scene. have been a fucking oh. Yeah. oh my god. I that's the thing that I was talking about specifically when it came to the train scene in the original. Like you could tell that's Neo and that's that's Keanu Reeves and that's Hugo Weaving. You see this and it's like yeah, it might be Keanu, but like it's definitely not Yahuwah Dean. Like that is definitely a stunt double, and it's like <laughs> it pisses me off so much because like they have they're so zoomed out so you can't see their faces, and I'm like, why did you do this? Why you can't you just a, do it? And and he's a younger guy yes. too, so it's not an excuse. It's like it's yeah. not like it's not like if Hugo Weaving was older now and they was in the movie. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It's not like Candle Reeves that just force pushes everybody. God, I the force pushing is so an age thing, isn't it? Like it's probably like a lazy thing where it's like, yeah, we could do choreography, yeah. or we can just have him go. Which yeah. brings me to talking about Keanu acting like while force pushing. <laughs> Reminds me of that scene when the first shootout happens in Dios Machina gaming complex where they were making the oh. game. The scene where the explosion happens and oh, Keanu's just my like Gnarly Gnarly dude. I swear to God, every single sentence that Keanu said in this movie, I expected him to end. Dude, whoa, that's super excellent. <laughs> whoa, that was you Ted. broke through that my model. Ted. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hope he got a good payday. Oh, okay. oh he got don't worry. Yeah, fifty yeah. million of those, one hundred ninety millions probably went to him <laughs> to convince him to come back. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So do we do we want to do we want to just hop around to whatever? Yeah. Now no, no, so movie? that's the thing. Right now we're gonna top over to the IO shit where like they explain a whole bunch of stuff. The ship things. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about the ships. Do you like this? The news, uh, like uh, uh, scorpion ships. I don't even specifically remember wow, them in this okay. movie. Okay. All right. Okay. Because yeah. like, oh wow, am I the only one? And with boot. Wow. Okay. You saw the movie twice. I saw it once. No, I know. No, you're, no. you're the lore nerd. You probably have their model numbers and everything already. Right? Uh, of course. The the what's the name of the new ship? Uh, Nemesine. Nemesine. Yeah, I'm sorry that I have that one memorized too. Um, <laughs> okay, fine. You know what? We'll just talk. I'll just go briefly about it. I like it. They're like little uh, uh, scorpion tails at the back. They're, they're dope. I like them. Okay. Um, <laughs> the other things we already talked really about the robots. Do we want to go into the civil war that the robots had? Oh, that was uh, a really <laughs> cool idea. That got the same attention as any piece of just <laughs> any random other... dumping of information. The, the Civil War is such a cool idea to know that Neo kind of fucked up the robots so badly and there were probably a huge mass of human beings that were getting unplugged from the Matrix and they started fighting for whatever resources were left behind. I and think... that is... That is why we need a second ending Matrix. Yeah. Tell stories like that. Dude, okay. The history, give me a part three of the history, but it's the Civil War, the robots, and how some of them started coming to the, the human. Third Renaissance. Fucking, oh my god, that's dope. I would love something like that. Um, let's see. I guess we can talk about how Morpheus died. Did Morpheus just kind of die with faith in neo and did he accept that because neo was the one that everything was going to be good and there were still so many issues so when they died it's like ah thank god that man's gone i don't know it just felt like something that they needed to acknowledge Lawrence fishburne wasn't in the movie anymore so but i did i did like that they built a statue to him because like i said it kind of calls back to in reloaded i believe where he's propped up as like a uh it's like a religious zealot yeah 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 it's like a prophet almost so i did like that i think it was nice to acknowledge it um i'm we're still not sure why Lawrence fishburne wasn't in the movie are we do we know that i don't know john probably he didn't want to take part in it but it was at least yeah i mean you have to hope it wasn't like anything like a falling out or something but it was nice that they acknowledged it yeah i I just looked up uh, Lawrence fishburne and when you google him uh, yeah, Abdul Mateen's picture shows up. <laughs> yeah, it's just a racist. <laughs> Jesus. 
right. Um, so what I have here in my notes, rumor of the analyst taking over for the architect, but Morpheus had faith in Neo would take care of it. So I think what it is is that maybe there was a way that the analyst could have been sniped before all this happened, but Morpheus was like, ah, well, Neo's kind of got it. Like, he he's still out there fighting for us. We're all good now. Like, part of me thinks that maybe that just leads a little bit to Niobe's kind of cynicism. That it's like, well, we had faith in you and just complete blind faith. We're not in heaven. We're still on Earth. So there's always going to be another issue. I don't know. Part of me almost read it like that. Could have been him not being the movie, just the fact that really Niobe would be a better character to have outlive everyone else. I would have loved to have seen Commander Luck. Yeah. Locke or... Uh, wait, didn't Locke die in front of us? No, no, no. You're thinking of Mifune. Oh, yeah. That's true. But either way, even... Not even the kid from... Oh, the yeah. Kid, kid's children. not here. <laughs> yeah, he, he died off camera. <laughs> I mean, probably. <laughs> like every dignified character. All right. Uh, there's just... That's the thing. I don't... I want to jump this line out. It was simpler then. People wanted to be free. It's different now. It feels like people don't want to be free like the Matrix 1. Uh, yeah, that just sounds like I want to be some sedated shit. Who is that? Was that uh, Niobe? Yes. Oh, wait, no, no, that's not Niobe. Yeah, that's I one can... of the other guys who's escorting Neo to Niobe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that could be... I don't know what that commentary is on specifically. It could be that how things are really calm and peaceful and there's no real conflict. They may not... The issue may be they have to develop their own sense of purpose because obviously if you're fighting a war, there's like an obvious um, conflict that's confronting you. So your surroundings kind of dictate what your purpose is, mm-hmm. whether like that kid who wants to fight in the war, even though he's only 16 or 17, like a kid that age has no business being in a war, yeah. right? Or like any kind of life or death conflict like mm-hmm. that. So when people are left to, and I want to say things are too good, but like when they're fully and left entirely to their own devices, some people may not know what to do with that so they may end up being um listless and kind of like the idea is that idle minds like idle hands also do the devil's mm-hmm. work so that could be what they're commenting same on content. but maybe i'm same concept yeah as but maybe first, I'm, first matrix the, yeah maybe i'm reading too deeply into that but that could be the way i always read it is that well i mean people don't want to be free and it just sort of seems like well the war isn't happening so we have no motivation to free them so we have more bodies to fight which then just kind of makes it really cynical about why you're thinking that people were freeing each other in the first trilogy. And it's like, oh shit, that's actually kind of dark. And I like the idea of that. I do too. Cause I mean, when you're freeing all these people, right, you don't necessarily know how they're going to turn out. Like when you bring them to Zion or, or IO or something, look at what's his name, Joey pants from the first matrix. Mm-hmm. He ends up obviously being still susceptible to being a servant of those in power. So, yeah, again, would have been nice if they explored some of the stuff instead of as a little aside comment while they're filling time to escort him to Niobe. But, yeah. oh, well. Okay. Uh, I guess from here, uh, I guess we can probably just jump straight to the ending, which, like, is the scene where, that's the thing, I'm pretty sure we don't really want to talk about the action at all in the end, right? No. No? no. Okay. So, Trinity and Neo show up and they confront uh, the analyst. I mean... Uh, what is that scene really I, I i don't get it it just sort of seems like yeah we're gonna move forward now and then they just fly off and it's like i don't really get what i'm supposed to be reading into that yeah i don't know it felt like a little bit of a re 
tread of um, the ending with revolutions. The, yeah. Yeah. Except they're both alive and it's just like, Oh, we're going to come to an understanding um, again. And it feels, except it feels like they're coming to an understanding, but there's also a way for them to have a proper buffer against the machines now, almost like they're going to act as the guardians of the freed humans. Um, so that it was almost like a, it wasn't so much a understanding as it was a warning. Like, don't fuck with us because we're here now, we're around. And I did like that. I actually work here, work, we're get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I felt like they did a little bit of a retcon where it was like, oh, it was Trinity and Neo the whole time, which. Like, so I want to refute that a little bit because I had that in initial idea, too. But on yeah. my second rewatch, whenever Neil Patrick Harris was talking about like how he ascended into power, he was talking about how it's like, well, you guys don't really care about facts. You just care about feelings. And that's something that the architect couldn't understand. So what my thought process is, is that this matrix is one that is using a different formula than the previous one. So while it's this feeling driven, yeah, exactly. Instead of like logic and fact driven. So which <laughs> the meta commentary on that, Jesus Christ, but we're not going to go. There. <laughs> I feel like that one speaks yeah. so much for itself that we don't even need to say anything about it. But so, <laughs> so in my mind, the formula that he's working with now has two remainders instead of one. Because Neo was the imbalance in the Matrix to keep it all in balance. But now the new Matrix that's feelings-based is now using both Neo and Trinity as the remainder, which probably gives her the power. Yeah, which I think leads me to the question again. It's like the way the movie is shot and the look of it can't be done, I guess if you want to call it bad, it can't be accidental. Like it has to be when you're talking about this new matrix being focused more on feelings, like everything is literally brighter and it feels warmer and is more colorful and is more vibrant. I think that was a calculated decision on God, it was a bad the decision. machines or the analyst See, part. The movie's yeah. back at being well, good again. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, exactly. And I don't, again, it's obviously jarring and I didn't like it, but I think I understand it more now, especially after talking about it with you guys. But yeah, I, I liked that aspect and I like that it, again, it focused on, it, it eventually focused on Neo and Trinity. I thought it took a little bit too long to get there, but yeah, I, I did like, I did like it. Yeah, it made sense. And I think if, if you're going to bring them back, that's the, where you should probably take it, not have them be like the way they did it horribly in the, the Star Wars movies, but that's another. Also taking deal. it back to revolutions and Trinity being also super powerful someone that takes that long to die has to be the second one yeah Dude, this girl is just that's true as whispering well. she has a lot of blood in her body you, you wouldn't have idea this girl you have like seven the... pints of blood in your body no she has 27 and i liked i like the idea of needing both of them to help power the new yes. matrix yeah like literally using them as uh, as batteries or whatever, however they they're the stabilizing force, good. so the rest of them can be used as batteries. Yeah, I did like that. There was one other thing. I don't know if we wanted to go for it because I think I'm kind of done. Here. What did you guys think of older Sati and that whole thing with her dad? Bonk. What? what? No. Well, okay, you went fine. That's okay. Whatever. Bonk. There you go. Here what? you go. What? No, no. John said bonk. Bonk. Okay, yeah, bonk. Obviously, okay, bonk. Yeah. I think um, the whole heist scene that went full cheese mode. The heist scene where she, they had to steal yeah, Trinity. The little cut back and forth felt too conventional for, this, yeah. for the series. 
Yeah. What did you think of the thing with, with her dad and building the pods and all that stuff? That felt like something where it's like, you know what? Fine. That's really convenient. But okay. Yeah, yeah it felt convenient. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, say it felt like something like, like, okay, oh, I we, guess. Okay, we need an explanation for this. Here you go. Remember yeah. remember the Matrix? Remember Sati? Yeah. <laughs> remember yeah. Sati? She said she was going to paint a whole beautiful sky for Neil. She lied. There was never a rainbow. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that whole that whole scene was like drawn out a lot, and I'm I like, like okay. because that's also something that was brought to bearings with the analyst. He said, "Oh, you're gonna paint a nice rainbow in the sky now." Well, we weren't, but that's a really good idea. I like rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I really like that scene. Yeah, <laughs> Sati. I kind of like that they brought her back. Is like, oh, I didn't expect that, and you know what? Just yeah, sure. Give her more. The her parents being part of the thing that made him possible to come back. I was like, that's eh, a little too much. The whole heist thing, I was like, I don't really care. Like none of it looks interesting. The only thing I do like though is that Kujaku, the specific like bird machine. I love Kujaku. I want a Kujaku. I really yeah. Like that him. I, for a second I thought that he was going to betray them. No, Kujaku's yeah, a good boy. Too. Yeah. yeah, Kujaku, I will say Kujaku did remind me of something out of Jupiter Ascending, unfortunately. Oh. Um, oh. So you ha- he has that little bit of a stigma, but it was a cool design. Like uh, That movie is terrible, but there's some cool artistic design elements within it. And I, I could see some Jupiter Ascending in this movie, which kind of makes sense. But I hated the whole, like, I don't know what you would call him, like the way Morpheus looked, like the little pin. I don't know what you would call him, like the body oh, the, made the, out of the pins. Little balls. Yeah, that was so dumb. I'm like, okay whatever yeah that was stupid that's what I, that's what i mean when i say that you, you you could have used the idea of literal meat bags for programs to come to our world you know yeah oh god but the they idea. did this much more convoluted manner god can you imagine yeah. like if there was a really shitty person and everyone just kind of agreed yeah you suck we're gonna put you into the matrix and make a program take you over instead <laughs> Because that wouldn't go wrong. <laughs> hey, look. Maybe they tried it. Maybe it didn't happen. Dude, Jim sucks. I like the Merovingian more. Can you put the Merovingian in him? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have no words. Okay, is there anything else about this movie? Because I think we're done. Yes. All right. Why would you end the movie with such a fucking shitty cover of a legit good song? Oh, yeah. Okay, you know what? No, no, no. So I'm going to tell you guys something that I learned about that song. The main, the lead singer of that cover band apparently has video footage of her pissing on a fan's face on stage. What? Now you have to yes, now you have to learn with this information. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the cover is not so bad after all. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh pretty metal, I guess. Could have been worse. <laughs> um okay, so yeah, that that ending song I was like uh, It I, that, was garbage. Th- my eyes rolled. I was like uh, Yeah. This is it was not good. This was the this was another you had cross one joint. Yeah, it was like Lano said, hey, I know all of the song, the Raging Against the Machine song choices have not been subtle and have been too on the nose. So I'm just going to use a sledgehammer this time. <laughs> and it's going to, it's not going to go downwards. It's going to go upwards to your nose, caves into your brain, basically. So, like, and it's also going to be a, a, the same song, okay? 
but the singer yeah. is gender swapped okay yeah. okay you know what i'm just gonna say it because i feel like it needs to be said somehow we didn't bring it up at all for resurrections but lana really hates how everyone else interpreted this movie right like she really hates how some of the people globbed onto this movie and made it mean things that she didn't want it right oh you mean the original matrix yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean that's her own fault. I though. mean that that come. I mean that comes with that comes with having a really broad appeal movie. Yeah. That's kind of the kind of the blessing and the curse, unfortunately. Uh, that comes with the territory. That's what I mean when I say it's it's her own fault because, like I said earlier, when I watched The Matrix, I I had no idea what it really was supposed to mean, and I really loved everything else that she didn't want it to me you know <laughs> no no so like i, yeah. I think okay i want to dive into this because i feel like i left it just as broad as the original matrix was but like i feel like this movie so much is just like slapping you over the face of like this is what i meant about it which honestly at the end of the day you know the author is dead you can read the matrix however you want and resurrections to me is always just kind of like a like her putting her flag down of like no this is what i meant and it's not like people read interviews or watch things on youtube of her so making a movie yelling this is what i mean is probably the best effective way to explain this is what i mean i'll give it to her i <laughs> i think okay. so i just don't think it was an effective job oh, of, of doing so yeah um, i don't either but at this point what else can you get it out of? Yeah, that movie, it's like you know? it's like when you convey a really what ended up being a really broad message in the original movie, and then you do this movie now that tries to be specific but is very very messy, is not effective yeah. to me. It gets muddled, which is what this movie is. Yeah, it's very convoluted. It is yeah. very convoluted because you're not yeah. only you're trying to bring back the Matrix, you're also trying to put a, a Cloud Atlas style love story in it. You know, you're trying to upgrade the matrix you're trying to put back again a lot of old concepts all the while trying to be a meta movie but also trying to create some fucking legacy it, it's too much for one movie at the end of the day all i have to say is that even though with how much i don't like this movie i still enjoyed it more than spider-man <laughs> i haven't seen spider-man yet actually i've heard the spider-man because when i was watching resurrections there was a lot of sound bleeding from the next room. <laughs> That's how it always goes. That's how it always goes. That was awful. Okay. Anything else? Did we finally get through all the Matrix? There are the MMO video games. No. Play that. No. No. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the Path of Neo. We're not going to talk about Enter the Matrix. We're not going to talk about the MMO. No. Matrix Unlimited. Unlimited. Infinite. Something like that. Oh. <laughs> Matrix. Matrix oh. Lunchbox. Matrix ODST. Uh, Matrix: The Revenge, <laughs> the seven thousand and movies. Wait, that um, Unreal Engine Five thing is literally called The Matrix Awakens, right? Yeah, is that right? no, Reawakens. Am yes. I wrong? Jesus Christ! By the way, I watched that again, and no, sorry, I actually played that like a day I or two that. ago. Did you? And they had a moment where Neo basically looks dead at the camera and is like, "Don't trust the marketing team." And I'm just like, "Yeah, oh my god." <laughs> Ah! The, the meta yeah. aspect of the movie carries over to that that demo. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I downloaded the demo and then I just uninstalled it. I didn't even play it. Smart it was worth it. It was fun. Was it? No. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was fun in the same way where Edwin thinks that uh, Fast and Furious is fun. 
fine. Okay, okay whatever, fine. Oh wow, fine. wow, that's jeez, that's a shot across the fine. Bow. Okay, whatever, that's the thing. The Fast and Furious is my whipping boy. All right, it's bad, but it's also really entertaining. Like that's res- that's revolutions <laughs> to me. So like, you know what? What can I do? Yeah. I can't say anything. <laughs> okay, to summarize, Resurrections. Best way that I can put it, I said this before. It's an awful sequel. It's a terrible sequel. It shouldn't exist, but it's a really good companion piece. You know, it's something that hey, we also it should be taken as hey, we also did this, but it, it's not canon. Okay, please just we put a lot of effort in here. Actually, where's not the really, effort? <laughs> but it's not canon. <laughs> not canon. All right. And if you take it seriously, it's it's not good. Poot. Any final thoughts about Resurrections? Uh, Resurrections, no. I I only watched it once. I may look to uh, rewatch it. I'm so sorry. Soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm sure shit not gonna not gonna buy it or anything. Good. But yeah, I, I may check it out again just to see if I missed any little tidbits here or there. No, I, I didn't know what to expect going in. I watched one trailer that I hated. I did like that it eventually centered on Neon Trinity's relationship. But other than that, I didn't really glean much uh, positively from it so uh resurrections it is incredibly good ideas stuck behind terrible execution where honestly the best way to watch this movie is to not actually watch it just kind of glance over every once in a while and make sure you're listening to what they're saying god well you know what i'm still happy this movie exists because if i really just got the member the matrix remember the bullet time I would have probably hated that even more. So at the end of the day, even though I don't like this movie, I am still happy it exists and I will probably never watch it again, but at least it made my brain work for two and a half hours instead of just for two and a half hours. Yeah, it is better than the alternative. Michael Bay, the matrix revenge, revengeance, the revenge. All right, that's it. We're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. All right. End card. Hey, look at you. You got to the end of the episode. From episode zero to the day that I finally get lazy and cancel the show, a big thank you to Joey Rawlings for providing the perfect name for the show. Be sure to always give him thanks, either out loud as you're listening to this, or you can just send him a thank you tweet at boogeyman117 underscore. That's boogeyman117, I-E instead of Y, double O. Be sure that it's an underscore, not a dash, 117.